Joe's. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Star Joe's. This is Flint of Lady J fame. Star Joe's is where it's at. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 100, a conversation with everyone. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Chuck. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, episode 100. Chuck, how you feeling? Did you ever think we'd get here? Uh, no. No, I really didn't. I just want to say congratulations, Ryan, on 100 episodes. It's been a fun ride. Can't wait for 100 more. Yeah, I don't know if I have 100 more in me, but I'll try. There's <laughs> more in you. Luckily, I don't have to be like in the trapped in a room with you right now for episode 100 because I don't think I could handle you right now. So but. that's true. I'm coming to you live from Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead. We have a guest waiting in the wings. I don't want him to to wait any longer. He's our he was our very first guest we ever had for the show. The guy that totally legitimized our show going forward. Uh, also well known for his GI Joe impersonations. Uh, Mr. Robert Atkins. Robert, welcome to episode 100. Welcome, hey, Robert. thanks, guys. Glad to be here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, and Robert, this uh, we were talking a little bit before the show started uh, about an image that's on Facebook right now on our fan page. Um, because this is, uh, I don't know if it's a bittersweet thing or, or what, but this will be the last time we have you on as a guest of the show. And yeah, I'm not allowed as a right. guest anymore. <laughs> because as of, as of this moment, you are now officially a co-host of the show. Congratulations. Hey, all right. Moving up in the world. <laughs> I don't know if it's up or down. or it's... <laughs> Yeah, you can, you can quit that silly Dark on City podcast. <laughs> so I reached out to, to Crash. I mean, you and I have been doing the, the cartoon episodes, and obviously right. I, those should be continuing. Uh, we should be back in full force probably, I'd say, 
August, uh, we'll, we'll be back on a regular schedule with those. We had to do a lot for this episode 100. Um, yeah, say we have uh, 101 already recorded, right? Yeah, 102. 102. 102. Okay, yes. so that's how far ahead in time. We had to actually come back in time to record this episode. Right. Gotta get back in time. Yeah, Chuck and I are going to do an episode 101, uh, sh- probably not too long after this episode 100. That'll be a good jumping on point for new listeners, uh, kind of reintroduce the show and the segments and things like that, and then get right. caught up on comics. And then 102 will be you and me and actually John Thurman back doing the cartoon episodes. And then we'll be on a regular, probably some semi-regular schedule after that. And we'll be in Baltimore. And- yes. Yes, in September. Yeah. No telling what will happen. Yeah, it's coming Oh, up. yeah. Absolutely. It's going to be a good time. Um, but yeah, so I reached out to, uh, because we're going to be having you on regularly, we're like, I might as well make you a, a official co-host. So I reached out to Crash, uh, one of our great listeners who did our logo of Chuck and myself uh, with the Star Joe's logo, and I asked him to add you on. And uh, in true fashion, we had to get make you a blend of a Star Wars character and a G.I. Joe character. So I kind of had a good idea of what you probably wanted for your G.I. Joe character, uh-huh. uh, but I kind of just guessed with the Star Wars character. So I had him do a blend of Boba Fett and Snake Eyes. Sweet! Together. So. I know, it's pretty badass. Yeah, it looks Where pretty Where is dumb. this picture? I haven't seen it. You can Facebook. find it on Facebook, and it's also actually on our website right now. It's smaller on our website because it's in the upper, that little corner. Oh, okay, yeah. Or you can go to crashmurdoch.dvnr.com. Yes. But uh, it is on our Facebook fan page right now, so so uh, you can check that out. Yeah, of course, Ryan's in the middle, so you well, got to glory hog that hole. Right, I'm the leader, so I think that yeah. was a, that's a given. The leader, it's whatever. A, it's a given. I'm also the person that that, com- that brings you and Robert together, so because I do the show with Robert and I do the shows with you, so I'm the glue that holds this family together. Oh, are you the glue? I'm the glue. You're just sticky. I don't want. I'm not going to think about that too long. (laughs) I'm just going to let that one go. He's sticky. I'm going to pretend that never happened. Hot, hot, sticky, sweet from his head to his feet. Please let me forget that happened. <laughs> He's like a little deaf leopard. Why do you keep bringing it up? Because so, I want to pour some sugar out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually also saving up something else for episode 100, a, a little secret that I've had 
for a little a, introduction to a little hentai cartoon or something? What do you, what do you get? No, no, no. <laughs> so Robert, Robert, Robert's known for his uh, torpedo impersonation, <laughs> as well as other characters. You've really got a notoriety for doing various... I, it was never my intention. I, no. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> now you're a torpedo guy. But it's I been know. awesome. It's been awesome. <laughs> Because uh, it's made for some great intros to those cartoons. I love the most recent one with the, hey, Wild Bill, why don't you milk our ponies and bring us a glass? To milk our ponies and bring us. That was straight from the cartoon. Yes. You can't make that stuff up. No. No, no, no. Shipwreck, I have to actually say that. And it was so funny because as I was going through the episode editing, I was like, oh, that'd be a good one to int- open up with. Oh, that'd be a good one to open up with. And then I got to that line, and I was like, well, that's the winner right there. <laughs> so uh, what I've been holding off since for a long time, and I was like, well, episode 100 might be a good time to, to introduce this little nugget into my demented life. I also have an impersonation that I do. Oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> and I do it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> said no one and it's a pr- no a lot of <laughs> a lot of people said this all right so, go ahead and do it go ahead so it's it. pretty yeah. obscure it's not related to the show at all other than it was an 80s cartoon um i do an, a very good impersonation of animal from the muppet babies <laughs> so oh god everyone prepare to be amazed <laughs> so so you guys ready for this i don't know if i'm able to get it out but Without laughing. Well, I'll get it. You can get it out. <laughs> Just put it right out there for you. Put it right out there. All right. So, all right. Put it right on the keyboard. All right. <laughs> what do you think about that? I thought you were cutting in and out at first, but that sounds really <laughs> like him. That's really yeah, it's, good, actually. It's pretty good. I, I, as a kid, grew up loving to watch Howie Mandel, and then I found out he did the voice of Animal. What? And I, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he also did Bobby's World, which is just a slight variation off the animal voice. And uh, so I practiced and found out actually how he did it was he restricted air going into his lungs, which makes it fun for talk. <laughs> so I pass learned, out every five minutes. Yeah, so I learned, <laughs> so I learned how to do that. And, I can uh, only do it once a day. <laughs> so I was going to bring up in one of our cartoon episodes. I was like, no, I'm going to save that for episode 100 because <laughs> I think it'll. Yeah, well, God, thanks for thanks for doing it. I, You're welcome. Thanks for saving. I, you know, and I for, totally forgot what he sounded like until you until you, I heard the voice. I was like, I don't know if I remember if he's going to. I mean, it could, he could sound like anything. I'd be like, uh, sure, you know. But then once yeah, he's, once, once I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally it. Well, I did think about actually inserting like an audio of like saying I could do the voice of Megatron and <laughs> right, and then it comes out. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> I can do a great Darth right, Vader. Let's go, let's go back and redo it. You can just redo it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's my Chewbacca. Right, Ready? Here's, here's Ryan doing Chewbacca. Go. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, I had so. no idea. Like that, you should go on the road. That's amazing. I know. I was thinking if they ever brought Muppet Babies back, I'm gonna I'm gonna audition. So, 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 so that was my hidden talent for episode 100 that I brought. Chuck, what do you got? Don't quit your makeup. <laughs> he can he can fart. I'm the champ. It's amazing. <laughs> I've heard it twice. <laughs> I don't think I ever want to hear that. Although I think I might hear it in Baltimore. So <laughs> right, that kind of talent would be awesome. Uh, so what's been new lately, Robert? You had uh, GI Joe Battleground come out, which was the 
top secret hush project. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's, um, it's kind of a, obviously I've been mostly working on comics for the last, you know, just throughout my career for the last six or seven years. And, uh, in the last year, especially I've kind of branched out and I've done a lot more commercial art, uh, to fill the gaps in between issues or, uh, just as I've been approached, uh, especially stuff related to the GI Joe property as I've become more and more involved with it. Um, and I was at uh, the Seattle Emerald City Comic Con this last spring, and the people who are running uh, Dina Games out of Canada, who mm-hmm. own the licensing rights for the game, right. approached me there at the show and asked, like, hey, we're putting this game together. Um, they they had already got production started and, and were well into it, but they uh, you know, came across my table and asked if I could be a part of it. So, uh, <clears throat> so I jumped in, and uh, I'd been working on these character shots uh, ever since where I didn't know, I mean, especially at the time they were like, Hey, can you do card art? And I was like, uh, sure. And I thought it was like for a physical card game. I didn't even know at the time right. it was going to be for an iPad, uh, iPhone game. So, uh, so I was just drawn, I was penciling out the characters. A few of them I inked, but for the most part, they would just pen, have me pencil one and just move on to the next one because they're okay. like, look, you know, cause we don't at the time some were designated, uh, different categories of say how tough the character is right. and um, that would also determine the level of rendering or how amazing the card would look or the artwork artwork would look so um they were just having me pencil it and just move on to the next one and they had a team of people kind of in-house doing stuff over my drawings so um i'd worked on it real steadily from april through about uh early June. <laughs> okay. Is, is, is Keith Knutson here? Did he show up? That's, 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 that's the chair. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, that's my hidden uh, talent. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> we got two Keith impersonators here. <laughs> I'm in a hotel. Quick, talk chair. over it. Talk over it. Quick. Right. Um, uh, so anyway, so, yeah. I'd, so wor- this, I'd worked on the artwork. This right one was. Time. 8.5 out of 100%. <laughs> I thought it was on the Richter scale. All right. Uh, it's some uh, edamame. <laughs> the Fifth Amendment. Hot and pepper tutti frutti. So anyways, back to the... Oh, so yeah, I, where, where, where the hell were we? I kind of finished up what, uh, you know, the list of characters they had for me at, towards the beginning of June, and we were just waiting for the launch at that point. They had a few... You know, things to finish up, to test the product, all that. So, uh, and then right as it launched, um, it's, I guess, has done extremely well. So, um, they've got me back on, again, depending on how well the game did and release, um, was how much more they were going to expand the game. Okay. And, uh, so it's done really well, as far as I know. And they've, are, they've given me a whole new list of characters to do. Nice. So, which is great. Um, I think they have over 200 characters drawn out now between, uh, or 200 illustrations, I should say. Um, because there are some characters who have three or four illustrations, yeah. you know, based on their the level. Like you can, stuff. you can, yeah. yeah, you can upgrade your characters, and as you upgrade, often there's a new picture. Yep. So, um. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm playing the game. I downloaded it when it came out, and, uh, I have, like, the rare cards are the ones where you get the, the action shots on the card yeah, those are the the digitally painted ones yeah and uh, that was really neat especially when i did the artwork for those because i had no idea what these were going to look like and right. they started showing up as detailed and as painted as they were i was blown away like i just hadn't 
all I was drawing was a penciled character on a white background, and they did everything else, which was just pretty awesome. So nice. Yeah, I have uh, I my badass character that I have is I have the I have a bunch of the rare cards uh, yeah. now that I've been playing like a fiend, and uh, the best one I have is Firefly. Who oh really? He has this bio weapon thing that hits all the yes, targets. That is the best. Oh my god, he takes that. I, I swear I could just have a team of him. And, and <laughs> there are some just, people who do that. They just they get the epic cards of, say, Duke or whoever, and yeah. they just have, like, you're fighting four Dukes all of a sudden. You're like, oh, this is a nightmare. <laughs> that would be a nightmare, fighting four Dukes. Yeah. I would. <laughs> but, you know, but at least you know you could capture them at the end pretty right. easily. <laughs> you wouldn't need a stun grenade for those guys, let me tell no. you. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> you'd have one captured by a new, uh, like a little hanging noose thing. You'd have one captured by uh, a slave girl. You'd have one captured by a dingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a dingo. Yeah. Speaking of Dan Jerkins, I was reading a little Booster Gold today. <laughs> wow, that's some awesome stuff. I don't even know where you're going with that, but all right. <laughs> so um, we were talking so, about awesome art Robert was doing, so I just threw that in there. Right, Dan, some awesome art on. Booster Gold series. So. Well, I can tell you, I, I've been re- today just before we started recording. I, speaking of awesome art, I was reading Earth <laughs> Two, which has Nicola Scott art in it. And, oh, she's good, yeah. Oh my God, just it. This was issue number fourteen, and it was just amazing, absolutely gorgeous art. Um, but anyways, back to your art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're... I don't really pencil that much anymore. But what do you want? Oh to my God. <laughs> <laughs> he so, is taking commission requests. If you yes. Yeah, it'll take a while, though. So you have a whole other <laughs> list of characters now to draw? Yeah, which is great. And it's it's fun, too, especially now that I'm familiar with the game and I've been playing with it and I've got, like, my son hooked and he plays it. So uh, um, so the I don't know, according to my non-disclosure stuff, like, what I'm allowed to say, especially now that the game's out. But anyway, sure. so I was, I was working on a character where my son Connor was... Uh, He's like, oh, should I uh, use this character to upgrade another? I said, no, because they're going to be coming out with an epic version of that card pretty soon. And he's like, it's not available now. I was like, no, I just drew it. Like, <laughs> I drew it today. I just they're finished painting it. The yeah. When they update the game, this so a lot of your rare cards that might have one or two stars, and that's and you level up to say level seventy or something, and that's right. all as far as you can go. Right. Well, that's just because they haven't created the update and the artwork for their epic version yet. So gotcha. if it's a character you like, but you're kind of disappointed that they're low level, uh, hold on to them. You know, there's no reason to use okay. them to, you know, upgrade your characters. Like, hang on to those, and because you'll see epic versions of those come out, and especially if they're your favorite characters, then, you know, you can promote them together and, and make them, you well, know, see, I- or you might even be able to recruit them that way. I think your son just wanted you to do a Keith Knudsen and just scan it in. Just just scan <laughs> and it just in. Scan it. Just scan it. I got it. I will it? say the co- the character I was probably most disappointed with, and I think uh, Eric Grubb uh, can support me on this, is uh, was Dusty. Because he does this move called Sacrifice. Yeah. Which means <laughs> he, he just got, throws himself in he the... He throws in himself, the yes. He throws himself I in so front of another character. Flint's move. I so wish that would have been Flint's move. <laughs> No, suck. it's actually Duke's move. <laughs> Duke does that as you get into his special skill set. But I found that uh, it is that actually move. If you use it tactically, because 
there's been some complaints about the game that it does all the fighting for you, right? Yeah. Um, which I understand. I mean, you would need a much larger RPG engine yeah. to do all the moves yourself. But what you can do is the order... Um, for instance, my I have a mixed team of my strongest characters. And I have an epic duke. I put him on the left. My team leader is Snake Eyes, of course. And then I think I've got, like, uh, Baroness, um, Roadblock, and... Who else is on the team? Maybe Firefly or Zartan is on the team. So what's great is when you get into the battle simulator, mm-hmm. as soon as they kill off your leader, then your whole team is dead. That's all oh. it takes. So what I do is I put Duke at the furthest left and then Snake Eyes. So Duke's special move is to uh, do the sacrifice, right? Right. Well, um, so anytime somebody tries to attack Snake Eyes, Duke hops over nice. and takes takes the attack so you have to kill duke completely before you can even touch snake eyes which allows me to fight longer and win more battles that way i, I like that plan of sacrificing duke yes in a second so so he could be <laughs> wow you could be a, you could be a credit to your country <laughs> it's okay he's just in a coma but he is one of the strongest characters in the game, though. That said, uh, yeah, he is, he is. he's much stronger than Flint's highest level, which is kind of yeah. disappointing. But. That, yeah, we got to work on that. That's just how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say the one part that cracked me up the most, though, playing the game was uh, when a character dies, they say in the middle of battle, they'll say, like, retreat or fall back or something like that. Yeah. But Snake Eyes is just dot, dot, dot. dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be dialogue boxes as you're moving through a level where Dial Tone is talking to you, or if you're a Cobra team, like a Televiper is talking to you. Right. And, you're, you know, if you're Destro, you're like, I'll wipe the you know this yep. area clean and build, you use its resources for my next weapon or whatever. You know, he's talking trash. Right. And then uh, I have Snake Eyes as the leader on the other side. So Dial Tone's <laughs> like, there's, there's Cobras all around you. You got to move through as high, as fast as you can, and then Snake Eyes goes dot dot dot. You're like <laughs> nice. I don't I don't know, but then sometimes uh, the leader will pop or a, a big boss will pop up at the end, and it'd yeah. be like, "Are you ready for this?" And then Snake Eyes will just have like an exclamation mark. You're like, "Oh, he's gonna bring it." <laughs> well, at least they yeah. got that part of it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so with doing this whole game now, do you have much uh, time in in your? hours to actually work on any comic stuff or anything like that or do you have anything coming up yeah no the the game's like the perfect job because i can um pencil out one of those characters you know kind of like i was doing my daily warm-up sketches like i can draw out a character it doesn't take a full day to do that and then i can work on pages or covers or commissions or you know other other commercial art stuff throughout the rest of the day so um and I don't necessarily have a new Joe character every day, you know, but every couple of days I'll, I'll do one as, right. uh, you know, cause I'll do one, turn it in. I have to wait for feedback. I do some revisions or whatnot, turn that in. So, you know, I only do a few a week at the most because of all the, just the process of commercial art. Um, but I do have, uh, a few projects, uh, comic wise, um, that I'm working on. Um, nothing, property related at the moment there's a few things where either we're putting a pitch in and we're waiting to hear back or um or i've been talked about it you know as a possibility but i don't nothing 100 percent on those what i am the other thing i'm working on is uh, i'm still doing uh, elders of the runestone which is creator own project with right. johnson where i'm doing the tight 
kind of breakdowns for each page, and we have another artist coming in doing finishes. So when you look at it, you can definitely tell it's uh, you know my storytelling, you know my typical like character proportions and stuff like that, and somebody else is coming in and doing finishes. So there's still uh, this other artist, Dan Glassell. There's there's still his style, you know, influenced on the finishing lines. Um, but those but, are your barrel chests, right? Exactly, but yeah, those are <laughs> definitively my barrel-chested characters. So awesome, you can tell that just at a, at a glance. So anyway, so I'm still definitely involved in Runestone. We have issue three, it, one and two is completely done. There's it's a double-sized first issue, uh, so there's issues one and two, three is almost done, four is halfway done. So we're kind of in the process of doing both of those cool. simultaneously. So as soon as those first four issues are done, um, they'll all be made available digitally that you can download. Um, and either as a PDF version through artistalleycomics.com or uh, at that point, you know, we're, we're looking for a possible publisher to put us in through Comixology. Um, and we haven't really pursued that heavily because we want to make sure it's all done first okay. and before they solicit anything. Um, but we do have a, a publisher with an, with an offer on the table that just says, when you're ready, we'll publish it. And it's just up to us to decide if that's the best deal, you know. Nice. Oh, cool. Nice. So it, it's definitely um, will be out digitally, uh, and we just have to work out the details to get the trade done and printed. So, um, cool. so that's kind of where Runestone is at. Um, for anybody who contributed to the Kickstarter, I want to say thanks. And uh, there's still Kickstarter rewards that we're taking care of. So um, basically, as the book is getting done and, and and worked on, then we're doing the Kickstarter rewards, you know, as we're getting it all taken care of. So that's definitely in motion and happening. Um, and I'm also working on another creator owned property with, uh, Paul Allor, the guy who wrote the, uh, turtles, uh, fugitoid issue. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, he is, a, a an alumni from the comics experience website, which is, uh, uh, run by Andy Schmidt, the former senior IDW editor, Right. Worked at Hasbro for a while. This is his um, kind of uh, comics instruction instructional courses you can take. Where uh, I'm, I'm the one of the art professors or, or teachers, and there are a number of others uh, for classes you can take for writing, for editing, for drawing, coloring, inking, just about every step of the process of making a comic. They offer courses and in, instructional courses. So um, obviously throughout the course of that, we've had, you know, a lot of uh, people graduate and go on and, and have careers in comics. And a lot of those alumni are uh, working together to start creating comics using the comics experience as kind of like a creative hub, you know, to get in contact with each other. Right. And, um, and we'll be making a push to get connected with a major publisher to basically publish comics experience Oh, nice. You know, built from creators who are either instructors or alumni, possibly even student, current students, you know, certainly if the, if the quality level's there, to be producing our books that will be edited by Andy, you know, built up. So anyway, so we're really excited about it. It's, uh, it's our next major push. So I have a property that we're building up with Paul. Um, it's the very early stages, but we're really excited about it. And, um, and I'm working on the first few pages now, so we're already into production with it. Oh so wow! That's I'll be awesome. able to show I'll be able to show off a lot of that in Baltimore. Um, I don't I don't want to talk about it specifically too much yet until we can put out like press releases and stuff with sure. artwork and everything involved. But yeah, I can I can definitely show off stuff at the conventions, and we'll probably have 
you know, everything uh, nailed down towards the early fall. Nice. So, nice. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Baltimore, is that so is, is <laughs> do you have any getting nailed? Yes. <laughs> so is Baltimore your next convention or do you have anything before that? Um, I have a uh, let's see. Is Baltimore early September? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Baltimore is definitely my next one. Then uh, I'm doing St. Louis in late September. Then I'm doing uh, New York Comic Con in early October. And then I have a show out in Salt Lake in late October. Okay. So it's like boom, boom, boom. Every other yeah. week I'll be gone. <laughs> nice. Like two yeah, I'm months. Going to, I'm going to go to CoilCon before Baltimore. Yeah, I know. You I were there wanted, last year, yeah. Yeah, I did. And I had a great time. It was um, It's definitely a different kind of... Sure, atmosphere, yeah. Yeah, it's not like a comic show. It's just, you no, have vendors yeah. who are there. Um, it's kind of like right in between a small show and a swap meet. Exactly. But, but it's a lot of fun. It's very casual. Yeah. And my, my my wife and kids came with me, and, and we had a we had a blast. So oh, that's awesome. They've got, yeah, that's out in uh, Kokomo, Indiana. Yeah, and they've got an amazing store that'll just blow your mind. I mean, there's just so much stuff there. It's crazy. Very cool. Yeah, I found an amazing store here in Charlotte. It's called uh, Rebel Base Comics, but it's more oh, yeah. of a kind of a vintage toy store than it is a comic book store, but they do have some comics. So mm-hmm. I picked up uh, seven figures of the original Star Wars vintage stuff. So I got seven wow. figures of that. I got three, the first three issues of the movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read those. It was a really good story, and I picked up a Batman trade, the Noel Batman. Yeah. The one about the, it's like after Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. Cool. Yeah, which I, I heard that was really good. So. Yeah, I've heard about I, that one. It, it looks phenomenal. i got to read it. I haven't read it yet, but I just I picked it up on Saturday. I read the three issues of The Movement, and I really liked that. And that's from uh, Gail Simone and uh, it was Freddie Williams, right? Yeah, Freddie, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And see, The Movement, I wasn't... I read. I picked up the first issue and read it, and I just didn't really care for it. And, I, and I'm a fan of both creators, but I just... I was like, I read it, and I went, I don't even know why this is in the DC universe right now. It doesn't nice. doesn't fit into any of it for me, so... I just yeah, saw I, I actually kind of liked it. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and again, I got those seven Star Wars figures. So the only ones I'm missing from the original twelve is uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and Princess Leia. Then I'll have the first twelve figures. Wow, that's my goal. And and as as usual, Robert ends up all being about Chuck. In exactly, that episode, so. <laughs> that's all right. So I'll be going to I'll be going to CoilCon, and then I'll be heading to Baltimore. <laughs> Where I'll meet up with you guys. Right. Nice. So if you want to bring anything for Chuck to sign, he'll be there. He'll be at those. I'll two be representing places. Star Joe's as the lone member. If he uh, remembers, knuckleheads bailed. So if he uh, if he remembers to wear his bring his shirt. So oh, I'll, I'll bring it. I want to bring it. <laughs> like that movie, I'm going to bring it strong. Uh. So um. So yeah. Also to give. Uh, people an update with the shirts also because I know there was a new order and everything else. Uh, the order is being placed, uh, so we should anything have else, maybe we should they should be uh, hopefully seeing those very soon. Uh, so that's going to be awesome. Um, so Robert, uh, we're going to I'm going to uh, we're going to go right into a firing range here with you, and right. then we're going to go. Chuck and I are going to then leave you here for a little bit. We're going to go into our other interview guests, and then we'll reconvene with you at the end of the episode. All right. All right. I'll just wait here. Patient. Yeah, you just, just wait. Hang out. You just wait there. We'll teleport this is like out. Your initiation, you got to like go through the spanking machine. Yeah, I know. I got to sit here through the firing range and then yeah. like lick right. my wounds while you guys. Right. Are... And then right. 
then we'll we'll hyperdrive out of here and then we'll we'll swing back around and pick you up at the end. So go get yourself so, a nice tapioca pudding or something. Right. Yeah. Toss me in the back to tank. <laughs> pick me up on the way back. Exactly. Thank you. All right. So with our firing range questions, uh, let's see, we have. Uh, question uh, number one, TARDIS or DeLorean? Oh, my God. That was not the first question. DeLorean. But, yeah. Uh, at, you, you, no, no. Yes, that's yes. that's right. That's totally wrong. <laughs> that's completely If you're going to time travel, you travel in a TARDIS. No. Or a, would, a DeLorean. Or a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger on the inside, though. Come on. Hey. Chuck, you remember how? Do you remember how not to not to pull back the curtain? But you remember how Mike Costa always seems to answer your way? <laughs> yeah, doesn't happen with Robert so much. <laughs> nope. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure he'll surprise us a little bit. I'm sure he'll surprise us with a few of these. But <laughs> all, right. all right. So uh, first, uh, well, I guess now second. What do you got? I guess now second question. Uh, no hamburger or cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Absolutely. Wrong. Absolutely correct. Absolutely wrong. <laughs> no. Uh, favorite hot dog topping? Uh, oh, man. Um, just one? or like oh, You can go another hot dog. What I would put on my favorite hot dog. Okay. Yes. I'm really split. I'm really split between two. Um, I think my absolute favorite would be like a chili cheese dog. But I, when, I went, when I was living down south and we'd get the slaw dogs... With like cos- coleslaw and mustard, that is yeah. too awesome. So I'm gonna go That's with the slaw dog. Good. Okay, nice. I will accept chili cheese dog. I won't accept anything with mustard <laughs> on it, but it's okay. okay. Awesome slaw dogs. Um, they are you, amazing. You had me with the slaw dog up until the mustard part, and then I was out. So uh, you don't need you don't need mustard, but it's good. All right, all right. Uh, favorite pro wrestler, past or pre- or present, doesn't matter. Uh. Anybody but Ric Flair. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say, especially growing up, I'd say uh, Ultimate Warrior. Nice. nice. Now, now, have you watched the documentary with him? I haven't yet, yeah. and I've heard I've heard about it, but you I, I want to see it. Yeah, you can find it online. I did. I watched. I've watched about thirty minutes of it so far, and it is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> you, can, you can go to YouTube and also find his promos he cut. Yeah. Yeah, he's oh he's batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like I, I don't, um, I was talking with an artist at a show. We were having dinner together, and I guess he had to do some kind of promo work for the Ultimate Warrior at some point in his career. And he was saying that through right the, through the Warrior's agent called him up and said, "Look, okay, Warrior's going to give you a call. Uh, just want to run run you through the the procedure. Okay, you only refer to him as Warrior." And the guy's like, "What? Like <laughs> he has a real name? I can't use it." No, listen. He goes by Warrior. <laughs> Don't call him anything else. And the artist is like, oh, okay. And he goes, uh, you always let him start the sentence first. Do not interrupt him. Let him do his thing. And then answer as quickly as you can. And He was then, always and he was like, character when he talks to you. Okay, so he hung up. Like five minutes later, the Ultimate Warrior calls up. He's like, how's it going? <laughs> and the guy was like, Hi, uh, Warrior. And he's like, that's right. This is the Warrior. And he was just like, in character. For, <laughs> that is you know, they're just freaking talking, awesome. They're just talking about the job, like the production of this artwork. And right. he was in character wow. the whole time. I'm like, that is amazing. That's great. <laughs> and crazy. <laughs> that is awesome. 
It's like dealing with Chuck. That's really what it is. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and you know what? There's a lot of these uh, you guys who were wrestlers through the 80s and 90s who are fantastic people, just really nice guys. You meet them a lot at conventions and things, yeah. and, and they're just really down to earth. But then you have those one or two guys who are just a little off. Like, have you guys ever met Virgil? Who was like Million Dollar Man's bodyguard? Remember yeah, that? I know who you're talking oh, my, about. My, friend, met my friend Nick met him. Yeah, and he said he's oh, a dude. Yeah, he. I was at a show in uh, Dallas, a Wizard Dallas show, and I was there early working on sketches. The public hadn't come in yet, and he just walks right up to my table and starts up conversation. I'm like, whoa, it's Virgil, and uh, I was yeah. just chatting with him and stuff. And then he just went into complete detail about. Everything he had done with this woman the night before. Oh, jeez. And starts acting things out and literally started humping my table. Wow. And I was like, I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck (laughs) behind this table. (laughs) The Virgil's humping. And he he knew that. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what to do. And He he knew you couldn't go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I, I let him finish. And he <laughs> on the table. <laughs> he just went on his way, and I was like, "That was the most surreal experience I think I've ever had at a show." <laughs> and then Robert had to clean it all up. And... I was a mess. What can you do? <laughs> um, all right, favorite Joe pet because we've gotten in, gotten to know these characters really well. <laughs> po- Polly Timber or Freedom? Oh man. Um... Well, there's Law and Order and Mutt and Junkyard. I mean, yeah, that's true too. Other dogs, but these are the no, three. No, we call these are the dogs. three we've met so far. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no, I would say. Uh, yeah, I think I would say Timber. I would say out of those three, he would be the most like I'd want to have with me. Like if I'm taking it seriously. Well, I guess like, we have. He's met, on my side. Yeah, we have met Junkyard too. I forgot. Yeah, about that's him, true. So. Yeah, we've met we've met old Junk, but. Yes. <laughs> uh, I yeah, want him just to call him. I would him take Timber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what Mud does. So I would take Timber as long as he is not wearing sunglasses. Okay. Not dancing the moment the he wears sun, yeah, sunglasses with the rat tail, with the rat tail yeah. like I disown him. Okay. Like, it's over. <laughs> All right. Uh, most overused character: Wolverine, Snake Eyes, or Deadpool? Oh gosh. Oh, that's tough. I would. Oh. I would say uh, Deadpool at this point. I like the character, but the yeah, whatever it is about the character that made him different and cool is kind of starting to wear off. So okay, I think with Snake Eyes, like he's not even in the books right now. Yeah, yeah, and he wasn't in the books the first couple years we did it. So yeah, uh, I I know professionally you wouldn't mind working for either company, but as far as reading wise, uh, the classic are uh, Marvel or DC. Uh, definitely Marvel is kind of what I grew up on. So X-Men, especially, uh, if I was going to work on DC, it would be a Nightwing or a Green Lantern title. Okay. Like that would be a dream working over there on those. And if I had you on a Green Lantern title, it'd be a dream for me also. That so. would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but if they put you on Booster Gold, you're not going to tell them no, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, he's another <laughs> big time favorite of mine. So. And you have to put him at some point in the collar for Keith. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just for him. <laughs> Um, here's another classic debate. Uh, since we've done, uh, you've introduced the Atkins battleground. Yeah. Uh, Superman versus Batman. Who wins? Oh, geez. Um, 
based on sheer strength alone, Superman. Would I, do. I I think Superman wins because the 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 only way Batman would win is if he had uh, you know plenty of time to plan and set up the environment. You know, like right. I mean, kind of like he did in Hush. But okay. even then, Batman wasn't necessarily. Or I mean, Superman wasn't even necessarily. You know, he's being controlled a bit. Right. But um, where he can control the environment, he can lead Superman through certain obstacles to either wear him down or set him up. Yeah, and obviously with the kryptonite weakness or say magic yeah. of some sort or whatever. You know, knowing Superman has such a clear weakness, he can plan ahead and manipulate Superman into that. But I think at, at times we've seen glimpses of how powerful Superman can be, and it's it it is ridiculous. Like the what he could do, uh, and, and to incapacitate a human. I mean, and not kill him, not even break bones, just knock him out. You know what I mean? Right. Like it would take absolutely nothing for him just to zip in and flick him in the forehead. Like it's just, <laughs> it's really you know, it, it, if it's impulsive, Superman wins every single time. If if Batman has Time to plan. Time to plan. He could draw. He could draw, draw it out. I think. Okay. And he's got a he's got a puncher's chance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, a foolproof plan kind of thing. Another battle. This this one's a fun one for Chuck. It's uh, He Man versus Thor. Oh, He Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hands down. Hands down. I mean, He Man is the most powerful man in the universe. I think He Man yeah, in comics has gone toe to toe with Superman. Yep. And I would and say one. Superman's stronger than Thor. So, yep. I, don't, I, don't I, I would say Superman's magic. stronger than Thor too. But that's yeah, well, Thor has magic. I mean, Thor could actually beat Superman. Mm, I don't know. Mad. Um, is he's got to get again. He's got to get it. He's got to get a hit in too, though. <laughs> Superman's got super speed. Well, Thor doesn't have super speed. See, that was. I, I mean, that's a big part of why He Man beat Superman. Is that what you're saying? Because He Man's He Man's sword was magic. The power sword right. yeah, is yeah. empowered through the sorceress and through Castle Grayskull's magic. Right. So that to that extent, that's why I it's think made in the hierarchy. Better. It's going to be it's going to be Thor, He Man, then Superman. Because again, He Man's just the most powerful man in the universe, but Thor's a god. Hmm. I didn't thought of it that way. <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing it out there, you know. Whatever. All right. Uh, speaking of He Man, your favorite Masters of the Universe character. Oh, man, when you pick favorite, that's always so hard for me, favorites. Um, we we ask the tough questions, Robert. That's No, gosh. That's oh, what we're all about. Oh, so hard-hitting. I can't. You want, a, you want a good guy or a bad guy? You want to narrow it down? Yeah, bad guy is Trapjaw. Okay. Hands down, he's my favorite uh, bad guy. Awesome. Um, good guy, I don't want to pick He-Man, but it's just He-Man. You know what I mean? Like, um, if, you know, not, if it's not He-Man, I would say... Uh, Probably Man at Arms. Okay. And you know, but it's hard for me not to pick characters like Stratos, who is my first, you know, yeah, Stratos, toy yeah. toy that I own. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like it's hard not. To, but for character's sake, I would say uh, Old Duncan. He's yeah. he's he's gonna win out. Yeah. And once again, Robert and I are right there. Trap John, Man at Arms. Those are my, yeah, my dude, favorites yeah. too. So. Um, and then this one's very self-serving for episode 100. Uh, Star Joes or any other podcast. Um, any other podcast. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> All right. Hell yeah. Honestly. No, um, <laughs> no, I love it. No, I love it. Star Joe's is the best. Yeah. Let awesome. the blood flow. With and, the... Yeah. Don't tell any other show I'm on. They're the best too, but Star Joe's <laughs> is the best. Well, you're part of the show now. You have to say we're the I, best. So. Yeah. 
it's all self-promotion at this point. Exactly, exactly. If the, if the other shows ever come out and say, hey, why'd you say Star Deals was the best? You could say, well, I'm actually one of the co-hosts. I'm a so host to... now. If you want right. to make me a host, oh, oh. then DC Noise can be the best or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. Um, all right, Robert, <laughs> we'll work. second. <laughs> well chuck and i are going to head off to uh to some other people we have lined up for this episode and then we'll circle back uh at the end here with you and so we can get your information uh out there to people that are interested in your work and what you have coming up and everything else and uh and we'll close things out all right sounds good all right cool we'll catch you on the flip side it's on the flip side right you stay classy Joe's podcast. This is a big bunch of fans at the Heroes Con 2013 in Charlotte, North Carolina. We really miss you guys a lot. This is John Thurman starting off. Happy 100th episode. Look forward to talking to you soon. And now I'll pass the mic. What up on your 150,000th episode, son? Cobra, la, 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 la. Hello, this is Brian, Sandman on the forums. I was just calling in to uh, check up on Ryan and uh, see how well he's holding up, seeing how see how he's doing. I heard that he was having some uh, back issues after carrying the podcast for 100 episodes. Just kidding, just kidding. We all know that Chuck, well, we're not really sure what Chuck does, but he probably does something, so... Happy 100 episodes, guys. I'm opening up one for you. All right, and welcome back, guys. Uh, on the line right now, we have famous uh, writer here of the Cobra series, G.I. Joe comic book, Mr. Mike Costa. Mike, how you doing today? Good, guys. I'm famous. I like that. I, yes. <laughs> Famous. I can't famous, it's Infamous, anymore. famous. Well, it's, it's a, you are famous. Yeah, I was going to say, you are famous in our world because I don't know if you remember last time we had you on, you had won, uh, we'd have the Roadhouse Awards. Uh, and we did for 2011, you were best writer for 2011. That's right. Yes, it was an honor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you one up to yourself, or really two up to yourself this year. Because when all the nominations came in and all the voting came in, you not only won Best Writer of 2012, uh, but Cobra won for Best Ongoing Series of 2012. And Chuckle's Last Laugh, which was issue number 12 of Cobra, won Best Story of 2012. Well, yeah. I need to fire my publicist because I, <laughs> I did not know about these things. Uh, <laughs> honestly, Mike, it's, it's like a no Marvel no prize. So. Right. <laughs> No, that's wait, awesome, wait, though. I bet. wait for the yeah, and that was voted. I mean, Chuck and I did did the nominations ourselves. As far as we each came up with three nominations, and sometimes we crossed over each other and stuff like that. Um, but then it came right down to the listeners voting uh, who they who they wanted for each category. So, um, yeah, so it's clearly a fans' choice vote. So congratulations, the fans out there love it. I know I loved it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I, uh, I that is. Honor. It really, I mean, seriously, I, whenever people tell me stuff like that, that, you know, uh, even 
something that two people voted on. It really does mean a lot to me. I think that's great. So thank you. Well, it was more than two. <laughs> so. well, good. good. So you guys aren't at the bottom of the of the ladder then. That's awesome. No. No, no. no. We've no. we've increased uh, listening since uh your first significantly. Rod, so yeah. Yeah, significantly. So um and actually speaking of uh I wanted to touch on Chuckle's last laugh, which I think the reason it won was uh, from what we've heard from listeners and the way I think both Chuck and I felt about it, it was a perfect ending to Chuckle's story. Um, Thank you. It, it really it really kind of encapsulated everything. Now, was that planned out to be done at that moment, or, or where did that story come from? Like, did you just have more that you wanted to tell about Chuckle's? Or No, that was always planned. Um, I... Uh when the first issue of the first uh, miniseries came out, uh, it, it got so much attention, uh, I think more than anybody really expected. People really, you know, liked it and latched onto it. So there was only supposed to be those four issues, and then that was going to be it. And then I was going to do what became the Tomax and Zamot Cobra special. You know, that, right. that okay, was already yeah. planned before. Uh, but that was that was going to really be it, and I didn't know if I would do any more GI Joe. I thought maybe later, maybe they'd ask me to come back. And all I really hoped for was that Chuck Dixon would take some of the threads that I left, like Chuckles being out there and knowing about Cobra, and maybe bring it into the main title. That was kind of my dream. Um, right. I had left a couple options. I had a couple options in my head for what to do if we had a sequel, but that was just in my own head. And right. Right after the first issue came out, I think everybody was so pleased with it and the way that it performed that they decided, well, we should do a sequel. So uh, they got me on the phone and Chris Gage also, and we talked about what we might do. And, and that conversation sort of decided, well, maybe we could do like a trilogy. And uh, and then that night I went home to go to sleep and uh, I have really bad insomnia usually. And I was awake at like four o'clock in the morning and it all just sort of hit me what the story could be, you know, the whole thing. Um, and it basically is the same as what I came up with then. There's a lot of details that changed, but like the overall structure is the same, that the second series would sort of focus more about on um, Erica, uh, on the chameleon, you know, sort of her leaving Cobra. And then the last page of the last of the second series would have Co- would introduce Cobra Commander. And then we do a third mini series of four issues. Oh, and then we do a one shot that was about Chameleon. And then we do a third mini series of um, about uh, Cobra, where you know we kill Cobra Commander in issue three. And then we we would do it in issue three, so that by we'd have issue four to convince you that he's dead. Because I was worried that if we killed him at the very end, people would just say, "Well, he's probably not really dead." So issue three right. was when he get killed, and then issue four would be the final showdown between Tomax or uh, between Zamot and uh, Chuckles. And then we'd do one more one shot, which would be the Chuckles one shot. And it would go: the first one shot is Tomax and Zamot, so it's bad guys. The second one shot is Chameleon, who's turning from a bad guy to a good guy. And then the final one shot would be Chuckles, would be a good guy. I, I'm a real kind of freak for structural stuff like that. I, I Okay. And so that was, yeah, that was always planned. By the time, uh, obviously, we got around to executing it, after we did what was supposed to be the final, or the second four-series miniseries, um, they, it was felt that the, the book would, would lose steam and it was doing so well, so we should just keep it as an ongoing. And so the whole idea of doing three miniseries kind of went out the window and... and uh, you know, we had already started working on the uh, chameleon one shot at that point, so that did come out as a one shot rather than another issue of the of the ongoing. But we didn't really have a place for the chuckles one shot, so it kind of never got done. And then, okay. 
uh, when after you know Chuck Dixon and I did the big Cobra Command mini uh, a crossover, each of we were there's going to be a one issue of each book that was sort of like the the epilogue issue, you know. And so right. I saw that the epilogue issue of of Cobra would be the perfect place to finally tell this chuckle story because now you really see the consequences of what he did, which are kind of significant. And so this, I thought this would be a good time to like put, you know, bring him back in and, and show that he was part of the reason why this all went down. And so I was really, really glad that I finally got to tell that story. Um, and yeah, ultimately it was, you know, the most I had thought about it previous to that was this issue is where we kind of get to know who chuckles really was inside. And we also focus on Hawk and like the price that Hawk paid to be this guy that sends people right. out to die. And that was it. Right. So, you know, yeah. I didn't really have like the story until I sat down to write it and it worked out really well, well I think. And I'm so glad that IDW finally went and collected all 15 issues into one volume because that was, that was always my dream from sending that first email at four o'clock in the morning, you know, four years ago, I, yeah. I imagined maybe one day they'd collect it all, and they have, and that's that's, that's awesome. It. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going next. Was I got the the hardcover um, that that collected it all, and the thing is absolutely beautiful. And it's like like I said before we started uh, started actually formally recording, um, and this is not unlike what Chuck might think. This is not lip service. Um, Cobra has become my favorite GI Joe. Uh, series ever like I, yeah. I like it better than anything else that, that's come out and, not, and that's not to downplay anything that's come out before it but it's it has all the elements that I would love in a story and the chuckle story it spe- itself was what really defined that for me and so I made sure when that hardcover came out I was like holy crap I can get it all in one location put it on my shelf it's going to look beautiful and I could pull it off any time and read the just that story so I think it really works well, and I, I'm sure you were couldn't be happier than to see that that come out like that. So yeah, I really, I mean, uh, it's one of my finest sort of I consider one of my finest things that I've done is that that's all there, and that because yeah. it was so hard before trying to explain to people how to read the story because it was spread across like three different series, and the numbers yeah. are all strange, and it's just so much easier this way when people. I meet people all the time that don't really know my work, and they ask me, if nice people who may or may not be bullshitting me, <laughs> like, well, well, what should I read of yours? And, I, and I, now I can tell them, well, get that, because that's the, right, that's yeah. the story. That, yeah. and my, my whole favorite part of the whole thing was you took a character literally that was little to no use in the G.I. Joe universe, you built him up, and then you tore him down. You just you, you, you killed him. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and that's actually something too that um, you I think you've kind of made a name for yourself with within the G.I. Joe community of those that read the comics and everything else is that you've really made a name for yourself as far as taking characters that nobody wanted wants anything to do with or or thought they were just throwaway characters or Seldom even just bad characters yeah yeah bad characters whatever whatever word you want to use to describe them and reinvent them a good example of that is just recently in the issues you reinvented the night creepers. Yeah. Yeah. And where, so like, were you give? I'm kind of curious, like, were you, are you just given a list of here's characters you can use and here's one you can't use? Or did you actually like go out looking for a character like the night creepers to, to reimagine? 
No, I go out looking. I mean, I, I try and do research. I do research myself. And, and there's also a lot of conversations between me and uh, Carlos, uh, my editor, Carlos Guzman, yeah. where we kind of talk about, like, well, where, you know, what character would be good for this? Um, in fact, uh, the concept of that, the story that we have right now with the, um, the Night Creepers, I think it may have even been Carlos's suggestion to do a Tiger Team story. I, th- I think it was. It's, it's really hard for me to remember, you know, because all these conversations happened, you know, like six to eight months before the issue is out. And, sure, and, it's, sure. and when you have like a creative conversation with somebody, you're coming up with ideas, it's hard to remember whose ideas are what. But I'm pretty sure that was his idea. And uh, I seized on it, but I didn't know who those characters would be. And it took a little while to, you know, decide for them to be the Night Creepers. But I, I, I think it was Carlos's idea. Well, you should do a Tiger Team story, and then, and then I came up with they could be the Night Creepers. So okay. that's probably a backwards way of doing it. You know, you, I, yeah. you should probably find the Night Creepers first, and then decide what to do with them. But it worked <laughs> out pretty well. So, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting too, like because you actually took elements of like. Just little subtle mentions, like you mentioned that they might even be ninjas, which is kind of what they originally were. Yeah. Um, they were lame ninjas, but they were ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> so, they were like cybernetic ninjas or something, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah so exactly. That, I, that's, you know, I always try and keep as much of the core kernel of the idea of who these characters are. And for me, you know, the Night Creepers were highly technological infiltration artists. So that said, you know, that said tiger team as opposed to, you know, cyber ninja basically. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And Chuck, did you have something? I know I cut you off there. Sorry. No, no, you, you, you kind of picked up where I was going with this was the seldom used characters. I mean, another one that comes to my mind is like cutter. I mean, he's a, he's a great character, you know, coast guard guy, commander of the, uh, the hovercraft, the whale. So seldomly used, but he's probably got a lot of good stories in him. Just, uh, you know, if you can get your hands on somebody like that, that would be great. But I'm loving the books right now. Night Creeper, I, I think maybe Night Creeper Leader would come in when I first read the Tiger Force team. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be like, like G.I. Joe Tiger Force or something, the Tiger team. I'm like, but it took a whole different direction with the, the Night Creepers, so I'm a little bit happy about that. Yeah, that, issue three is out, right? But I don't think issue four is yet. Yeah, I'm trying to. I think, uh, I I think right it's here. just three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all I've read through. Yeah. Issue, uh, issue three, issue four is the final. Issue. It's a three-part story. Yes. The Night Creepers. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had it right here on my desk. Yeah, issue number three. Um, and that's another thing too. Like, kind of re. Uh, it's kind of ties into the whole reinventing, or at least giving people what, not what they were expecting, is you have a romance going on with Flint, but it's not Lady J right now. Right. Oh. Yeah. And I think, of course, everyone, I think, was assuming that it was going to, well, Lady J's there, Flint's there, it's going to be a romance, but that's not who hooked up, and it and it works. Like, for the story you're telling, it works who he's kind of having feelings for. There's something going on, at least, so. Well, I'm glad you guys think it works. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing, too, and you're talking to someone who, like we've mentioned before, is I'm a huge Flint and Lady J fan, and the relationship between them is, is big for me also, but... I'm also someone, if you're telling a good story, I don't care what you do with my yeah. characters. Um, I hope you never kill Flint, but if you do kill Flint, I hope it just makes for a good story at the end of the day. So You should go out pretty weak and lame. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, speaking um, of Chuck's, <laughs> I was Chuck's a, more of a Chuck's more of a Duke guy than I'm more a of a Duke guy, fan, so. but that's just my <laughs> personal taste. Uh, again, speaking of something that you did that caught people off guard and caught people by surprise, those uh, digital Masters of the Universe comics. Uh huh. Where did where did that come from? That was awesome. Well, thank you. I that was uh, you know DC Comics published those, and uh, an editor at um, DC reached out to me and and asked me if I would like to work on those, and I said absolutely. You know, uh, the good um, move. Good move. <laughs> thanks. I, I mean, it was from the beginning. He was like, yeah. Well, what we're doing is we're launching, you know, uh, uh, Masters of the Universe miniseries. And uh, what we want to do is do these 10-page digital stories to sort of supplement the miniseries and introduce characters and stuff. And he's like, and he goes, I thought you'd be good for that. And then he gave me a list of different characters. And, uh, yeah, I, I sort of picked who I wanted to work on. A couple um, of characters that I really wanted I, I didn't get, but I feel like I got ones that were really good. Uh, Battle Cat was sort of their idea, and at first I was thinking, like, Battle Cat. I don't know. But, then, <laughs> but I think the yeah. Battle Cat turned out uh, turned out really well. And then they and then they also suggested Shira or you know um, pre- previous uh, Princess uh, Adora. Yeah, Adora. But then again, I sort of changed her name from Adora. Um, but yeah, th- and that was the one that like got all the attention, which I did yeah. not expect. But like CNN ran an article about it, and I was like, CNN, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, look yeah. at look at me. I'm big time now. <laughs> and, well, and the interesting thing about it too, um, and I think one of the reasons it got so much attention was not only that you know okay they've already brought He-Man back now they're bringing She-Ra back and this might be a new explosion of Masters of the Universe which I don't think anyone thought Masters of the Universe was going to be a comic book again to begin with <laughs> but um, when it came to She-Ra it really the story you told really kind of set up for what was coming in the ongoing series. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they ended up going with that because at the time, um, uh, the original writer I think had just left the book, and, and Keith Giffen had taken over, and and there was a lot of sort of shuffling going on, and I, I really wasn't part of any of that. I just sort of did my job, and you know that was that. Whatever they decided on the main book had nothing to do with me. But it was, uh, I mean, I, I got the impression that they were having me set this up, um, but the fact that you know that that's kind of where it went was very gratifying because you never know because at yeah. any time an editor or writer can just be like well let's focus on something else right now so it's all, like I said before when I wrote the original G.I. Joe series the Cobra series all I ever wanted was to contribute something to the larger book right. and uh, it's it's just a good feeling because you know now um, for the rest of however long this book goes on like that those ideas are in there and that's 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 the cool part about working yeah. in comics Okay. A little follow-up the, question to the digital yeah, Masters Universe comics. Do you ever know if they're going to put those in like a print format? You know, honestly, I don't know. They they have been doing that um, with other digital stories, but they've all been like Batman and stuff like that. So I, I'm really not sure. Uh, it would surprise me if they don't. Um, but then again, I don't. You know, there's some number cruncher over there who's figuring that out. I I should yeah. I should ask when I see you guys at, at San Diego. I'm I'm curious. I don't even know if I you know yet. But I'll, I th- okay. think I think I could be wrong, Chuck. But I think in that first trade for the first miniseries, there's going to be one or two of the digital stories in there. Awesome. Okay. I might be wrong, but I think there's one or two of the digital stories that they put in with the first miniseries trade, which actually comes out this week. Oh well, I hope um, there is because then I get money. Yeah. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. Well, I hope there is too because I can read them again. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, 
here's here's a big question for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you've worked on Transformers, mm-hmm. you've you've worked on GI Joe, mm-hmm. you've worked on Masters of the Universe, and and you and I know you worked with your friend on Turtles. Yeah. What's the next '80s property that you're working on? <laughs> you know, I, that that just sort of became what I did for for a while. Uh, yeah. Tiger you know, shirts. I don't want you to stop. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, I want you to pick stop, the next. Pick another one. Go well, I've had. I got to admit, I mean, I've had because uh, all of these are licensed products. So you know, Masters of the Universe is owned by Mattel, and right. obviously GI Joe is owned by Hasbro, and uh, uh, the Turtles license I think is owned by Nickelodeon right now. Nickelodeon, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like ultimately, you have to please more than one master and with with Hasbro it's always been really easy because the relationship between them and, and IDW and between myself and them because I directly have you know been to Hasbro and I've and I've met the people that are in charge of the license and everything so I've never really had a problem They've, that's always been great but going into new stuff like Masters of the Universe especially with Masters of the Universe where I know that I'm not the number one guy on the property and you know Mattel could just tell me to do whatever and reject my ideas and and that could be that but they were really good about you know wanting to go dark on the shira thing and wanting to make things different and same thing with turtles like you know we told a very sort of intimate character st- study about uh, you know like child abuse <laughs> but yeah. but yeah. they i mean they went with it so and we're actually Ben and I are doing another one um another uh, micro series that should be coming out in the fall with um awesome. With Mike Henderson, the same artist, it's sort of a, a sort of a follow up to our our Casey book. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I, that's really it's, so. It's been really cool. I, so I don't, I, but I wouldn't. You know, this doesn't have to be as good an experience as it is. So I'm not necessarily looking to to work in more right. properties. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe if like you know, Insectors or whatever. Comes to me. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I've got my like, fingers crossed for mask. That's what I'm pulling for. Yeah, I don't know who has that. I I uh, I don't know. I'm, not I'm sure. Yeah. IDW um, has become sort of the great licensor of uh, of you know yeah. nostalgic 70s and 80s properties. So I'll, I'll ask Chris Ryle about. That. Yeah. I'm sure. I wouldn't be surprised if Mask had it, be, or if uh, IDW had Mask because. Um, I remember there was a one shot that came out at New York Comic Con that uh, Andy, I'm forgetting the editor's name, previous editor of uh, Andy Schmidt, IDW, Andy Schmidt, Andy Schmidt. Yeah. yeah. He he headed this one shot comic that had a little bit of mask, it had a little bit of gem in it, had a little bit of um, the Micronauts and stuff like that, and I was like, I wonder if IDW was hinting that they have these licensings that might come out if there's a demand for it. So, um, yeah, I'd be very interested to see if they have masks. I know a book I would love to have you on, uh, and not that you want to – I know you said it's not like you're looking for more licensed properties. Um, Dynamite right now has Voltron, and it is in sore need of a revamp because Ah. the last series they just did, I – it was painful to buy every issue, but I bought it because we covered it on the show. Yeah. (laughs) So reach out to Dynamite and say, hey, I heard you're looking for someone to, to redo Voltron. <laughs> okay. I, hey, I mean, I've never worked for Dynamite. Uh, it'd be another you know publisher that I could say that I worked for. So I, there you go. Yeah, I'll talk go. to them at Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, what are you, what are you currently yeah, working on now other than what we've talked about? Any other things that we haven't talked about or planned or anything in the yeah. works? Well, I'm doing a, I'm doing a book with uh, with a publisher called Avatar. Um 
okay. with a writer named uh, Jonathan Hickman, who is writing Avengers and a big time Marvel writer right now. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. known a little bit. Yeah, people I've heard. I've heard of somewhere. him. Yeah. <laughs> so he, yeah, he and I are doing a book at Avatar called uh, "God Is Dead," which is premiere. It's a six issue miniseries that starts uh, in either September or October. I'm not sure. Um, okay. And it's just a, a crazy kind of wild romp about. Uh, um, the ancient gods like the Norse gods and the Olympic gods and the the, the um, Indian gods and the Aztec gods all come back to Earth and like destroy the Earth and, and murder all the, the non-believers and then like take over and reinstate their sort of godly empires and uh, a, a enclave of scientists gets together underground to try and figure out how to use science to kill gods <laughs> and it's just really fun and and, and so it's know. lighthearted and, and warm. Yeah, warm sort of. I mean, it's, yeah, extreme it's for kids of all ages. <laughs> extreme <laughs> god violence. <laughs> um, and I'm nice. also doing something for uh, Marvel that has yet to be announced, though I think will be announced. Maybe they'll even announce it at Comic Con. I don't know, but it should be solicited at the end of this month, so then I can finally talk about it. But I've done, all, I've been doing all these podcasts recently, and I cannot say what it is until okay. I announce it. But it's a fun project with like big characters that I've always wanted to write, so that's really cool. You're bringing Very Peter nice. Parker back to Spider Man. I love it. <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you guys, I uh, I I am reading Superior Spider Man, and I really am into it. I think that Dan Slott is doing too. an amazing job, and yeah. I think this is the best thing that's happened to Spider Man in a long time. And I can't wait to see where it goes. And I, I don't think, you know, obviously Peter Parker is coming back at some point because you can't do sure. this forever. But I am really enjoying the story where where it is right now. It's way better than I thought it. it then if then people were who were describing it to me, I'm like, wow, that doesn't sound very good, but it is really good. <laughs> it is he's doing a great job. Yeah, and I, and I'll actually. Uh, back that up too i know chuck after amazing spider-man number 700 chuck's like i'll come back when peter comes back um and he did read you did read superior spider-man number one yeah i read a um, couple of them you gave me but again it's, yeah. peter parker is my spider-man so i'll come back when he's back um but i i've been enjoying it also i've still been getting it and uh it's it's near the top of my stack every time when i do get it so um yeah, and just to let you know, let's see, uh, God is Dead number one is actually in this month's previews, so that means it would be for September. September. Okay. All right, September. So, so I just looked it up, and uh, I will be, uh, I'll be adding that to my pull list to give that a shot, so... Um, <laughs> um, no, because I mean, honestly, I've I've liked a lot of the stuff that that you've written. I did pick up after last time we talked. Uh, you did the Smoke and Mirrors, uh-huh. and I picked that up digitally uh, as it came out and everything else, and that was actually really well. I don't know if you know like how well it did or uh, overall or like what the reception it was for it. I mean, you know, it wasn't Saga, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I think it it did well. I, I, it uh, you know, it's tough to uh, get a creator-owned book going when you don't have a really big name right now, sure. or if you have, sure. if it's not something that's been going on for years and years and is able to build momentum. Yeah. Um, so it 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 overperformed from what I expected it to do, <laughs> but. Okay. It's you know it's uh it's the book that I tell everybody about that a lot of people haven't heard about I'll say I'll yeah. say that. Well, I will say because I, I, I believe it's out in trade now, um, so I would recommend it to our listeners just because like I said I did read it I picked it up digitally uh, I do want to get the trade I just haven't had a chance to order it yet um, but I did read all all issues of it digitally and it 
it has its its nice twists to the story and everything else that I I really enjoyed. So um, now you've okay, been cool. in, and that's the thing you've been appearing in a lot of different places. One of the places I well, one of the places Chuck's are, Chuck and I already talked with you about was we didn't expect to see your name with the Masters of the Universe thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, we were we heard about the digital comics. We picked it up and we're like, holy crap, Mike Costa. I assume this is the same Mike Costa that we know. And <laughs> so we started reading it. Um, the other place that I, I saw your name pop up that I wasn't expecting is I've been a fan of the A Plus X oh, yeah. uh, series. And you did a Gambit and Thing story there. Yes, um, that was first ever work for Marvel, yeah. How did that come about? Because obviously you had some connection with DC before with doing Blackhawks, so the Masters of the Universe kind of made sense that they might reach out to you again. How did you get connected with Marvel to do that short story? Well, I've been trying to break into Marvel from the very beginning because I grew up reading Marvel comics, and my dad, who was a comic book collector and got me into comics, was a Marvel zombie. Like He only collected Marvel except for like Justice League International was like the one DC book we had. So Marvel, you know, they were sort of my, that's my universe. And, uh, I, but no one at Marvel cared about me. <laughs> I could never get, I couldn't get arrested at Marvel. I, there's a, there, there's a guy named Arun Singh who is, uh, yes, yes, Marvel's yes, Arun, head, yeah. head of marketing. He is a huge GI Joe fan. Yes, he is. He is a big fan of mine and he is a really great guy. And like, you know, will talk. He'll tweet about Cobra when it comes out, and and just he's just a, like a real fan. And yeah. um, but even like with his support, like I don't know, people at Marvel just they weren't looking for me until uh, Brian, it, it only took Brian K. Vaughn to uh, <laughs> to reach out to Marvel uh, to one of his friends there who was an editor and say like, hey, you should really read the stuff this guy does because Brian K. Vaughn um, in an interview that he did. Uh, a, a year or so ago when he was promoting Saga, somebody mentioned like, yeah, well, you're doing a creator-owned book of Image, and it seems like, you know, all the good stuff is creator-owned, and, and Brian was like, well, there's a lot of creator-owned stuff, but there's a lot of good stuff everywhere, and he goes, one of the best books on the stands is uh, Cobra by Mike Costa, which wow. blew my mind. <laughs> I had no idea that Brian Vaughn read, I mean, I had no clue. I sure. never met him before, you know, yeah. so... That was amazing. So when that happened, I I, uh, I reached out to him through Fiona Staples because Fiona and I worked together on the first comic I ever wrote, Jack Hawksmore. Uh, yeah. And that we've been friends since then. And I knew she was doing Saga, so I asked her if I could have Brian's email, if that would be okay to email him and thank him. And and then we kind of got to know each other that way. And, and he, um, as a favor to me, reached out to his friend at Marvel and said, you should really read this guy's stuff. And and uh, that's how I got hired to do A plus X because I guess they felt like, all right, we'll give this guy a shot. And nice. yeah, that that all happened like New York Comic Con last year around October, and then I I wrote that book in like January. So my uh, or that book that ten page story. So my Marvel journey is just beginning, and now I'm doing you know another project for them, which is really cool, and I, I hope that I can that I can do more, and I'll owe it all to you know. Brian K. Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, um, congratulations well, on your Marvel dream coming true. Thank yeah, you. no kidding. Thanks. I, and, and Chuck and I can both attest to having that same type of moment where you didn't realize someone was paying attention to your work. Uh, because when we did the podcast, all of a sudden we had uh, uh, G.I. Joe artist Robert Atkins. He reached out to us on our forums, and he's like, hey, I uh, just wanted to introduce myself. I'm Robert Atkins. I draw the book that Chuck and Ryan cover, and uh, I just want to let you know I, I've been listening since the beginning, and you guys do a great show, and if you ever want me on, let, let me know. And Chuck, I think 
called me like that night when he saw the post and he was yeah. like, Holy crap, you won't believe who's on our forums right now. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And he is a schoolgirl. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's it, yeah, like you know, it's the same type of same type of feeling. You know, you're like, Holy crap, I didn't know someone was out there like enjoying something that you're doing and uh it it it, it feels like you're legitimized by <laughs> by doing yeah. that. So yeah. or having that happen. So um well, as always, uh, well, I have one other question. Uh, yeah, just to follow up. Uh, sure. Any type of uh, like comic conventions or comic shows you will be appearing at any in the near distant future, where people can come see you and maybe get their uh, their book signed or something. Well, I don't know when you guys uh, are going to put this up, but I will be at Comic Con. Um, okay. Which, San Diego. Which okay. Is, yeah, San Diego Comic Con, which as of this recording is next week. <laughs> um, right. And, uh, yeah, I'll be there all weekend. I'll be signing at the uh, IDW booth. Uh, let's see. I have that right here. I'll be signing at the IDW booth on Saturday from 4 to 5. And uh, I'll be signing with Blizzard because I did uh, a graphic novel for World of Warcraft uh, that came out a couple months ago that was drawn by Neil Googe, which is totally awesome. I'll be right. signing with Blizzard. Um Friday morning, I think 11 a.m. to noon, or maybe 10 to 11. One of those two, I can't remember. Um, and I'll be doing panels and stuff that I just don't have in front of me. But I'll the, those two times, I'll definitely be around, and I'll be updating my my Facebook fan page, which I, I honestly have not updated in like years. <laughs> I I went through all the trouble of building this up, and then you know telling people that I was Facebook friends with that I didn't know, but they were like fans of mine that. I was going to cut them from my normal Facebook page, but they could join my fan page, and I'd be on there all the time, and it was all lies because I never, <laughs> because I never update that thing. But I, I got to get better at it, so I'm going to be updating it um, starting like this week to let everybody know where I'm going to be at Comic-Con. I always do New York Comic-Con as well. That's in October. That's probably the next convention I'll do. And okay. then um, there's a Comic-Con I did called Detroit Fanfare, that uh, it's only it was only in its third year last year, but they actually like flew me out and put me up, which was super cool. And I'm from Detroit originally, so I was really happy to do it. I I have not talked to those people yet, but I would like to do it again this year, so I will let everyone know if I'm doing that. But those will probably be the only three conventions I'm doing. Okay, uh, awesome. Before yeah, we got to get you out to like Mid Ohio Con or Baltimore Comic Con. And- yeah, I mean I've never done those cons, and and also I would like to do Heroes Joe Con. Where, yeah, Joe Con would be great. Is it at the same Joke. place every year, or are they move? No, it, it rotates every year. That's that's one of the things. Yeah. Okay. Where was uh, it this uh, past year? Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Okay. Huh. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Mike. Uh, as soon as because they don't announce it very early, but when they do announce it, I'll shoot you an email to let you know where it's at, so you can possibly reach out to them. Yeah, we can October. give you a couple of guys' names off air and give you some contact information to reach out. They would love to have you as a guest. I, hey, if they if they would love to have me, I would love to be there. So awesome, awesome. I love doing cons. I, I the only thing that prevents me from doing them usually is is money because I you know I sure. I'm not like an artist who I can set up a table and then sell stuff and and right. sort of pay for the trip that way. I I can't really make money at a con, so it, it's I have to sort of pick and choose where I go. But if a con sure. is like generous enough to fly me out, then I will definitely be there. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely get you some. Uh, like I said, I'll email you some connections uh, that are directly involved with JoeCon. Okay. And uh, and like I said, then once they announce where it's going to be at, I'll I'll shoot you an email then as well, just so you know where it's at. Um, and when just because it does change all the time. And when in the year does that happen? Because BotCon is always in May. Is it always the same time of year? 
this was in what April? April. Yeah. 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 This was our first time going, and we okay. had a really great time. So. Okay. Um, I, I believe it's always the same around springtime. Yeah, yeah. It is around the same time. Um, but we uh, we're friends with the, another pod, uh, podcast, uh, the What's on Joe Mind guys. Okay. And they're they're probably I would say they're probably the biggest uh, GI Joe podcast out there, and they. They have Arun Singh on all the time. Uh, you were mentioning yeah. him, so uh, yeah, they get their def- finger on the GI Joe pulse of what's going on. So they're pretty good guys. Yeah. I, I love I love Arun. I, I love him. Like uh, there's another guy out there named Pat Loika, who uh, okay. he does a podcast called Loika Mania. But beyond that, he's just he's a guy who goes to like every major convention, and he is just like a pure fan, you know, and loves comics and loves and, and the stuff that he loves, he promotes and, and he's really well known in the industry. Like all the big creators know him just because he's such a great fan. And Arun is the same kind of guy. I mean, Arun obviously works for Marvel, but right. it's these, these guys that like just love what they do and love the things that they love. I, I, I so admire those guys. <laughs> Arun yeah. is a really, a really great guy for that reason alone. Yeah, absolutely. And like, see, he's always seemingly a nice guy. I'm, I know at some point I'm gonna. I, the only reason we haven't had him on is because probably because we just haven't asked him yet. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm sure that we'll probably uh, reach out to him to have him on in the future. But every time I've heard him on the other podcasts, he always seems like just such a great guy. Yeah, so. I mean, the dude's got an Arasha Kage tattoo. Like, he, he, I'm sure he yeah. can do your show. Yeah, he's legit. He's absolutely. hardcore. He's legit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we get into our firing range questions, uh, which I know you were probably looking forward to. <laughs> I do like those. It's really <laughs> um, what, if anything, that you can hint at or give us an idea of what's coming up in, in Cobra. We, last we've seen, Billy is now awake, and he's giving Joe some information yep. as far as some things he knows. I mean, Chuck and I both feel like he probably knows more than he's telling them. Um, and we're not really sure which direction he's going to go, if he's going to side with the Joes or if he's going to s- turn against them, uh, which is what's fun about reading your series is I never know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, any hints as to what we might see coming up? Well, I can tell you that it'll be a little while until we really see um, where Billy comes from and what is going on with him, though he, there, he will be around. But what is coming up immediately is uh, starting an issue um, – Let's think. Well, it's issue four and five, six. Seven. So starting at issue seven is uh, a, our big sort of three-part story that uh, that brings to an end sort of the current era of Cobra. Um, oh. You know, like I, I think one of the best things about Cobra and the thing that certainly kept me interested in the book is that it's gone through three kind of major changes. Uh, sure. Maybe even four, but obviously it was about Chuckles for a while, and then we then we did sort of a story about Serpentor, but the real focus was on like undercover guys in Cobra. And then for the whole Cobra Civil War thing, it it became it, we focused on Cobra and the different people within Cobra, and actual Cobra members became the main character of the book for the first time. And then we sort of shift focus into GI Joe, and and then after all that, we now have this current status quo of it's really about a GI Joe unit that's got several former Cobra members on it, and right. sort of what they're doing. And, and it's been that way for, you know, coming up on over uh, over a year now, a year and a half. Um, yeah. And that is, uh, you know, they're they're staying in this casino that's owned by Tomax and Zamont, and Tomax is 
kind of giving them information, but they don't know if they can trust him. Well, that all of that is coming to a head. The big sort of where that all is going starts in issue seven. And uh, nice. And it's really it's going to pay off stuff I've been building up for you know two years now, and I'm uh, so that, that I'm really nice. excited about. You're teasing me like a stripper, Mike. You're teasing me like a stripper. <laughs> also, what it, for fans of Flint. Uh, I mean, sorry, Duke fans, but for yeah. fans of Flint, uh, <laughs> issue. Issue uh, six is a standalone Flint issue, and issue five is our standalone Clock Spring issue. Because the other one of the things that, that's so great about working on an ongoing comic is that I can do you know sort of multi-issue uh, arcs, and then I can do standalone stories that sort of get into the backstory of our characters. Right. So Flint and uh, Clock Spring get back-to-back issues in five and six, and then in issue seven, it all really starts taking off. So that's what we have to look forward to. And see, and I, and I know you. I know you guys create the comics in advance, and I know you're like writing for months in advance. But it drives me crazy that you know what's going to happen, and I don't. But it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Enjoy the ride. That's part of the fun of it. So yeah. Um, so all right. So going into our firing range questions, it, this is tough the third time around with you because I'm trying to think of stuff we have never asked you before. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, favorite hot dog topping. Uh, mustard. I mean, just in general, mustard. Nice. Good man. I guess it's, it's like a second with chili. Chili's close, but mustard. Okay. Um, since you did Masters of the Universe, do you have a favorite Masters of the Universe character? Orko. Got a- Orko. Orko. Wow. Sweet. I really wanted to do the Orko story. Um, I wish you would I mean, have. I wish you would have, because that wasn't that great. Yeah. That <laughs> was I, a little I, disappointing I, for me, so... I had a really oh, crazy idea for it, um, and I don't know. Like, I I had a lot of ideas, and some of them just, you know, they either had they either already had plans or whatever. Like, no one ever got back to me and said like we can't do this. But I maybe they already had already planned to do Orco with someone else. But when they asked me to do it, the first thing I said was let me do Orco, and that didn't work out. But I I'm glad with the stories I did. But if I could write about one character, it would be Orco. Yeah, I think Chuck and I both loved all the digital issues that came out, except for Orko. Like there were some cool artistic things that were done. Yeah, I think they did a really interesting. I mean, I actually, honestly, my idea was similar to that, in that I wanted to do a lot of crazy stuff with the art. So it's interesting that you know who that me and and the guy who ended up writing it had a similar kind of idea for this character. I guess it lends himself to that kind of thing. But yeah. Um. Debbie Gibson or Tiffany? Huh. That's a really... Odd question. No, I, no that's, well, a, that's a legitimate question. you got to pick one. I'm blanking that, but Debbie Gibson is from Blondie, right? No, no, well, no. That's no. Deborah Harry. Deborah Harry. Okay, well then it's got to be Tiffany. Gibson. No, Debbie yeah. Gibson is uh, uh, lost in your eyes. Yeah, it's still Tiffany. <laughs> oh, you disappoint me greatly. Well, I really don't know Debbie Gibson. I, I'm sorry. Google her. Google her. Well, well, now she's Deborah Gibson, so you can't call her yeah. Debbie anymore. Yeah, be be careful when you Google her, or really even if you Google Tiffany, because you might find some interesting pictures. Um, that's why. That's why I named <laughs> Tiffany because I know that she did that Playboy spread, and I figured like, yeah, there's yeah, a girl so, down to clown. So did uh, Debbie Gibson. <laughs> okay. I'm looking so, it up, and I, I I may change my answer, but keep going. Okay. Okay. Uh, most uh, your favorite from the Sunbow cartoons, your favorite pet of the Joes, Polly, Timber, or Freedom? <laughs> Timber, because he was a wolf. Awesome. I can't that argue that. 
That is an awesome answer. Uh, <laughs> most overused character right now in comics, Wolverine, Deadpool, or Snake Eyes? Um, <clears throat> probably, probably Wolverine okay. uh, because he's on like nine different teams. <laughs> and I say this with with Wolverine and the X-Men being one of my favorite comics coming out right now. I think that yeah. Jason Aaron is doing an awesome job on that comic. But, uh, but yeah, Wolverine is, like, everywhere. I, I Deadpool at one point had, like, three comics about him, and then he was on X-Force. But that can't match Wolverine, who's got – I mean, he's in, like, seven team books. That's yeah. that's a yeah. guy who's in a lot of books. Yeah. I, uh, I, was, I was fortunate enough to be a guest host on uh, – uh, Earth's Mighty's podcast, they did a, a they have an X-Men spinoff podcast that they asked me to come on because they knew I was a big X-Men fan. And we were talking about the Wolverine and X-Men. And like you said, Aaron's just killing it. We loved the, I think it was issue 29 where uh, they go into the future of the school and everything else. And, and it was just kind of a fun, like, amazing, like kind of seeing where, where things might go in the future and everything. So... Um, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's just a fun comic. So, um, I've always been a fan when Wolverine was part of the team, not when he's a solo character able to kill everybody. That's, so. the, that's the stuff I like. <laughs> I know. Punisher I know. Wolverine. Yeah, no, nah, I like it when he's just part of that team. Nah, um, he's bigger than the team. <laughs> so you could tell Chuck and I never see eye to eye on stuff. <laughs> This one, uh, I think, is always a classic debate, and, and I know I myself go back and forth on this all the time. Uh, Superman or Batman? <clears throat> huh. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, probably, in my personal taste, Batman. Um, okay. The thing about Batman that makes him so interesting, uh, and that might put him over the top for me, is that he is unique among all comic book characters in that his, he's so incredibly elastic, that yeah. there are so many different interpretations of Batman, and all of them are valid Batman. Like, yeah. the, the super campy Adam West Batman is Batman, and so is the Frank Miller Batman of year one. And so is the, uh, you know, uh, Christian Bale Batman. Like, they're, they're all Batman. And you can't really do that with another character. If, if you change Spider-Man too much, he's not really Spider-Man anymore. And if you change Superman too much... He's not really Superman. And that was the big problem with the Man of Steel movie. Everybody's complaining that that's not really Superman, you know? But nobody went to the Batman movies and said that's not really Batman. They Because yeah. Batman can kind of be anything. And I don't really understand the physics of that. <laughs> I don't know why Batman gets to do that and no other character does. But, but Batman yeah, really man. does. You can kind of support anything in that character. And so I'll say Batman because of that. Okay. Yeah. I'll... I'll, I'll... I'll agree with you on all of it except for the Adam West Batman. That's, oh, that's not my awesome. Batman. That is that's, so Batman. That is not my Batman. He's, I he's love that my, Batman. He's not my preferred Batman. <laughs> but like when when you say Batman, like people will think of that as sure. Batman. Sure, I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah. And that's sort of the point. Like there's all these different kinds of Batman that are legitimate Batman, and there just isn't for any other character. God, I'll give I'll give you that. Now, um, just a side tangent: you were mentioning the Superman movie, and we really haven't had a chance to ask a, a creator person. Did you get a chance to see the Superman movie, The Man of Steel? I did. Yes, I did. did what What did you think? Uh, you know, I liked a lot of it. Um, I, I, there was stuff in there in the beginning where I was just like, "Well, you know, does 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 Jor-El need to like be a 
kung fu fighting guy who <laughs> flies on a space dragon like what it is. yes yes there was a lot of like overheated stuff like that that just you know to make it a big blockbuster but okay. once we got down to earth i was kind of into it i really i mean I, spoilers spoilers guys yes yes i i uh i really liked the fact that lois lane figured out who he was yes because that's sort of always been the big problem at the heart of the superman lois situation is that lois lane is supposed to be a great reporter but she's got to be mentally slow if she can't figure (laughs) out that the guy standing next to her is superman i mean what kind of person so that was really great and uh um i really liked the the original sort of uh throwdown in smallville i thought that was really cool and it and it was like the first time in a movie i'm really seeing what superman level power people would do to each other in a fight yeah um, despite yeah. you know wanting to go out and eating at IHOP afterwards, because <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but you know, then my problem with the movie becomes everyone's problem with the movie at the end. It's that it's like you know why why is Superman sending the humans on a suicide mission so he can fly to the other part of the world to blow up a machine that isn't hurting anybody and that would just stop working if he blew up the one in the first place? And you know, like why is Superman allowing and then you watch the entire city get destroyed in real time and you're like that's just numbing after a while i i don't know how many buildings i can watch fall over it just doesn't look cool anymore and (laughs) and that superman's choice at the end i just don't agree with basically everything that mark wade said just i did i will say his his choice it, it it amazes me at um a lot of people's outrage at his choice in the end because it's not the first time that that character has done that um, he he does do it as a last resort, but I mean the man's killed before. Well, um, once again, I'll go back to uh, to Mark Wade, my uh, my hero. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, the, I, I consider sort of the final authority on Superman. Sure. Uh, someone on Twitter had said, "Yeah, Mark, but uh, John Byrne had Superman kill you know people. He actually had him kill like an alternate version of General Zod." And mm-hmm. Mark Wade's response was, "Yeah, he also had Superman act in a porno film." <laughs> and I think that point is well taken, which is like, sure, over the 75-year history of a character, he's going to do a lot of stuff, but that doesn't mean that that's what the core of that character is about. And since this movie is about bringing Superman to like the widest audience possible and, and like any movie kind of distilling a character down into who he is, it was unfortunate that they yeah. did not retain that aspect of his character, which I think is so crucial to who he is, which is that he is not a killer and that he always tries to make the right decision. And also they didn't really earn it in the first place. Like if, yeah. if they had made it so that the fight was about Superman attempting to like Zod intentionally attacking people and Superman continually attempting to save people. And that's why he's losing the fight. Then maybe it would earn the fact that at the end he just has no other choice, but that's not what it was about at all. And also like the fight between Zod and Superman it's a total like WWF moment where the good guy's losing and then he just wins. You know, like he doesn't outthink him. He doesn't have some clever idea. He he doesn't find some aspect of himself that's that he that allows him to beat Zod because Zod's just like a soldier who thinks this way. But because Clark Kent was raised as a human, he can think in a different way. Like none of that. He just beats him. He just somehow beats a guy who's like a trained soldier. He just beats him. I don't know. It was too bad. Well, I. I- I see your point, Mike, and, and there are there are valid points, and I, I would agree with a lot of that. But like like my Wolverine, I like my Superman, like the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like him to kill people. 
<laughs> Can't we just have the pun? Doesn't it make the Punisher less special if everyone's the Punisher? You just start writing the Punisher, and, and we're going to be really good friends really soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I... To, to, what, to what Chuck is saying, um, or to <laughs> to uh, you don't to what know saying. No, no one really does know what you're saying. So, um, to what Chuck was saying, though, you definitely make some valid points. I still really enjoyed it. And, uh, to your comment about Jarrell, for me, when I saw it and saw Jarrell fighting like he was, I felt like, okay, well, that's where. Uh, that's where Clark or, you know, kal gets his fighting spirit from. It comes from his heritage and he gets his restraint from being raised by the Kents. So it's kind of, that's kind of, so I was okay with. But does that, even, does that even really make sense when, when you're, it's clear that people on Krypton are born to be a very specific thing. So therefore jor was born to be a scientist, but he can still beat the ass of a, of a general. Like what? That doesn't well, we make any sense at all. We don't know how they're trained. Some some societies have scientists that are still fighters. You, you're still required to be a warrior. So well, we just don't win, know. Like he history. got killed. Yeah, he did die. <laughs> he did <laughs> die. He didn't win. <laughs> you guys are projecting a lot of this movie. All right, all right. So <laughs> moving on, moving on. I think we already know the the answer to this one, but again, it's a classic debate: uh, Marvel or DC. Uh, much as I have grown to love DC and much as I love uh, writing those characters, I, I'd probably always be a Marvel guy in my heart. Okay. Um, if you had to choose between a hamburger and cheeseburger, which do you choose? Oh, you know what? This might surprise you guys, but I'm more of a hamburger guy. Wow. Cheese can get I in the way. I knew it. I'm <laughs> telling people, no one believes Here's the thing. You answer more times on Chuck's side of things than I've ever known a guest to side with Chuck. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that in terms of statistically like, with the guests, but I can tell that, that Chuck and I are on the same level. I we mean, we're on the same wavelength a lot. Yeah you, yeah, you guys are, and I'm not, Mike, I'm not saying that's a good thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, in the spirit of Chuck, though, because uh, I just listened, he's he's been doing another show uh, with some uh, friends of ours. Uh, they just talked about wrestling and wrestlers. Do you have a favorite pro wrestler, past or present? You know, this is a really good question. Um, so, you know, like all kids growing up in the 80s, I was I was way into WWF when I was in, like, you know, grade school and stuff. And, uh, and then when I was in high school was when the big comeback happened. And suddenly, you know, WCW was and, and WWF were, like, suddenly relevant again for some reason. And uh, at the time, I, I remember, I, I, I did not know how epochal this was at the moment, but uh, I did see the actual, I guess it was Rage in the Cage event, where okay. Mankind uh, fought The Undertaker and got yes. body slammed into all the thumbtacks and stuff. Yes, that yes. was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I actually saw that when it was on because we had, uh, <clears throat> well... I don't want to implicate anybody in any kind of a crime, but we had a way of seeing pay-per-view events. <laughs> at at so, no cost to anybody. Yeah, so, uh, that, and that really made a big impression on me. I thought that was totally awesome. And, and uh, so I really liked Mankind. Uh, and I, obviously he became a huge fan favorite, so that's like a boring thing to say. Like Mick Foley, you know, I was a wrestling legend, but... But I had never seen W, or I hadn't seen WWF wrestling in like ten years, and I re- vaguely remember The Undertaker, but I didn't know Stone Cold Steve Austin, I didn't know Kane. This was my first time seeing all of these big wrestlers, 
And seeing that kind of wrestling was so different than, you know, the cartoony stuff from when I was a kid that it really made a big impression on me in my 17-year-old self. So probably Mankind, but from back in the day, it's got to be The Ultimate Warrior because that guy is insane. And oh, yeah. I yeah, love so watching his uh, his stuff today and that amazing sort of documentary they made about him where all the other wrestlers <laughs> are talking about yes. how nuts he was. And nuts, yeah. The, the the whole thing about how he's going to hijack Hulk Hogan's plane and crash it and it's <laughs> awesome that guy is nuts and and his current website today is is insane as well he have you ever have you guys seen it have you like checked up oh yeah how he he just goes on these crazy rants about George Washington yes and how George Washington is the greatest human being who ever lived <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'll reminisce and I'll go to YouTube and I'll look at his promotions that he cut yes. promos. And I'll just watch those and I'll just laugh because, oh, my God, he just goes on tangents about nothing. I know. Those, and, those guys were and, so cr- cranked out of their minds on coke. And, and they're, <laughs> yeah. They're talking to kids. They're yeah. saying nonsense. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, hey, hey, Warrior, go ahead and do this line and cut a promo. <laughs> nice. Now, um, well, if you would have if was, you would have answered Ric Flair, we would have. That's what I was going to say. Oh, we would have been BFFs for sure. I do love Ric Flair. I do. I, I, I love his uh, his we comeback. His his comeback in the uh, WCW was was really awesome. And then one of my really good friends from college, this guy uh, Tom, was a huge wrestling fan. Like knew everything about wrestling, like encyclopedic wrestling knowledge. And and I would always used to, to I'd learn from him. You know, study it at, at Tom's feet. How to learn about wrestling. And <laughs> he was the first person that I ever heard use the term kayfabe and really like explained all the the jargon and stuff to me and he's got an amazing rick flair story about how um as as a a kid he went to some event that rick flair was signing at and he said that rick flair was like outrageously hung over and reeking of booze and and like all bloodshot eyes signing and then he looked up and saw tom and saw tom's mom and like started hitting on his mom that is the greatest story ever i know and for that reason alone rick flair is awesome awesome yeah uh, I was going to say that if you had answered Ric Flair like as your first answer, I would have just had to end the show because <laughs> that's Chuck's favorite, and I would have been like, I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's Ric Flair, and then there's everybody else. Oh, uh, wow. Um, so, 16-time uh, champion, man. You can't, you can't I, beat that. <laughs> I, I know. I'm, we're moving on. We're moving on. We got to move on. We got to move on. I got, I got two more questions here. Right. Uh you're given these five characters for the Cobra ongoing. Which one do you pick? Okay. Uh, and you can reinvent them. Okay. Uh, cesspool, Raptor, Big Lob, Cross Country, or Metalhead? Uh, this is a great question. So a Raptor is probably my number one most requested character. Um, okay. okay. I, I, when I, ch- when I like, check message boards and people put up stuff like, who do you want to see in Cobra? Raptor is by far number one. People talk about Raptor all the time. I And... I want to I want to please the fans. I got to tell you guys, I have thought about Raptor for years and I don't I don't have a way into that character yet. It's <laughs> I'm not saying there isn't one. I mean, we found a way into to Serpentor and I would have thought that was impossible, but I, I the, the the other thing is that when I reinvent characters, I want to make sure that I'm reinventing them in a in a different way than I've reinvented characters in before. You know, like I don't want to repeat right. myself and make a character the same as another character I already have. Right. And that's like the real problem because there's definitely a way to do Raptor, but I feel like I've already done different characters like that. So I can't, I don't have that way to do it now, but I will, 
I will say for if you have a chance, if you have not checked it out before, because I think that Raptor was kind of reinvented, uh, but it, I believe the story is out of continuity. For it, it was IDW's, uh, what was it, Invasion? Oh, uh, no, the uh, um, Infestation. Infestation, yeah. yeah. Infestation, G.I. Joe, Infestation 2, G.I. Joe, they had a Cobra Law, which was the Looney Bin, and there was a character that I believe in there was supposed to be Raptor, and it was kind of a different take on him. So if you ever want to get maybe an, an inspiration for maybe a direction to go with them, you might want to check I'll, that out. I'll check that out. But, but to yeah. answer your question, though, because that wasn't the answer, yes. the, answer would be, yes. the answer would be Big Lob. Nice. <laughs> because that character is is insane. And yeah. when, I was, when, when I was originally putting together the original pitch for Cobra, um, the first thing I thought of was Big Lob, actually. And, um, and I think in my head I had conflated Big Lob with Chuckles because when I went back to watch the G.I. Joe movie cartoon again and I saw Big Lob, I was like, oh, they're different kinds of characters. I mean, I'm glad I went with Chuckles and Chuckles is the one I wanted, but Big Lob right. was always in the back of my head. I mean, the dude literally gives his own color commentary as he's doing – he's shooting like baskets with grenades. It's, it's yeah. crazy. I would, as he's I would doing the maneuvers, he's, co- he's commentating on himself, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. So, yeah, I, do, awesome. I go Big Lob. All right, we'll, we'll be on the lookout for him then. Uh, also, I'm, I'm, I'm holding up for that cross country one shot. <laughs> I got to tell That'd you guys, awesome. I, I have done my research and I'm going to change my answer, and it's going to be Debbie Gibson. Yes. All right. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> I told you if you did the research, if you looked at her, Debbie Gibson's hot. She is super hot. I, I was never really into Tiffany, but uh, th- like you know the, her looks. But I just I know her song, and it's. Her big song was a George Harrison song, so I'm like, well, you know, she didn't do a good job. She's got a good taste in music, but right. you know, in, in terms of uh, who I'd want to hang out with now, it's got to be Debbie Gibson. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm in total agreement. Um, you got to last Debbie Gibson on your iPod. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But. It's on my iPod. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's on there. Um, last question, very self-serving for episode 100, but we have to ask it anyways. Star Joe's or any other podcast? Uh, for the firing line alone, this is my favorite podcast to do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right, Mike, uh, is, uh, if you want to give out some uh, information as far as how people can find you or Well, my, uh, my uh, you know, I've got to find a way to link these things. I don't know how to do it. Well, he's I... on Facebook every day. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I am on Twitter a lot though, and my Twitter yes, you. my Twitter handle is just my name. It's Mike Costa because I was I was an early adapter, so I got lucky with that. But I I don't think I have my Twitter account linked to my Facebook fan page because I don't know how to do anything. But I have to figure out how to do that. But the, but the best way to like find me and and you know see what movie I'm watching at any given time. Is to go on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Follow me on Twitter, and then when I when I when I do update um, my fan page and, and when I'm at conventions and stuff, that's where I talk about where I'm going to be and what I'm doing and and where I promote. I, I always feel uncomfortable promoting stuff, but I it's a it's a, a reality of the industry I have to get better at. So Twitter is definitely the best place to find me. Sounds good, and obviously our listeners are, should be already picking up Cobra. But you also have God is Dead is in previews right now. Yep. Uh, you're going to be at New York, or I'm sorry, at uh, San Diego Comic Con yep. next week. And this, this episode, I'm hoping to get it out this weekend. So cool. Uh, you should, uh, they should get this in time for San Diego. Um, obviously, as I already mentioned, the trade for Smoke and Mirrors is out there. Uh, I think that's about everything I could think of to pimp for you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's no the important stuff. 
Absolutely. Um, if for some reason the episode doesn't uh, get posted before San, San Diego, I will at least post on our fan page, and which goes to our Twitter account also, um, the booths that you mentioned. I wrote them down, uh, so this way people know where to find you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. So thank you for coming on for episode 100. Oh, my pleasure. I'm, I'm sure we'll be in touch again in the future. It's always been, it's always a blast having you on. <laughs> um, I'll start thinking of more questions right after we're done here. <laughs> so, uh, again, just thank you very much. Uh, also, actually, one thing I wanted to mention to you also, just keep in mind, because uh, you always have asked us in the past, uh, there is a new roller coaster at Cedar Point. Oh, really? Um, okay. It's what's, what's... called the Gatekeeper, okay. and it's one of those, I think it's one of those like flying side by side. Uh, roller coasters and you fly through different keyholes. So keyholes, what? Am, what? Yeah, I, I, you know what, man? I got to tell you, a roller coaster design has passed me by. It, it is not, <laughs> it is evolved into a technology I no longer understand. Like, <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> but it's still a lot of fun. So, um, all right, Mike. Well, thank you very much again. And uh, like I said, we'll be in touch in the future. Yeah, great, great being on anytime, guys. Thanks a lot again. All right, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, time. Mike. If I run into you at a con, I'll buy you a beer. Awesome. All right. See you guys. Sounds cool. Take it easy, man. Bye-bye. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe news, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe talk meets sports talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. And we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding, kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. And we okay. Seriously, this is just getting ridiculous now. It's what's on Joe Mind every week on the Geekcast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good. No. What about sports? That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, that's all right. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. To Cybertron. Thank you, Soundwave. I am TFG1 Mike, and you should be listening to my very first podcast, the TFG1 Podcast. 24 episodes covering the entire U.S. run of the 1984 Transformers cartoon. Also, a few supplemental episodes in an interview with Stan Bush. So check out the TFG1 Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Transforming rollout. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. 
emerging from the dark humor that was the Beast Unleashed podcast. Steve Megatron, TFG1 Mike, Pecan Court Michael, and the Cybertronian correspondent Optimus Solo move on to Transformers Animated with Transformation Animation Podcast. 20 episodes covering all three seasons of the cartoon, the books, and the awesome toy line. We'll also have cast and crew interviews, so get tapped with GCRN's next Transformers franchise podcast, Transformation Animation Podcast, available on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Get your tap on. Decepticons, transform and rise up. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on geekcastradio.com. Welcome to a collaboration between the GeekCast Radio Network and the Pop Culture Network. This is From the Command Center, the podcast. I am your host, TFG and Mike from the GCRN, and joining me is Zordon himself. Uh, oh, wait. I mean, Scotty Cash. That's right. Scotty Cash from the Pop Culture Network. And today we're introducing you to the audio version of From the Command Center, the podcast that will entail our intake on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the episodes, the seasons, and all that other good stuff. thing on? Oh, goody. Why, hello there. It's your dear old Uncle Joker here. I bet you're asking yourself, what could I be possibly doing here of all places? Well, I'm laughing at the fact that this new podcast presented by Geekcast Radio is called Legends of the Dark Knight. Who the heck knew the bat was so popular? Ugh. Join Steve, Mike, and sometimes Tara for reviews on the greatest DC animated universe cartoon to ever meet Gotham City. So join moi for the talk of the town, or I'll send Captain Clown after you. He gets mighty angry when he doesn't get to have his garbage skull. So put on a nice big smile and join us for the next GeekCast Radio Network podcast, Legends of the Dark Knight. (laughs) Now back to G.I. Joe. Hey, Sergios, this is Roger from Guys of Toys. Just wishing you guys a happy 100th episode. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your great shows, and keep up the good work. My name is Sergeant Slaughter, special drill instructor for G.I. Joe. That's terrific, Sarge, but uh, I'm trying to cut down on the chicken sweat just now, so if you'll excuse me. You're going nowhere, Space Case. You're here because you're in the grocery power-up. My job is to whip you into shape. Now I'm talking to whip. There's only two ways out of my command. On your feet like a man. Or in a ditty bag. And get deep, bitty, ditty bag. Got it? Yes, sir. That's better. Now straighten up and meet the renegade. Hey, Ryan and Chuck. It's Rock. Just wanted to call up and say congratulations on the 100th episode. Uh, fan from day one. 
just happened to stumble across you guys scrolling through G.I. Joe on iTunes, and uh, it's been great. Thank you for the hundreds of hours of entertainment. really gets me through my work day. Also, thank you for introducing me to the community uh, between finding the DC Noise guys and uh, so many of the other people I've met and friends I've made all across the country. I just want to say thank you, and hopefully a hundred more episodes. And uh, just thanks for the great work, and just keep on podcasting. Thanks a lot. See you in Baltimore. Bye. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you very much for staying tuned. Right now on the line, we have special guest star and uh, famous odd artist of the G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero series, Shannon Gallant. How you Hello. doing, Shannon? I'm good. Great. Glad to hear you. Thanks for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking time out of your hectic, busy schedule to join us for episode 100. I never thought we'd make it here, let alone have guests so, actually, one of the things I want to ask you, uh, especially now with with some of the things that have changed with the Real American Hero, we've already bypassed last time we talked with you all the formalities of you know professionalism and stuff like that. Um, how does it feel to know to not having to draw blue ninjas anymore? And that's what you say. <laughs> <laughs> no. Little do you know. Um. No, but in all honesty, like in regards to, uh, I thought it was kind of uh, neat recently having the uh, Red Shadows make an appearance in Real American Hero. Oh, yeah. Um, did you get to play around a little bit with the design of them from what was done before? Like, did you add like your own flavor to to the design? Or? I, I, the only one that we really altered was one of the dolls like Mouton or Muton or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the original doll, it's just the dumbest looking thing on the planet. <laughs> so we redesigned that slightly. Um, we tried to keep the flavor of it, like the ori- of the original designs, but just kind of modernize it, make it look a little better. Uh, the problem was, is the original action figure had a huge head, and then all these accoutrements that kind of plugged into various ports okay. on his head, which I didn't know what any of them did anyway, but. There was like a targeting system. That's the only one I could figure out. But it, it, his head was just huge. And I had gone back and looked at the comics, like the Action Force comics or whatever, right. to see how people had drawn him to see if they made it look cool, and it really never looked feasible. Uh, so we kind of redesigned him. The rest of the characters, the only thing I did was kind of slightly alter the helmets for the kind of grunt soldiers Okay. for them. Just because it looked kind of like a, I don't know, like a roll-on deodorant or something for the helmet. It just right. kind of looked weird. So I tried to make it look more like an actual helmet. Uh, kind of loosely based on the French uh, firefighter helmet. Okay. Which, which I think is actually a really cool design. Uh, and that's like the second time I used it. Because when I did uh, the Dixon series, when I did... Uh, Who's the fireman guy? Uh, uh, barbecue? Barbecue? Yeah, I think it is. No, I think it's barbecue. I Because he had that kind of goofy helmet that kind of just looked like a toilet plug or something. So I just... <laughs> I redesigned... I basically changed this helmet out for like the French fireman fighter. Okay. Firefighter helmet. But that, that, those are really the only changes. The rest of it, I just try to keep it 
pretty accurate to the keep in mind with what they the had original designs. Yeah, it was fun for me because I don't know they were different. You know, it wasn't the yeah. standard Cobra operation kind of thing. Yet still, like Cobra, but not Cobra. Cobra Light. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's kind of what it was for me also. And I you know Chuck uh, definitely heard from me when we were covering the issues that I I was like. It just felt refreshing to do something different that wasn't didn't feel like a rehash of some things we've seen twenty times over. Um, I mean, I knew Red Shadows had always been out there, but um, it was kind of nice to see them in, in there. And then I was actually a little disappointed that it only lasted a, a couple issues. So I don't know if there's plans for them to appear again or or anything like that. But it, it, like I said, it was a nice breath of fresh air to see them at least for a couple issues. So yeah, Larry Larry hasn't said anything about bringing them back, but the fact that they've been put in there into the series right opens the door for that and then there's other characters obviously that we didn't use from that that whole whatever you want to call it terrorist team or whatever um and i think it's great because it you you almost end up with a you could have that kind of three-way triangle of cobra trying to do something the red shadows getting in the way um, yeah and joe being stuck in the middle it's almost like that uh when i was drawing it i kept thinking god this is really like the G.I. Joe version of that scene in Smoking the Bandit 2 where you have all the Canadian Mounties <laughs> and then the American cops and then, you know... Smoking the Bandit 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, which I always thought was like, oh, this is great. This is the dumbest movie I've ever seen, but this is awesome. <laughs> so, right. without wanting to draw 15,000 people, I think it would be fun to do that, but who knows if that'll ever happen. Nice. Yeah, the last um, issue that I know I read was one one ninety with Major Blood and uh, was it Lady J on the cover? Mm-hmm. And that yeah. that one came. That one also had Chuckles and uh, Low Light in it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the last one I read. So yeah, that, finally we're getting some uh, Major Blood action here. Love it. Yeah, that that cover actually was the biggest problem we've ever had with Hasbro. Oh really? Really? Yeah. They because uh, it looks like he's gonna like execute her. Well, in the original sketch that Larry did, he had the gun pointing to the back of her head. Oh. And Hasbro was like, you can't have, you know. Execution kind of style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. You know, to them, it's it's still a kid's book, so you, you can't right. have that. And so I had already drawn the cover with you know, my interpretation of Larry's original sketch. And so we both had to go back. If you look at even Larry's sketch cover, he had to go back and change it. And that's yeah, why neither one of the, them. The gun's drawn a little bit instead of uh, at his side. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of at a weird angle. And mine, usually I try to stay pretty close to what Larry's done. That one's probably the biggest deviation from his so far. Uh, huh. Just because my thing was he's pulling the gun out of his holster. Right. So you get right. the impression that he's going to try and shoot her or, or whatever. The idea is there, but it's not so blatant. But yeah, I mean that was that was the only time Hasbro came back and has ever been like, "You can't do this." <laughs> nice. So we were all. Yeah, like, they don't want to execute children's toys, I guess. <laughs> you know, and how many kids haven't tied that firecracker to them? <laughs> I used to tie bottle rockets to them and launch them up in the sky. See, you need four, <laughs> depending on. Well, the weight of the figure and the tape used, you know, three really wouldn't get it off the ground, but four did. Nice. Um, Now, one of the, I don't think we had a chance to talk with you uh, last time, maybe we did, uh, and you can 
just chastise me if I did if we did. Um, but last, <laughs> I don't think we got to talk to you about the origin of Cobra Commander issue, the Cobra Annual uh, oh, yeah. that you did. Uh, it actually was a, a nominee for our one of our best stories for two thousand was two thousand twelve. Yeah, um, so that definitely had a different flavor from maybe a little bit of the campiness that you, that we typically see in um, the real American heroes. So was, was that like a, did you have to approach it differently because of that? As far as some of the, the art that you were doing, like, did you draw the characters differently or? Well, it, that was still part of the Dixon series. So to me, it's always had that kind of yeah grittier, more realistic vibe to it, almost like a film yeah. kind of vibe. Um, and that was the only thing I was, the only things that I was really concerned with. And that was actually the first time Gary Erskine and I had worked together. Uh, that was actually, we did that book a long time ago and it sat on the shelf for a while. Oh, okay. Cause originally it was going to be part of an or of the origins series. Right. Um, and so we did it and they just kind of, right after we did it or while we were doing it, they kind of decided that's what they were going to do with the actual book. Okay. And originally it was two issues. And of course they just kind of stuck it together. Right. Um, my only concerns when I was doing it was, is I really wanted to make, I, I really tried to research all the sets and the scenes. Okay. Um, I wanted Hong Kong to feel like that. I wanted the, the jungle scenes to feel right. Um, the whole scene where they're, the, you know, he's growing up and they're working the poppy fields. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what the hell poppies were, other than like <laughs> poppy seed bagels. You know, I didn't. Nice. And then like one half reference in an Enter the Dragon movie scene. <laughs> so it's like I didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. And so, did it, you, did you at least know that you're not supposed to have a poppy seed bagel before going for a drug test? That's a load of poop. <laughs> No, but I, I, don't I, I, my, really, I don't think I, my breakfast is going to pop me dirty. But it, it's funny because you, you I, I personally don't know. Uh, my wife and I have had these stupid conversations where I wonder what garlic looks like when it's not harvested, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I don't, I've never been on a farm. Um, so that was the thing. I didn't know how it's cultivated, how it's harvested. And so, right. I, you know, there's like a knife that's been designed to scrape the kind of syrup or whatever that comes off of the poppy. Okay. Which is what they make, you know, smack from or whatever. Right. But the opium. Yeah. And, and I didn't know that. So it was just kind of weird and doing all the research to try and make sure everything looked right. Well, see, so you haven't, you just haven't been down in my basement. That's all. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's got a meth lab down there. Well, that and all these like ex Chinese soldiers in, in jails right. waiting to <laughs> yeah, it's hard to walk around for the big fight scene, right? And um, sweat <laughs> sweatshop children and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, th- obviously, that scene itself was just really intense. Um, kind of seeing what he had to go through as as a child and and everything else. To, it makes sense why he became the the guy he is. Um, but like, also, like, I guess one of the things too that I was kind of looking at as well as like drawing some of the characters, like do do you approach drawing someone the same character differently in a real American hero than you would drawing them in, in a book like the origin of Cobra commander, because knowing that one is grittier than the other one. It depends on the character. Okay. Um, for, for example, like major blood, cause he's briefly in mm-hmm. uh, the origin story and then he's in one ninety one and one ninety. Right. Um, 
I've always hated the helmet. Okay. So that's why he doesn't. He very rarely, if ever, appears with the helmet on. Okay. Um, I actually like him better with just the crew cut and the and the patch and the scars and everything. I just think he looks cooler that way. Right. Uh, so with him, uh, he, he's always been a gritty character for me. He's always been the kind of, you know, pirate kind of character or just a thug. Right. Um, so he doesn't really change. The only people that really change it, it depends on their costume. It, okay. Uh, if their costume is goofier and real American hero, then it naturally implies that the character is going to be a little lighter in sure. tone. Sure. Uh, Shipwreck, for example, in the Dixon series, he's actually just, to me, he's just kind of like a scuba Navy kind of guy or whatever. Right. And then we all know what he's like in the cartoon. Um, <laughs> and then he's still kind of got a little bit of that vibe in Real American Hero, although I really haven't drawn him that much. He's only been like in two shots or something, as far as I can remember. Um, but he naturally has to be drawn a little more Popeye-ish. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you, you definitely got to work him in a little bit more. Yeah. And so it's aside from costume changes, not so much, because I feel like a lot of the flavor of the characters are still there. Okay. And then I have a, a pretty much a realistic style anyway. Yeah. Um, there is a general attitude that I have on Real American Hero of just kind of lightening things up. You know, I don't overly do a lot of folds or it just I just don't push it as much. Like where I might labor over something in, in the Dixon series, I just don't bother okay. in the Real American series because it was meant to be lighthearted anyway. Sure. Or, right, right. Or, or shots. Like, sometimes I'll be more playful with the shots. Like, I might throw in some more visual gags with okay. Real American Hero that I wouldn't do on the Dixon series because that's more real, you know, gritty and uh, movie-like. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of the tongue-in-cheek stuff that you get in Real American Hero I would never do on the other series. Okay. Now, as far as conventions go, I wanted to ask you, you were at uh, Heroes Con recently, correct? Mm-hmm. And how was that for you? Uh, they re- they redid the show this year. They set it up differently. Okay. Yeah. And usually I'm sitting next to Jeremy Dale, and so that, that was a bummer. Sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I love Jeremy and his wife. Um, and we always we always equated to like good cop bad cop or situation because <laughs> Jeremy's got such an outgoing and bubbly personality with people, and I'm just kind of like. Well, <laughs> And it would be funny because people would come up to the table and they'd ask about something. I'd, be, I'd just point to Jeremy and like, ask him. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, him and his wife would just, you know, Kelly, and they they just take over. Right. Um, so this year I actually had to be bubbly and personable. Or, well, I can say after meeting you, bubbly is not the <laughs> word that I'd use to best describe you. Oh. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying, complete like, prick. <laughs> not you. I know, right? Me, but. Like no, Gallant, I just Gallant's bubbly ass. is like five words to describe Shannon Gallant is bubbly is not one of them. <laughs> Ouch! But I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't expect everyone to be bubbly. I'm not saying you're an ass. I'm just saying you're an ass. <laughs> I'm just saying you're kind of an ass. No, you're a nice guy. You're very you're you're a pleasure to be around. It's just. I, say, I, I honestly don't. I say, I'm just not. I'm just not one to. I'm not even one to like. Bubbly. People would date you. I wouldn't date you. That's all I'm saying. 
bubbly can get a little annoying at times, so. Yeah, I just, I don't have that, like, yay, it's so, hey, wow, right. cool, great to talk to you. Yeah. And I try to be nice, but it's just kind of like a... You're not a, you're not a carnival barker. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Like, right, there, there's a limit to my generosity, people. Right. Well, I just, I just don't have that. There, I was sitting next to a girl at the show, and she was just, everyone that walked by, it was, hey, hi, how you doing? What's up? <laughs> what are you doing? And part of me was, shut the hell up. And the other part of me was, man, you know, because she had people constantly coming up to the table. Granted, they were mostly guys, but she had people coming up to the table. Yeah. But then I didn't have to because I had John Thurman and and like 15 other Joe guys standing around the table. I was saying the entourage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You already had your sweat hogs, so to say. I, I did. Yeah. Just use John as your bubbly person. There you go. Well, he was. John yeah. John does more to sell me in a show than anybody does. John's yeah. like, have you seen this stuff? Go check this out. <laughs> nice. Um, and actually, uh, I know check we were talking. It's great. We were talking earlier uh, as far as uh, Robert and I covering the cartoons. John has actually joined us for a couple of those episodes, and I think he's going to join us for a few more. So I know I'm jealous. Uh, and well, hey, you can join us. I'm, You're welcome. I wasn't I will tell you next time we're recording for the cartoon, and I'll tell you what episodes we're yeah, recording. Shoot him an email with what episodes so yeah. you can watch them. Yeah. Yeah, we you're invited. Are, I'm just not. You, oh. Chuck's invited, too. He just always <laughs> says, tells me no. Um, I don't have time. <laughs> but uh, speaking of being a part of our show, have, have you realized that we have named a whole segment after you at this point? No. We, have, we have the Gallant Gap. Oh, was that still in effect? Because I don't. Yeah. It doesn't. The it doesn't we, appear every time. It was like right after we did that, they stopped doing the cover situation the way it was. Yeah, but we still call it that, even okay. though, even even though you might not be the one doing the cover, we still will talk about what we think the next cover means. Uh, so. Because I, I I still don't. No. Okay. Well, see, you actually have a, a segment. There's actually a bumper and everything. Wow. A horse. There's a horse that's galloping. And <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like a western theme kind of thing. Yes. Nice. So. That's so yes. So you actually have your own segment, but I will send you an email next time we're okay. going to record the shows, and I will tell you in advance what episodes they are, and you are more than welcome to join us for. You've those already episodes. done the dancing one, right? Uh, the uh, uh, snake eyes. Yeah. Doing oh, the pyramid of darkness. Yes. Yeah, I think yes. so. Yeah. Yeah, we did cover that. Oh, but there's plenty more to come. Don't worry. There's no, that, nothing tops that. <laughs> I will agree. <laughs> I don't know what they were smoking that day. <laughs> well, you get that, and plus, in the same five-part miniseries, you get Boy George Snake Eyes as well. So oh, that's right. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I'll invite you every single time, and every time you tell me no, I'll just remember that. So it's all right. Oh. <laughs> are you are you going <laughs> uh, are you going to do any other conventions this year? Maybe Baltimore, perhaps. I'm really leaning against Baltimore. Anyone that reads my blog knows why. Yeah. Um, after my last experience with hotels in Baltimore. <laughs> um, yeah, you kind of a little waterlogged there, huh? Man, how can you top a heart shaped tub? I don't. <laughs> well, that's actually a story I think our listeners need to hear. No, about. they don't. Need to hear Read read the blog. Screw them. I'd love to hear it. You know, you haven't read that. 
we got to hear. No, I, I was I was asking because I I heard that you weren't going to be, and I saw that you 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 were you know leaning toward not going and stuff like that. So I just wanted to confirm with you. So yeah, I might do the Wizard Show in Nashville. Okay. Only because my mom lives in Nashville. Okay. Oh, okay. And plus, well, uh, TV's Fonz is going to be there, and um, well, there you go, Lou Winkler. Yes. Oh, I want to get one of those. I want to get one of those um, reverse mortgage packets that has his picture all over it, and have him autograph. Oh, <laughs> nice. Hey, Fonzie, can you do this for me? Well, my friend, my best friend who lives still lives in Nashville, uh, has the doll. And I used to have the doll. Oh, the I, the like Miko style. Yeah, yeah where the thumbs pop up. And yeah, he still sweet. has his. He's going to have that autograph. I'm like, crap! I don't have anything cool to get signed. So <laughs> I'm going to go the other route. eBay carded. Nice. Yeah. You're going to find the most obscure thing that you could have him sign. Oh well, I've done that before. Like when I met Annie Potts, everybody always brings like Ghostbuster stuff or something right. like that. I brought. Um, what was that? Uh, Corvette Summer that she did with Mark Hamill. Oh jeez! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And my my and I gave it to her. I was like, "Can you could you please autograph this?" And she's like, "Oh my God, where did you find this?" You know, I had the DVD, and I the thing was is I that was like my first sexual experience because she goes through that whole movie with it must have been really cold out. Let's just put it that way. And she's in the tank top, yeah. little little um, perky, yeah. So my goal is to now have Mark Hamill like designing it. women or something. Yeah. Yes. Oh, nice. So, but I figure they're more impressed with people having them sign obscure. Oh yeah. You know, well, I can't re- believe anybody remembers I was in this kind of thing. Well, I remember uh, Chuck when we were at uh, at Super Show the one year he brought to Tony Moore an issue of uh, Masters Universe issue Icons of Evil. I think it was what like Beastman or something Beast like Man, that. Yeah. And he was like, I haven't seen one of these in I don't know how long. Like, he he did all the art, but, like, obviously not a whole lot of people would think He's of like, that. He's like, I haven't seen this in a couple of years. And he showed his wife. He goes, hey, honey, check this out. She was talking to somebody. And he pulled her away. And he's like, honey, check this out. She goes, oh, yeah. He goes, you know what? I've never signed one of these before. See, I think that's brilliant. I, I know for me that more obscure anything – well, granted, I haven't done a lot, so it's not that hard. Um, but, like, people will actually – I had a guy at the – uh, Charlotte show bring up a copy of the Johnny Quest book that I did. Okay. Uh, which was actually a serial tie-in. Like when they when they did Johnny Quest back in 96, like we did it on the Cartoon Network. Right. They did this whole thing with Honey Nut Cheerios where you could send in box tops or whatever and you'd get a copy of this comic book. And this guy had a copy and brought it up and I was like, holy crap, you're the only person I know who's ever <laughs> like, had this book. And I was more impressed by the fact that the guy ate all the cereal. Yeah, (laughs) I was more impressed by that. Well, see, next time I I see you, I'm just going to bring a CD, and and it's going to be labeled Star Joe's Episode 100, and I'm going to have you sign that, because I figure that would be probably your most obscure obscure. work. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty obscure. (laughs) Nice. I'm just going to bring a blank check and have you sign that. So I also also have to tell you... Yeah, you're going to gloss right over that joke? Thanks, Ryan. No, it's going to bounce. (laughs) Nice. So I also have to uh, tell you about uh, one funny thing that came out of Baltimore last year when it came to meeting you Uh was (laughs) our buddy Nick, who came with us, was taking pictures. 
And when we were all getting together to take one picture, there's this one picture where none of us were ready, but I look like I'm humping your leg. Nice. And he tagged me in it. (laughs) And one of my coworkers saw it, and she made it her uh, wallpaper on her computer at work. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say she tried to have me fired for sexual (laughs) contact or something. No, she had it nice. blown up, and then when I came into the office, I sat right near her, and she was like, hey, Ryan, I need you to come over here and take a look at this loan with me. And I came around the corner and saw this giant picture of me there in this, like I said, this pumping position, and I was like, thanks, Nick. So, Well, say what you need to do is, is we'll have to go to the office one day and then get in her office before she gets to work, and then she can come in and, like, you know. <laughs> See the real thing. We yeah. can re- reenact, reenact the real right there. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good. Thanks. That's <laughs> ni- nice of you to offer that. <laughs> I'm all nice. about like embarrassing situations. It's about embarrassing someone. Well, they also happened to notice that that picture was taken right in front of the women's restroom. So they were like, "What? What were you guys thinking when you were taking this picture?" <laughs> I was thinking of we really weren't. Yeah. At least it wasn't something like I'd, I'd always. I'm always afraid I'm going to end up being in one of those pictures where the guy's obviously looking at someone's breasts or something. Nice. You know what I'm talking about? And that, you, and that you're going to be that guy? Yeah, I'm afraid I'm always going to be <laughs> busted for being like, because <gasps> my wife will never let me live it down. No, of course not. <laughs> and nor should she. <laughs> uh, but uh, so what's on the horizon? What can What can we expect coming down the pipeline for you? Um, that I, you're allowed to talk about. Uh, <laughs> again, no. No, I just I did an issue. I did an issue of uh, special missions. Okay. Oh, which cool. Is issue eight. Good. So we'll have some good art on special missions for once. Oh, yeah. Thank God. Oh, no, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. The first couple issues have not been great. They've they been Paul brutal. Glacy? Yes. Why yeah. is everybody down on Paul Glacy? It's not good. Oh, see, I Slash Maraud was like one of my favorite series of all time. I don't know how he drew that, but I I don't know this. Yeah. The faces are off. The the nose does, on the characters are kind of about Doonesbury or something. He has, he has yeah. a, a weird way of drawing eyes, but they're very. That's how you recognize Paul Glacey, no matter what. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did special. Uh, I did issue eight, and then I'm doing. I've done three covers for it so far. Like two okay. of two of the goofy covers, the kind of alternate right. covers, which we were actually going to do a jump the shark, like parody. Okay. Uh, but nice. then they voted against that because they thought they, that might just be a bad sign or a bad omen, so we didn't Jinxing do that. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you could have, so have Fonzie sign that. Now that would be funny. <laughs> uh, but we did a Scooby Doo cover, kind of thing. Okay. Oh, sweet. Um, and then I think I'm doing one more cover. Uh, Carlos said it was, uh, he wanted me to do four. Okay. Um, and then I'm finishing up 194 next week. Oh, cool. Uh, nice. And apparently Larry's actually already started 195. Okay. Awesome. And then, of course, coming up is 200. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you know if there's yeah, any special plans with IDW like, for issue 200 or anything like that? Leading up to stuff, or nobody's told me anything. Okay, okay. I would. I'll, 
I would love for them to do something exciting about it, but sure. I don't know. I just and if they were doing perfect. like incentive covers or anything like that, or you know. Yeah, and I don't. I don't see why they shouldn't. I mean, it's a it's a milestone. The only other book sure. that I remember hitting two hundred was the X Men, and I remember that being like a big event. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, granted, this won't compete with that. But it would be nice if they at least acknowledged it. It was so funny because I, I never dawned on me why everybody was so hot on the cover for one seventy five. Okay. Until it finally dawned on me. Oh, one seventy five. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, I just thought of the perfect thing you could take to have Henry Winkler sign. You should draw a picture of the Fonz jumping a shark and have him sign. Oh, that. I thought you were going to say Pinky Tuscadero for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should draw a Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> no, you should draw the Fonz jumping a shark and then have him sign it. There you go. So there, you, there you go. <laughs> or get, get a picture of Scott Bale and take it to him. So could you sign this, please? <laughs> No, You're not was, Chachi, right? What was the one that played Joni? <laughs> Didn't she like try to have charges oh, brought against him? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, anybody that watches Henry Winkler now is like, "Are you serious? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> it's like the most white. Well, you could take guy a copy the of the Water Boy. Yeah, you could take a copy of the Water Boy and have him Aww. sign that. He was <laughs> yeah, the coach in that. Yeah. So. Wasn't Jerry Reed in that too? Uh, I, I can't remember. Maybe yeah. I got I got my iPad here. I'll I'll look it up. Talk so much yourself. Jerry Reed is awesome. <laughs> he he makes the Smokey and the Bandit movies. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a personal snowman. He was a good guy. True. Let's see. So we're looking at Waterboy. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Who the hell was in that? He was in Scooby-Doo, too, Jerry Reed. See, I've looked for years, because when Jerry was still alive, I wanted to get one of the cells from the Scooby-Doo episode that he was in and have him sign it. Yeah. I I could never find one. Yes, uh, Jerry Reed was in Waterboy. He was Coach Red Baloo. There you go. Yeah, the opposition coach, yeah. Yeah. So there you go, classic moment. I'm sure that'll end up in the in the podcast. Oh yeah, I absolutely. really want a forty minute discussion about. <laughs> boy. This is all going in the podcast. This is going to be a mammoth podcast. <laughs> Put him to sleep right away. It's going to be a five hour podcast. <laughs> it better be broken up into like five pieces. <laughs> no, twenty minutes. Twenty minute shots. Yeah, it's got to be pee breaks, like intermission music. We could do that, but the. But screw it, this is going to be one long episode because guess what? It's 100. We're not going to get to 100 ever again. <laughs> Damn it, this episode's going well, to we go could, We could do the classic ETM thing and reboot after 100. No. Good move, guys. That mm. worked well for them, didn't it? No, it didn't. <laughs> no I wonder how they're doing now. I, I never hear from them. Yeah, well, you know. Didn't me? I'll, I'll just go away for a while. <laughs> Talk about whatever the hell it is you're talking about. You, I think you met some of them uh, when at Baltimore. Yeah, at there were some Baltimore, other guys. There was uh, Victor, Mike, and um, Bill. Bill. They were all at Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I know they Pretty came sure. over your table, but because uh, you know you remember everybody you meet at these conventions, right? You weren't looking. They took a couple things. You, you remember those guys? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't. I guess, yeah. One, one was under <laughs> the table. You know, remember them. I'm the worst person about names. <laughs> Honest to God. 
like a face, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, because I, you know, visual I'm, stuff. But names? Yeah. Damn. So I'm, I'm surprised you didn't email me back going, who are you guys who, again? What who, are you doing? Who, huh? uh, uh, I emailed John. I was like, have you ever heard of this guy? <laughs> it's like, you idiot. Yeah. Those are the Star Joes guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, thanks for not big time, Vanessa. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so I do have one of our classic firing ranges here for you. I wrote down some, some questions. Uh, Uh, so I hope you're prepared. You told me not to prepare. (laughs) You did not say anything about a quiz. Ready to go. Just mentally be prepared. You didn't have to do any research in advance. Boba Fett. (laughs) <laughs> the next 75 seconds will determine your career. Go. <laughs> All right. I think I don't think any of these we've ever asked you before, and I know some of them we definitely have not. So well, I, don't, I can't remember anything anyway, so it won't That's be. fine. It'll so be all fine. new. All right. So hamburger or cheeseburger? Cheeseburger. Right. With is there bacon. ever – yeah, there you go. Is <laughs> there ever a time nice. that hamburger is acceptable? <laughs> when there's not a cheeseburger. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'm in the mood for a hamburger. Sometimes is, I'm in the mood for a cheeseburger. This is what I've told Chuck all along. I was like, if you have a choice between hamburger and cheeseburger, you always choose cheeseburger. The only time you should be eating a hamburger is when a cheeseburger is not available. Oh, well, but I will say the only time you don't take a cheeseburger is when it's like one of those weird cheeses. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, I, I'll do a provolone. I'll do a Swiss, but I'm not going to do like blue cheese that's not i'm not big on that okay i like i like blue cheese on a steak limburger or something no yeah limburger no no yeah famunda cheese yeah right. <laughs> let's keep it yeah i like to segregate my cheese <laughs> that's okay chuck, chuck <laughs> likes cheese seg- segregation chuck likes to segregate everything so it's all right i, I like my italian nice. cheeses with my wafts over here which i can say because nice. i'm half italian so well there you go yeah um, Marvel or DC? Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> he has to work for potentially both, so yeah, I was, might I was actually going to play. I was going to play the the skip card and go IDW. <laughs> there you go. That's the corporate answer. Oh boy, cop out. Um, <laughs> um, do you like butterscotch? Uh, like the, the comic the flavor, or the the flavor? The the, the candy, the flavor. If we're talking about the Milo Minara comic, man, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I'm not I'll familiar with the guess. comic. Well, anybody that is will know why. <laughs> yeah, you get you have to be like over 18. Uh, yes, have that comic, I think. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta look this one up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it might not be one of those comics you would grab, Ryan. No, no it might be. It's not something you want around the house when the kids are home, <laughs> or the yep. wife, or the wife. <laughs> well, actually, mine just goes, ugh. Don't be grass. <laughs> yeah. All right. That yeah. The, I saw. I see some images here. That yeah. That looks. Uh, yeah. You like that? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to add that to my playlist. Uh, yeah. Oh. Nice. Um. Yeah. I found it <laughs> online. Uh. We, we oh, gotta good. go, guys. Give me about five minutes. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm almost there. My lemonara, baby. So um, <laughs> so when it comes to butterscotch, the flavor. How about that? Do you That's do you like? Random fl- question. You know, well, I don't like hard the little hard butterscotch candies. Okay. Get in the kind of weird foil. Yeah. I don't like them in and of themselves, but I like I actually when I make whipped cream, like anybody cares about my culinary things, <laughs> uh, I'll 
I've got that kind of coffee syrup that you get when you go to Starbucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll put a shot of butterscotch in the whipped cream. Nice. Gives it a little kick. Like the Torino's type yeah, stuff? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to remember I worked that. at a coffee. I worked at a coffee shop. I'm, I'm aware of those things. Yeah, because you got to put used sugar to be a barista. in anyway. You might as well be flavored. Yeah. Right. So. No, the reason that one comes up is because I am not a fan of butterscotch flavor at all, and Chuck and, is. So. And we should build the show around that. Exactly. I know. I, I can't get over how you don't like butterscotch. Well, I mean, that's what okay. The, what the hell's wrong with you? That's okay, because I can't get over the next one, uh, which is, do you like ranch dressing? Uh, dressing, no, but I like making ranch dip. Okay. Ranch dip, I'm a big fan of. When it comes to dressing, I tend to just kind of stick with, like, Caesar stuff. Okay. But, like, ranch-flavored stuff you're okay with? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Chuck's not, so. Mm. Which is I the one I, which is the one I don't understand, so. I I think it's it's a context issue. Like, I, I love ranch dip. But ranch dressing on my salad doesn't work for me. Okay. Um, since are, we talked about planning dinner or something, or we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm getting hungry. I'm going to order a pizza. Like Fourth of July is coming up. We're just setting up the menu. We're taking a kind of a. <laughs> Anybody got an opinion? Anybody? <laughs> Cheeseburgers, butterscotch right. dessert. So, um, so we're getting away from the food. Uh, and moving on uh, Fireworks, for, a mo- right? for a moment, we're moving on for Roman candles or sparklers. <laughs> no, but this does relate to something we were talking about before we started recording. Uh, it, it, it sparked a, a thought for me. Debbie Gibson or Tiffany? Debbie Gibson, of course. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, Chuck will take them both, so it's all right. Right, but Debbie <laughs> Gibson, that's, she's just a lady. When you. Uh, in regards to the G.I. Joe cartoon, and no, you did not have to watch any episodes to, know, to be able to answer this one, uh, which, which pet is the best, Timber, Polly, or Freedom? Mm. I was like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, you know, well, I mean, really, I the, the only you, one with a personality is Polly. Like. No, you can I, tell I, me. You can tell me which one you don't like. Yeah. Okay. Which, which one was that? Be Polly. Okay. Because you can stay on the show. <laughs> well, that's I really had, the only one with the personality. That's the only one that talks. I, I know, but them. I had a parrot when I was a kid. Like I had my my family had a, a cockatoo, like a sulfur crested cockatoo. Okay. So mm-hmm. we parrots don't talk that much. It was a green parrot. They don't talk that much. <laughs> if it had been an African gray, I could buy it. But this thing has like a vocabulary of a four year old. Fucking parrot. Was your parrot in the talk. Navy? It picked up a lot of words. Okay, my my bird did cuss, but <laughs> damn it, if he couldn't carry on a conversation. Right. Well, we found recently by doing, watching the cartoons that uh, Freedom can catch a throwing star with his mouth. Uh, well, Timber, that- can, Timber can pump a, a, a trolley cart on a, on a rail track, and Polly can evidently save people's lives by impersonating a voice recognition thing. Well, my bird used to do that, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, our bird, we used to, when the phone would ring, our bird would go, I'll get it, and no one would answer the phone. And then people would come over and go, I've been calling for an hour. Or that is somebody awesome. Would, when somebody would knock on the door, he would go, come in. And people would wander into our house. Like, my, we, you know, Thieves back in the early 70s when nobody locked their doors kind of thing right. and just left the front yeah. door open. Right. 
but yeah. And, you're, and you'd come downstairs and you'd be like, where's the couch? <laughs> yeah. No, but people would come in. Our neighbors would just like kind of come downstairs. We'd be downstairs doing laundry or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, somebody told me to come in. I'm like, yeah, damn yeah, bird. bird. <laughs> when it comes to over, uh, I'm just going to say overused characters, uh, which one tops the list for you? Wolverine, Deadpool, or Snake Eyes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> so were you were you happy that there was a quote-unquote death of Snake Eyes in the IDW universe then? So he's kind of away for a little while? Or do you just not care? <laughs> it's okay to say you don't care. It's all right. No, it's just, it's one of those things. Like, I, there are so many characters that I want to draw. Yeah. And there are situations that I would like to draw with Snake Eyes that just won't come up. And then there are goggles that I can't seem to get approval to draw. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean Commando Snake Eyes? Yeah. Is it does does Hasbro push back on that or no? Just it, it's like I throw the question out there and it's just kind of like, <laughs> oh Shannon, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that. You silly, silly. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of yeah goes by the wayside and nobody acknowledges it. Right. Yeah. I well, still I, I did still think it would be a great way. I'm sorry. I, I saw you got to draw your favorite uh, spirit on the cover of the one uh, real American hero. You weren't really on the interiors, but you got to draw the cover on that one, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I've, I've, been, I've been saying that for I don't know how long. And then the minute spirit comes up in an issue, they're like, oh, we're going to have a fill-in. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of back in slap, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the minute I go, I take a vacation. I took my mom on the Orient Express. They... There's the whole storyline coming up. I don't know what's in the issue, but I did the cover, and I was kind of like, oh! Because the one relationship in the whole Joe universe that anybody cares about is Snake Eyes and Scarlet. And right. apparently there's like a whole issue where they're hanging out. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. We're, Can I draw that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's, it's going to be a well, scene. It's going to be scenes with the two people dressed in normal clothes. In everyday life, let's see. Let's get the guy that draws realistically, or somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can off, you can tell us what else you like about GI Joe, and then we'll know what's coming when you take a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this is just a classic uh, debate: who wins, Superman or Batman? Oh God. <laughs> Are you asking Frank Miller or Kurt Swan? Uh, I would probably go more Swan. You would go Swan. Right. <laughs> of course he would. You know, I don't think it matters because I think Superman would kick his ass. I go back and forth on this all the time, so. See, I, I saw yeah, what he did to Zod. I saw the movie. Oh. <laughs> you didn't like the movie? Come on. I, it haven't, was seen, awesome. I haven't seen it. I've heard, oh, okay. so many, I've heard so many people... Oh Tell my me. god, you gotta watch it. It's awesome. I loved it. It's good, the best bad, Superman good, It's the bad. best Superman movie ever made. There are a lot of mixed results on it, I'll, I'll give you that. There are a lot of mixed opinions, but I, I really loved it. Because I've heard that it, it's it's one of those things like everybody seems to either love it or hate it. Just like the hate it? Star Trek film. Okay. I've yeah. heard people that loved it and I've heard I a friend of mine just went off on it. <laughs> who normally he's like the most 
he's British, so he's kind of like stiff upper lip, doesn't really say anything. And he was like swearing like a sailor about how much he hated this movie. <laughs> so. Nice. But yeah, I would say Green Lantern. Okay, Green Lantern would win. Good. Yes. That's, that'd be my choice too. Because I, I have this theory that the, the green is actually kryptonite. Like the ring should be based in kryptonite. <laughs> nice. That's what they forge it out of. That's what. It, that's my theory. Okay, that's a good one. Because then that way, you know, Superman can't mess with him. Nice. I'm actually looking at a Green Lantern trade right now. I have on my desk. It's uh, volume one of Sector 2814 that reprints some of the Len Wein and Dave Gibbons uh, issues, oh. which are just classic. So. I love Dave Gibbons. Yeah. Um, this one is just a piss chuck off. Nice. Uh, nice. Who, who wins? <laughs> who wins? Thor or He-Man? Oh, well, say so you're going to... Oh, I don't... I'm, I'm a Thor fan. Well, that's fine. Chuck's a fan of both, which is why it pisses him off because oh. it's tough for him to choose between the two. Oh well, I don't have a problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm a. If, if you were asking Rob Brick and his friend of mine, he, he would say He Man, but I'm a Thor fan. I have a Thor amulet, yeah. so it's Thor. Nice. I would honestly have to say Thor because he is a god, and He Man is the most He's powerful man in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. He Man's still a man when it all comes down to it, and, and Thor's a god, so I would, I would have to say much. Thor carbon copies of each other other than the fact that Thor, Thor wears clothes and Thor wears clothes well and yeah <laughs> well not in the Asgardian bedrooms of uh, maidens he doesn't no but it, it, the other thing that he's got working for him is they both can be that kind of like gay California surfer look <laughs> but Thor can right. avoid it by taking the hat off right there's something right. about the helmet that no one ever draws right and it always makes him look like a gay surfer. The minute he takes that off, he's a he's badass. Okay. He's okay, yeah. yeah. Is it the wings? Is that what does it for people? The only person, and, and I'll say this with all conviction, because uh, I know people didn't like the series, but when Stuart Eminem, or Eminem, however you say it, I think it's Eminem. Yeah. I think it's Eminem. Yeah. When he did the death of Odin, he drew the best helmet on Thor, because okay. he made it look like somebody had ripped a couple of bird wings off and Stapleton to like the side of the <laughs> Nice. Nice. Which well, Eminem's pretty good at drawing just about anything. So, oh, yeah. Um, but he I'm was lov- the first guy that drew Thor that I was like, yeah! Nice. I'm I'm loving him on uh, all new X-Men right now. Oh, yeah. He's drawing the hell out of that. So, um, it's kind of related to some things we talked about uh, earlier. Uh, do you prefer doing covers or doing interiors? Uh, if there's a check, <laughs> let's well, assume the same. Let's say they're paying they you the with same. IDW. Okay, for me, it's it's the same as an interior. Okay, um, so which do you prefer then? Right now, I'd probably say interiors because most of the covers I've been doing are just whatever Larry has sketched out. Okay, the covers on the special mission stuff has been more fun for me because I it's up to me. Okay. It's, like, it's your I, design, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I get to play with it more. Um, and I'm always wondering how far to push Larry's covers. Like, sometimes what I want to do is take the idea and just redo it. Right. And then I know I'll get reamed for it, so I don't. <laughs> um, just do one and see what happens and just have a backup just in case. Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing is is I don't know... Uh, if the fans want that or not, you know, do, would right. people want, oh, it's that idea, but it's done differently. Yeah. 
Like sometimes I think the angle would work better from a different, you know, lower, higher, whatever. I think if there was like a, you know how they've done a lot of the Hama sketch covers and stuff like that as like a retailer incentive or whatever. I think if they did that, but then had the regular cover be your version of that idea. I mean, I think that would be kind of cool to see. Well, they would like your interpretation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They would always have the Hama cover. I just don't know. Right. If people would be interested in seeing, okay, I took that idea and played with it, or if they well, just t- want. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you for the. Um, I just saw in previews uh, for uh, the books coming out in September. They're doing uh, a mini series called the Star Wars, which is based on Lucas's original script oh, idea. I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Can't wait. But uh, they're actually doing several covers that are all basically the same theme and same look and idea, mm-hmm. but it's different artists' interpretations of it. So, obviously, they think, at least Dark Horse thinks that there's a market for people seeing different artists take a different interpretation of the same concept. So, I, I personally would love to see different artists take, like, the same concept of a cover, but put make it their own. Yeah. Uh, or you I mean, can even do that thing. with the old classic Marvel covers and just, you know, redesign those a little bit. Yeah, from the '80s, that would be cool. I'd buy a book like that. Well, yeah. we had talked about doing that at one time. Okay, uh, Carlos and I had actually talked about because we were doing the alternate. You know, they had the right. Herb Trimpy cover doing of of Larry Hama's sketch, and then right. I would do a third one. Okay, and I actually proposed to him at one point. You know, why don't we do that? Why don't we do parodies or whatever you want to call it of the old covers or homages or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of, kind of like what they did with the. Um, there was the one, the uh, Silent Castle cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. did the updated version where it was like the new Snake Eyes costume with all the yeah. know, gear and everything, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um. So I thought about you know let's well, let's do that. But, yeah, I mean I I love the idea of taking some of those classic covers and just redoing them, especially if it's uh. A issue that's going to be co- like involving the characters that would be on that cover, anyways. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, yeah. I think they should all be nude. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they, there's a market for that somewhere. I'm I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, well, it would help my original sell a lot more <laughs> if it was all like oh Scarlet, uh, Baroness. Uh, <laughs> nice. Going with like GI Blow. Whoa. Um. <laughs> Oh, dude! Whoa! What? Wow! I don't know. I was doing. I was doing an artsy thing, and you had. Oh! You totally. You totally took it to a bad place. I think you were taking it there, also with saying how well they would sell. So. Well, I'm just Uh, saying, fanboys are fanboys. True. True. Exactly. We all Uh, like our Power Girl. That's all it is. I will say that I would probably be in line to buy some of those covers. Um. (laughs) <laughs> and then this one, this last question is just very self-serving. Uh, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Do you like me? <laughs> and like the 15th masturbation reference you've made in the show. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, what, Silence of the Lambs. Would you fuck me? I'd right. fuck me. <laughs> so anyway. Dog and fuck it. <laughs> awesome. The lotion in the basket. Yeah, that's it. in the basket, you bitch. Yes. So Pretty Shannon, would you put the lotion in the basket? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> right. That's the, that was the next question, Chuck. How did you know? Well, I've got a copy of it here. <laughs> no. So, like I said, self-serving, but it's uh, Star Joe's or any other podcast. It's the only one I listen to. <laughs> nice. Correct. Well, there you go. That's all you need. 
Well, you'll have a lot more to listen to when this episode comes out. You'll just have to skip past your segment. I always do. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, So what's coming up for you, uh, convention-wise, or... What, whatever you want to plug. What, what, he was, he was here for the rest of the show, right? Who I know, right? Yeah, didn't you and I no, cover I, this? No, I know you yeah. covered it, but I didn't know if you had something like immediate. You want you to recap. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah re- give, us a, give us a skinny. Previously. <laughs> now, I, like I said, the only show I might do is Nashville. Um, okay. Baltimore's still up in the air. It's I, I don't know. Because, well, I mean, you're definitely welcome to come down and just hang out with us in the room if you want to. I yeah, mean, you don't have to go to the show or something. You're more <laughs> and than then I'll end up here. at that heart-shaped tub hotel again. <laughs> no, we're not at the heart-shaped tub hotel. We're at the, uh, where are we at? What hotel Hyatt, is that? We're going to be at the Hyatt Regency. Ah, yeah. You got fancy. Yeah. Yeah, we'll shoot you, we'll shoot you the, uh, the connection stuff. So Yeah. We're also sharing the room with five guys, so it's not that fancy. <laughs> the burger joint or just in general? Just in general. Oh, okay. I, yeah, don't, we, don't the eat Cajun those. fries are worth showing up for. Right, exactly. Right, right. But no, we're we're planning on uh yeah, we're planning on hosting people back at the room, nice. uh like we did last year. And uh uh yeah, it should be should be a blast. There should be a lot more people this year than even last year. Have so you talked to John Thurman about when I go to parties that are in hotel rooms? Because they're not good. <laughs> no, no. 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 Yeah, if you want a funny story, ask John about that. Okay. Nice. Because well, the, the, what was it, the Virginia Con? Yeah. And I can't remember the guy's names. This is the two brothers, like the Philbrock Phil brothers. Yeah, okay. They got me so wasted. <laughs> well, that would be our plan, too, so. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, you're going to be fine. Give him another know. beer and put him on the bed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> better if you don't struggle. Um, <laughs> I, I just remember bouncing struggle. like a pinball down the hallway to my room. That's all I remember. Nice. <laughs> um, no, like I said, if you can, it, obviously, if, you, if you're able to stop down, uh, we'd love to see you again. Uh, but we understand if you don't, if you don't make it, considering what you went through last year. Um, and if you want to make a little money while you're there, I mean, you could probably do sketches in our room. So. Yeah, I I'd buy a couple. I was like, "Wow, where is this going? <laughs> it's going down a dirty hole, isn't it? This, wow, wow, is going to be under the entertainment, uh, or is this just food and? Yeah. Well, there'll be some libations and some food, probably. Yeah, yeah libations. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Fancy. Yeah, we get fancy. Yeah. Yeah, this whole uh, this whole part of the show has just been a bunch of debauchery. <laughs> so. Fair enough. That's the only reason I agree to it. Right. Well, exactly. So well, we you're don't even have to yeah, do a show. Like, just hanging out with you. It's just that's right. I could that's do that. That's how it goes. Yeah. Sure. Well, like I said, I'm I'm planning on uh, reaching out to you more to have you join us. So uh, so you can't complain anymore about not being part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to get Larry on for two hundred? Uh, we, we tried to tried. get him on for we tried to get him on for one hundred, and I actually spoke to him at JoeCon, and he said he'd be happy to do it. But it just so happened that right about now is when he went in for a surgery uh, for it was like some type of nasal surgery or something like that that he was having. So he said he really wouldn't be able to. He didn't know how he'd be able to, as far as speaking and everything else, how he would sound. So he says maybe at a later date. So I told him, yeah, that's fine. I hope everything goes how, well. How do you know this and I don't? I don't know. But I talked to him on Facebook. 
Talk to him on Facebook. We're friends no. on Facebook. <laughs> I, I'm friends with him on Facebook, but I had to stop his feed. <laughs> I was just like every other people like, oh, these bastards, I'm going to unfriend them all. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, Larry. Have a good day. <laughs> but yeah, I talked to him at uh, I talked to him at JoeCon, and uh, I was letting him know we were coming up on our episode 100, and he saw my T-shirt, and he remembered that we gave him one at at uh, uh, Baltimore. Mm. So he was like, "Hey, I wear that. I have a shirt like that. I wear it." And I was like, like "Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. I gave it to you." <laughs> no, I gave it to you. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, so then uh, he signed a couple books, and I, I mentioned that we'd love to have him on the show, and he's like, yeah, just reach out to me on Facebook. So I reached out to him, and he says just the timing wasn't right. Yeah. So, so you got to really get out to JoeCon, Shannon. I mean, if it's close to where you're at next year. It changes every year, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, they change the venue, yeah. Where is it Where is it next year? Uh, we don't uh, it hasn't yet. been released yet, but yeah. the previous year was in Indiana, Indianapolis. Oh, be my luck. It'll be in, like, Vancouver. Nice. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's a fun show, uh, and the only problem is, it, and we're hoping that this might change, is that it's not tailored towards artists so so much. Like, Robert went there, but he was considered a vendor. and uh, Yeah, it's, it's more geared toward, like, uh, collecting, like, the toy side of everything. But, <laughs> but you would still be, I'm, I, I'm sure you would still be welcome with open arms, because there's yeah, a lot he, of... He, he, if they knew an artist was coming, they could, you know, you would be a big, uh, big talent, big name there. Yeah, you might even make the uh, the brochure or whatnot. So. Oh, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know, right? And then some guy who drew some books. <laughs> no, you're well known so in the, the joke community. Yeah, yeah, the grumpy bastard that you, yeah. <laughs> the non-bubbly yeah, guy. Yeah, the non-bubbly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the no, guys you, coming over. Why don't you draw Major Blood's helmet? What the fuck? <laughs> Better like when's Miss Gallant gonna get here? Exactly. There you I go. Heard she's hot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, if it if it ends up being close to you, you definitely should go. I mean, even if you're just going as a, a guest to check it out and stuff like that. Um, I can not forget about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Morris we can put you in touch like, with a few names of some people that you know are kind of in the know. Yeah, know they'll things, hook so. they'll hook you up right. Uh, so. I, well, as Larry would ask for their cosplay jokes. Uh, no, yeah, no. Yes, there are. Yeah, there's GI Joe cosplay. They've oh yeah, there. I guess there's a few. Scarlet. Yeah, yeah. That's it's it's not like a regular comic convention because it's more like a big giant organized toy show. Yeah, but it's still cool. I mean, we had a good time. I had a good are there time. deals? That's my question. Yes, like, is everybody like deals. charging out the wazoo for stuff or is no, it, like, no? There's there, I got a fine. I got some stuff. really good deals. Yeah, yeah I got some really good deals. Plus, we have a few friends that we would tell them you were coming, and they they'll take care of you too. Because John was telling me about like one time he bought like a flint, like the sideshow stuff, like for some friend or something. Okay, yeah, like a bunch of figures. I'm like, damn it, why didn't you tell me about that? Because I could use some of those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sideshows were like what Chuck, like maybe around a hundred bucks, yeah. which isn't bad for yeah, those. It's not. And you could and you could talk them down a little bit from that. So no, I'm horrible at haggling. <laughs> nice. I actually uh, may be parting with some of mine here shortly. So yeah, I'll, Chuck, I'll Chuck can let you, yeah, Chuck <laughs> can let you know uh, what he has. And because I'm I'm one of those guys. It's like I've got some that I use for reference, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get a couple of new ones just because oh. I'm kind of wearing out the ones I've had for years. Right. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, it's like you know the military stuff, and it's 
I'm not one of those guys that's going to keep them in a box. Right. Yeah, I'm going to take them out and use, use oh, them yeah, mine, like pose figures and stuff. Yeah, mine are out, so. Yeah. I, Whoa. <laughs> my side so well, my, the Supreme Court my, struck that down, and it's okay. My nice. sideshow collectibles are out. <laughs> yeah, again, mine's been out all show. Oh, wow. Damn. And on that note, uh, <laughs> Shannon, thanks for coming on the yeah, show. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah, and Lisa, I, I, in all seriousness, though, I will reach out to you, and anytime you'd like to join us for the the cartoon episodes or any other episode, you're you're more than welcome to. Well, so. especially if you if you're thinking about, I'm not I'm not pushing it, but yeah. if you decide to do something with 200 uh, yeah. and Larry or something, <laughs> yeah, 200, yeah. sweet. Yeah, no, we'll we'll see if we can uh, we can make that happen then. That'd be awesome. Have both of you on. I'd like yeah. to get Larry on before 200. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, well, yeah. Even like, even yeah. even if you have Larry on for two hundred with and and I join in, it's just Larry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Shannon awesome. listening to Larry. <laughs> yeah, because it's like we did Awesome Con and it was a panel. It was Herb Trimpy, Larry, and myself. <laughs> Who do you think did all the talking? Larry and Larry. Herb. No, it was Larry. No, it was just Larry. Larry. Yeah, yeah. Because occasionally he'd look at Herb and go, "What do you think?" And then Herb would say something. He's like, "Yeah." So. <laughs> And they go on for another hour. <laughs> Did he turn to you at all? I think he turned to me at one point, and I just kind of like shrugged. I was like, I don't "Did he tell know. you like, hey kid, give me a, give me a water?" Yeah, it was pretty much like you got any water over there. No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> who are you again? <laughs> uh, who's who's that guy at the end of the table? <laughs> nice. Yeah, draw the book. You're draw. You're writing. Oh yeah, yeah, that that guy, that guy. I email him a lot. <laughs> that's, that's the guy that fucked up my script. <laughs> the guy that didn't put the wheel on the van. I put the wheel on the van. Prove it. Wow, he got a little defensive on that, huh? <laughs> you know, I brought that up just to poke the bear. <laughs> Don't poke the it's bear. It's all in good fun, buddy. It's all in good fun. Get the claws. <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I and, and I know we mentioned this on the show, I was expecting when I came to Baltimore and was picking up the sketch I asked you to do, I was expecting the sketch to just be a stack of tires. <laughs> now that's brilliant. I should have done that. <laughs> a bitch. He was a little disappointed you didn't. <laughs> I was expecting like one tire talking to the other one going, where'd that van go? <laughs> but um, bum Right. An art joke. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so. All right. All right. Well, thanks again. And like I said, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch with you. All right. I'm always here. All right. Awesome. Have a good night, man. Thanks, thanks Shannon. Have a great night. Thanks again. Right. Bye-bye. Hey, Ryan, Chuck Starjo's, uh, this is Jake Rose. You've never talked to me before. Um, I'm uh, sober, so I'm not leaving as good as message as, uh, Chewy would. But I uh, just want to say I love your show. I've listened to it now for a couple of years. You've made my collecting experience fantastic. And uh, keep up. Here's for another 100 episodes. Can't wait to hear them all. Hey, Sarjos. This is Matt Neary, a.k.a. Warden43CK on the forums. Hopefully I still made it in time for your 100th episode. But uh, I just want to say, like everyone else, congratulations on 100 episodes because, honestly, I never thought you guys would make it uh, even this far. So, uh Actually, uh, I mean, let's take that last part out. That wasn't very nice at all. But uh, seriously, guys, I'm really happy that uh, I stumbled upon your podcast. Uh, 
you guys have definitely introduced me to a lot of new properties that I never would have read um, and kept me excited on ones that I I was reading anyway and even uh, maybe saving me some money on some books just listening to you guys talk about it. Uh, I love your show, of course, and uh, I can't wait for the definitively the best 80s podcast to hit another 100 episodes. So uh, just real quick, just want to say congratulations, Ryan and Chuck. Uh, you guys are doing a great job, and uh hope to hear more from you guys in the future. Thanks. Bye. Hey guys, it's Sam, aka Straight Edge He Man. Just wanted to congratulate you guys on your hundredth episode, and hope to hear many more. Peace, see ya. Ryan and Chuck, this is Travis. Uh, Travis from the forums. Uh, first, I just want to say congratulations on a hundred episodes. Um, also, uh, just want to say thanks as a listener. Uh, you guys have made uh, all of us listeners feel like friends, and you guys have grown a great community. Uh, so, uh, thanks for that. And uh, here's to another 100 episodes. Have a good one, guys. All right. Well, uh, next on the show here and uh, kind of our coup de grace, I guess is a good way to phrase it, our, our big name talent we wanted to bring on for 100 episodes. Isn't, isn't, isn't that French for knife in the chest? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> How astute of you to notice, but it is. It's our honored guest. It's our very honored guest, uh, Mr. Bill Ratner, who anyone that listens to this show should know did the voice of Flint. And the G.I. Joe Sunbow cartoon. Yes, on the G.I. Joe Sunbow cartoon. Uh, and it, anyone that listens to the show should know uh, Flint is a uh, major sore spot for, between Chuck and myself and that <laughs> I love Flint. He's my favorite Joe character of all time. And... Duke, I guess, is kind of Chuck's favorite character, and we thought maybe we should bring Mr. Ratner on to uh, to d- maybe talk about the differences between the two there. Well, well, you know, th- this is very interesting uh, uh, because at JoeCon and uh, in Indy uh, this April, I got into a big discussion with people, um, and a couple guys took me aside and said, "Listen, I got to tell you, you know, we didn't care for Duke and uh, and." Uh, and Scarlet at all, because every time they would come on screen, you know, just be blah, blah, talk, blah, 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 chatter. But when Flint and Lady J came on, we knew there was going to be action. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, I never had an opinion. You know, you, you, there's kind of a conflation of the personal and the and the actual on um, G.I. Joe. Uh, Michael Bell played Duke. Right. And um, uh, uh, Michael was an interesting guy at the time in 82 and 83 when we were recording those episodes for Sunbow. He was a very busy animation actor, and so he was always, you know, so, uh, can, is there any way that I, I could go first? And in order to just mess him up, every one of us would say, no, no, no way. we just <laughs> go down the line, there'd be like 12 other actors, no. No, for me, I guess, no, no, no. What is it, 2 o'clock? Maybe we can get on by 5. <laughs> no, come on, tell us, come on. And because uh, he'd have to, you know, he'd, he'd, well, of course, we could have said yes, and we ultimately would, we, we would. And, and Wally Bird, the director, says, it's up to you, fellas. If they say no, Michael, you're going to have to sit down and just take your medicine and wait. Um, but uh, Duke was, you know, that was 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 blonde with kind of a designer outfit. And uh, Flint, I, I see as a little earthier, a little more real. Uh, the truth is I'm making all this up. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know there was really any difference whatsoever. I think the writers actually began to perceive a difference. Okay. Between... The pairing of Flint and Lady J, who were, in terms of the actual episodes, a little more action-oriented. Mm-hmm. And Duke and Scarlet, uh, 
uh, were, there was a little more conversation and sort of joking around and badinage and so on. Um, so do I have any preference? Well, it's all about me, fellas, so you have to with me, my vote. <laughs> well, and I, I should also point out the different one of the big reasons why uh, Chuck and I differ on the opinion is because I grew up mostly with just the cartoon. I didn't really do a lot of the reading of the comic series where Chuck, while he grew up with the cartoon, because we're both the same age, we're both in our uh, late 30s, um, he, while he grew up with the cartoon, he did a lot of reading of the comic book. And in the comic, Duke is really a very major character where, as you had said, in the cartoon, really Flint and Lady J were, were more of the major characters. Yeah, they were the more of the focal points in the cartoon. Right. right. I, I got into G.I. Joe 80, 82, 83, and Duke was the first, uh, you know, kind of leader of G.I. Joe, and that's why I just kind of gravitated toward him a little bit. Not that I don't like Flint. I, I like Flint as a character. <laughs> I just prefer Duke. Yeah. I, I was I was devastated at Joe Con. We went, went to see... Uh, a, a G.I. Joe, the the new movie, yeah. and uh, Flint was played by this kind of short, dark-haired, quiet guy who didn't have very many lines. And I was I was I sat there eating my popcorn, sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened? What about the legend? Well, you'll be happy to know that I've heard that Flint is supposed to have a bigger role in the next movie. So oh, I'm so glad. Great. So, yeah, uh, maybe because Channing Tatum is just too busy. Right. <laughs> yeah, they killed him off. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and and I'm much the same way as as uh, Chuck is, where it, I like Duke, but I. Flint was always my number one uh, Joe character, so uh, so I mean, yeah, it, it, there's a constant debate uh, with those characters between us, and our listeners love to always bring it up as well. So. Yeah, it's just good spirited fun. Yeah, exactly. So so let me ask you guys a personal question. Yes, I mean, sure. I remember uh, you know going going to the Boulevard Twin movie uh, theaters on. Um, Lindale Avenue in South Minneapolis, and after we'd see, you know, the adventures of Don Juan or whatever, we'd get on our bikes and we'd go to Minnehaha Creek, get out, and sort of reenact. I mean, not in any careful way, but sort of spontaneously. You know, if there was sword play, we'd be doing that. And I'm okay. I'm so and so. No, I'm so and so. No, I'm so and so. Did you guys do that? Oh with, yes, with yes, G.I. Joe? very much so. And oh, yeah. and to GI Joe, yes. yes. Uh, I mean, there was many. We always talked about too, like. It, it's a little sad these days. I think kids still have some of that imagination, or they could. But, I mean, Chuck and I have talked many times saying how a stick was a lot of times our best friend in the backyard because it could be anything. It could be a, a sword, a gun, anything you want it to be, a, a taser, you know. An M60 machine. Sure, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Now, nowadays, with the video game era and the children now, most of their imagination is fed to them through the video game. There's not really left to the imagination. It's all played out before them, whereas we were outside playing – we had to make it up ourselves using our imagination. So, well, you know, there's a really interesting point to me. I, I had dinner on Saturday night. I just sort of randomly sat down at a table, and there and there was uh, uh, Troy Perkins and his mom and dad. And Troy is a school teacher, uh, and although he didn't look like when he had you know the dot underneath his chin and like a black stocking cap, you know, and tattoos and stuff, but he's a school teacher, and his mom is uh, too. And I look, turned to her. And Troy, you know, is encyclopedic in his knowledge of G.I. Joe and Transformers and everything else. And um, I turned to his mom. I said, so how do you how do you feel about your 39-year-old son uh, uh, playing with action figures? And she said, well, the truth is, he loaned me his collection 10 years ago to take into my ninth grade public school classroom as an English teacher. And since then, I've been using them uh, uh, to increase literacy in the classroom. And I said, what? 
Oh, wow. And she said, yeah, you know, this is a very marginal uh, population of ninth graders, many of them functionally illiterate. And she said she brought the G.I. Joe comic books in first. Right. And and kids would read them. And then she would bring she would show an episode at a time from from, uh, you know, the old VHSs or the DVD releases. And then she would pass out the action figures and ask them to spend a certain amount of time doing imagination play okay. as the characters, oh, wow. which is what, you know, what we were just talking about. We did naturally as kids. Yeah. And um, the conversation, I thought that was absolutely fascinating. And she said it increased the literacy. The, the, the principal was all for it and increased the literacy over 10 years by a, a very impressive uh, degree. That's wonderful. S- simply because these kids are not going to read textbooks, they're not going to go home and read magazines. Sure. They're not going to pick up novels and read them, but they'll read J.I. Joe comic books and play with the action figures if they're dueled out and given out and there's some direction to it. Right, right. And then I was talking with Larry Hama, who was you know one of the original illustrators of the J.I. Joe comic books and the, and the the first TV cartoons for the comic books right. and the series. And then Kirk Bozigian, who was uh, oh, integral yeah. uh, at uh, Marvel and getting the series on the air. And a bunch of us were chatting uh, I think on Friday night, talking about the difference. Um, now, this is this is an actual industry call, ladies and gentlemen. I'm answering the phone. No, Hello. go ahead. Yo. Yeah. Five five thirty. Yeah. That was an actual Hollywood <laughs> manager call. Nice. <laughs> for an, an audition for some movie, some flaky Hollywood release. Um, well, I hope you can. Anyway. Yeah, so, so, so just a little local color here. Um, ba- back to the subject. Um, now, what you guys were saying, ah, kids today, you know. Right. Uh, you could, could, if someone were not to listen closely, could pass that off as, oh, come on, kids are the same, nothing's changed. But the truth is, what you're saying is absolutely true. And the reason that I was given in this group conversation uh, with with people of a number of generations is that the way G.I. Joe, Transformers, all the cartoons in the 80s were doled out is at first you saw one a week yeah. for 30 minutes. Yeah. That was it. What are you going to do for the rest of the time? Oh, oh, and once it was in, in syndication uh, in the later 80s, uh, it was often once a day. And I remember guys at Joe Con telling me they'd run home from school, be on 530 on their local channel, yep. et cetera, et cetera. But that's still 30 minutes a day. Right. That's it. And the rest of the time, if if you're if you're into it and 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 into playing and into the characters and so on, you're going to have to make it up yourself with the action figures and you know there's only so much time you're going to sit there reading comic books over and over. And um, but with uh, I, I do the voice of uh, of Donello Dina in um, Mass Effect uh, one two and three Ambassador Donello Dina, yep. kind of a creepy you know mid level you know lying uh, government functionary right and um i said to them i said well mass effect i mean these are 60 70 80 million dollar productions each of them and you know uh, i'm assuming that they're all kinds of action figures that sell brilliantly and the answer uh from the marketplace and from these guys who know what they're talking about is no no because of the fact that with gaming whether it's online or on wii or playstation you can have at it twenty four seven. Yep. And so the, the the that to me is kind of the one of the things that's more interesting uh, or that's most interesting about about GI Joe. We're talking about GI Joe, but you could apply it to Transformers and others. Right. 
is is uh, the fact that it involved uh, imagination play, and I think is one of the reasons why it has such an emotional uh, engagement oh, sure. for uh, adults today who collect the figures. I collect the figures. I have nothing. I, I don't have collections like you guys do, but I do. I mean, I have unpackaged right. figures. I'm staring at them right now. I'm staring at a comic book that was given to me in the East Village in New York. Uh, you know that I that I've taken out of the package very carefully and put back in. Yeah. And um, that that is 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 a is a interesting commentary on on uh, one of the sort of upsides of of uh, pop media culture in the 80s and the, certainly the downside of it in the in the 21st century yeah and that's i mean i'm looking at a, a flint uh fig 12 inch figure i have here that was done by sideshow it was actually given to me by one of our uh very gracious listeners who knew i loved the character of flint so he, he sent it to me it sits right here on my desk and like you said i have whole collections of different joe figures just out of nostalgia if nothing else uh just really loved because like you said it takes me back to those days where i'd take my figures out into the yard and we didn't think anything about value or anything like that we just right you know now which is why some of these things are so valuable at this day and age is because we go out there and you play with them in the sand and you play with them in the dirt and maybe that like you said that's why as adults now we have such the emotional attachment to the the figures in the franchise itself so yeah, and, and if you if you look at the act of if you look at the great creators, you know if you look at Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg or or any of them in the comic book world, etc. I'm sure you'll find parallel universes where Spielberg was 12 years old shooting eight millimeter films in his backyard in Phoenix. You know, right. true story. Right. Martin Scorsese was lying in bed at age 12 with, uh, I believe he had you know rheumatic fever, uh, and and drawing uh, endless series of of uh, mock-ups of uh, movie frames. Yeah. And and uh, it's, it's sort of yeah, that the nostalgia is not just for a physical piece of plastic, but for a time in in uh, you know your b- development of your brain, yeah. yeah, where it's pure creativity. Well, and I've mentioned it uh, a few times on the show before. I you know I had some GI Joe, I had some Transformers, I had some He-Man figures, and everything else. And for me, uh, it was one of those things that I created stories of how did they all how could they all intermingle with each other? So I had like the GI Joes created the transformers and, um, and things like that. So like I had uh he-man was the aliens that came down to visit. And it was just these elaborate stories that my imagination took off with. So, and also the other things in, that's interesting to me is that, you know, I tend to be fairly critical of the marketplace these days and of motives of corporate America and other than profit. And, um, but I think the G.I. Joe and Transformers specifically, uh, not because of, of, of exactly what they were, but because of the confluence of you know, brilliant merchandising, brilliant marketing, brilliant futuristic animation techniques that they didn't even have in this country. They had to go to uh, Tokyo in 82 and 83 for uh, zooming and panning and tilting for television animation. They didn't have it going on here, literally. Right. And I mean, they had to unload uh, celluloid frames um, in Burbank uh, from Tokyo in order to, in order to produce these shows. Uh, they had those techniques, of course, in the Disney studios, but television had always been sort of lowballing uh, animation. And the, the confluence of good writing growing out of the cartoons, uh, growing out of, you know, the really the incredibly competitive spirit of the Hasbro, the family who ran the corporation. Right. Uh, wanting wanting to compete with George Lucas and going where do we how we have to be able to 
that that it actually they actually did something sort of inadvertently uh, positive for uh, consumers for yeah. kids yeah. who are buying this stuff. Yeah. And um, I mean, you can be you can be cynical. I tend to be very cynical about about uh, toy merchandising because most of most of it is just uh, you know <laughs> fairly uh, uh, exploitative. Sure. But but this was kind of a it was almost as though accidentally they stopped declaring war on a, on the American consumer, and although they didn't realize it, and gave uh, uh, the consumer, the children, and ultimately families a gift. Right. Right. And um, because of the because of the quality of the product itself, and the nature uh, that it, you know of 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 the uh, sort of ancillary, what do you do when it's not on the air for the thirty minutes a week or thirty minutes a day? Right got to make it up right right well and i found the, the the sort of the quality of intelligence of the every single person i met at jocon to be uh far far higher than the the average bear yeah well which made for a really fun weekend for me and uh lady J um, just uh, um, hanging out we and chatting. were there we had a great time yeah yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing to see all those people come together. One of the things I wanted to to just uh, comment on was one of the things you had mentioned with uh, you know everyone was trying to compete with Star Wars that just came out or, and everything else. I mean, really, I mean, Star Wars is one of the properties that we do cover because again, we grew up loving it. And uh, you know, Lucas at the time uh, when uh, Star Wars came out, he just wanted the rights to you know the merchandise, and at that time. You know, the idea of making action figures and, and mass merchandising a movie or anything at that time was really not thought of as being a big money maker or, or right. really take off. And then he comes out with, you know, through Kenner coming out with these action figures and it just blew up, which then led itself to things like G.I. Joe and Transformers to all of a sudden be these huge properties that, that yeah uh, Kirk was again was talking about that because he was he was I believe the director of marketing uh, and creative services for Hasbro mm-hmm. and they struggled for years with uh, you know the CEO of the company saying how can what kind of franchise can we get to compete with Star Wars the Star Wars franchise was absolutely brilliant a gigantic motion picture um and that I believe was also released on on uh, Betamax and VHS cassettes at the time, yeah. and and the sequels began appearing, and the three dollar uh, three inch uh, action figures began appearing along with everything else. Yeah, and uh, they scrambled for quite some time to uh, to figure out how can we compete with that. And Kirk, Kirk Bozigian's story was fascinating. They cut the price by 50, 50 cents. Right. We're going to sell it. We're going to sell. They created the series, G.I. Joe and Transformers, and sold the action figures for two and a half bucks. Nice. And it, it was interesting to me. Uh, who were the guys at JoeCon who had that wonderful booth where they, where they took the figures apart and made these sort of interesting mutant creatures by, by putting them back together? Oh, well, uh, um yeah, I, I can't remember the exact names, but I know what you're talking about. They but really interesting, bizarre sort of GI Joe like, art. Yeah. And I looked closely at the action figures that I hadn't examined for quite some time. Tiny, so sort of micro-sized Phillips screws. Oh yeah, connected the limbs of those creatures. I mean, how long has it been since you've seen that kind of quality of construction? And and uh, even that detail sort of fascinated. Yeah, a lot of those still hold up to the today. They they were right. very well constructed. Sure, yeah. I still have like a a few figures that uh, survived my childhood that I still hold on to, and they're still 
uh, like Chuck said, they're still very well crafted. Uh, even when you look at them, especially comparing to today, today's standards and everything else that you see. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked this many times, but I remember at uh, JoeCon we actually recorded the uh, the voice the actor voice panel. actor panel that you and and uh, Mary McDonald. Uh, had been at on Sunday. We actually recorded it and released it out for our listeners to hear because it actually came across very well audio-wise. Was that the day that the day we did the uh, script? Yes. yes. Yeah, that was great. And fans absolutely loved that hearing that. Uh, I had a chill being in the room hearing it, so uh, I felt like I was going back to my past. Um, but I remember in, the, in that actual uh, panel that I remember, I, I think it was Mary McDonald was saying that uh, – voice acting at the time that you guys were doing it was really viewed as, you know, oh, you're not a real actor, you're a voice actor. Um, what made, since that was kind of the stigma at that time, what made you decide to go into voice acting? Like, what made you make that choice? Because that's not an easy choice to make. I'll be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be brutally honest with you guys. Uh, at the time, um, I was doing a little stand-up comedy, and I was on I was on the radio. I had a radio show, morning morning show with the newsman and everything. That's how I was making my living and doing voiceovers. But I, you know, like everybody else who comes to Hollywood, USA, you want to be an actor. Sure. And um, uh, I had done a couple of of cable uh, TV comedy shows, bit parts, and so on. And I took an on-camera class from a guy named Dave Denard, who was sort of an average-looking, you know, Irish American guy who for some reason got cast in every single class A network television commercial that year. And he was doing everything, making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, um, you know, he was, he was a decent actor and was sort of average looking guy, you know, a dad at the barbecue for barbecue sauce, et cetera, et cetera. So I took an on-camera class from him and about 15 minutes into the private class, about 15 minutes into the class, and I was taking voiceover workshops at the same time. He stops the camera and he goes, Bill, you know, I can see why you want to do voiceovers. You've got a nice voice. But on camera, you're a little grim. <laughs> and uh, and I would show up to, uh, you know, I'm like 5'10", you know, black hair and, and, a, and a decent-sized nose. And I would show up at, at, for uh, on-camera commercial gigs. And there'd be guys, you know, 6'2", and blonde, look like surfers. And i go, wait a minute, what, there's a disconnect here. And um, so... Suddenly, I started getting voiceover work, and it's just it was just so much fun because there's so much variety. Commercials are fun. Animation is unbelievably fun. Right. Doing narrations for uh, for uh, TV documentaries now, like History and, Dis- and Discovery and so on, uh, is 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 incredibly fun. And you can go from one session to another. Um, in in the 40s, Orson Welles, the great film director of uh, Citizen Kane, etc. Used to lease on a monthly basis an ambulance so that he could run down from the mutual radio studios in Midtown Manhattan, get in an ambulance, they'd turn the cherry on a top, it would ferry him across town to his next gig. Well, these days, of course, uh, you've got ISDN and so on. Right. But, <laughs> That's um, awesome. You can do so many gigs. I remember there's a lady uh, named Tress McNeil, a beautiful, beautiful woman um, who was in. in um, uh, the Groundlings, which which bred all kinds of TV stars, an improv group in Hollywood, and uh, was just this gorgeous woman. And I said, "So you do a lot of on camera?" And she said, "No, of course I don't." I said, Why not? So because it would screw up my voiceover career. 
And and I'll never forget talking to actors like Bill Shallard, who was uh, Patty Duke's dad, who was you know known as an on camera. I worked for years in television, right. uh, in supporting roles and sitcoms, and so I made a great living. And I went up to him one time and I said, "Gee, it's great to meet you." And he was the president of the Screen Actors Guild, our union, and. And I said, how's it going? And he, he was only, you know, 50 some years old. And he said, well, geez, you know, if it weren't for the voiceover thing, uh, I mean, I had a decent audition for a movie the other day, but if it weren't for voiceovers, I'd have to move into an apartment and sell my house. So, um, and these days with the gigantic DreamWorks uh, animation uh, features um, that are huge, huge budgets. Right. And, and they, they, they sort of out of desperation thought, well, let's get stars. Uh, some of whom can do good animation voices, some who can't. Right. Um, and so there's there's become this kind of it's kind of pulled animation acting up uh, uh, out of the 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 muck of uh, of ignominy. But um, there've always been people. Uh, uh, Stan Freeberg, F R E E B E R G, I think, who was was um, just a brilliant uh, uh, creative advertising guy in in the early '60s. Uh, did tons of uh, animation voices. The great Gary Owens, you know, there always have been uh, character actors, uh, mainly in Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, who've done uh, animation from, from the early days of television. And I think that um, that secretly actors who are sort of jealous that these guys could go into a studio for two, three hours and come out with a decent pay and, and have fun and have something to be able to brag to their kids about. And now, of course, stars are vying to be on and be these gigantic DreamWorks uh, tentpole animated pictures. But um, uh, you know, there's 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 work around for everybody. But I, I also I think the quality. Wally Burr, in particular, who you guys may have met at, at one Joe Con or another, um, was the director. Was hired by uh, Sunbow and Hasbro to direct both the GI Joe and, and uh, Transformers series. Um, was, uh, as he will tell you, he's still around, um, the youngest tank commander in all of World War II, Captain Wally Burr. <laughs> and he was also an actor, good-looking dude, and uh, uh, had, a, had a sound studio in North Hollywood, so he directed actors in all kinds of things and uh, knew his business. And he took it upon himself to, to get realistic acting out of us. Right. Which I think was really the first time in the history of at least television animation uh, that they were going for something other than just the sort of silly, goofy, kind of cool look of cool voices. <laughs> and um, he was a stickler. I mean, there were people who were uh, sort of spoiled, who were who had done a lot of animation work at, at Hanna-Barbera and so on, and were used to coming in and being released after an hour and a half of recording their lines. Wally Brewer would keep us for three and four hours. Oh. Because he wanted an ensemble working together like you would in a motion picture, right. saying your lines one after the other and getting it right, and uh, he was right. I never felt abused by by uh, him or his keeping us around. He got it. He kept us around until he got it right, which accounts for the quality of of uh, the acting. That's exactly what I was going to say. Those cartoons hold up very well to this day. So right. Yeah. Kudos. Now, one of uh, one thing that you kind of already addressed a little bit for us, but it was something that a lot of our listeners responded to with with examples was in the panel you had asked. I think at at the time it was kind of more of a rhetorical question because it was a panel, but you had said you know you weren't sure if there's really been anything of the quality of uh, GI Joe or even Transformers or anything like that since since those days. So we had some listeners that were like, well, what about 
uh, you know, ask him what his thoughts are about like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or even the DC animated stuff that's come out in more recent years. Because obviously, there's been some very high quality voice talent that, at least from our opinion on, on our side of it. Oh yeah, I, I think I was talking about the overall overall quality, sort of the coming together, the accident. I mean, when you read the Citizen Kane book about Citizen Kane, they talk about that as an accident. Greg Tolan, cinematographer, doing things that Hollywood had never done experimentally, and Orson Welles writing brilliant scripts. You know, he was basically a radio writer from New York. Uh, I was sort of talking about the overall production. Right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, uh, I have, and the DC stuff, I have to admit, I've not seen. I went to the motion pictures and took my kids and enjoyed them. Yeah. Uh, 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 the Turtles. Uh, and I think I saw. Maybe a bit of the animation, but because I wasn't involved, I never really watched it. Gotcha. So I can't say. It'd be absurd for me to say, oh, ever <laughs> since G.I. Joe and Transformers, it's all crap. <laughs> it, it's, it, it'll be a little disingenuous. And I think I was really talking about the kind of the great historic accident that was, was saying, unbelievable yeah. animation yeah. with terrific writing. Sunbow hired uh, television writers, uh, episodic writers who were writing for for crime shows and and uh, motion pictures, they they you know purposely stayed away from people who were writing you know the mushroom the little mushroom stories, and um, uh, so th- that's kind of what I meant. Not so okay. much just the voice acting, or, or but but the whole package that was really a gigantic leap forward uh, for, for that period of time. And I, I definitely think that you're right as far as it being that, like you said, a happy accident where it's like no one, I, I don't think anyone could have fathomed how huge that even 30 years later, people are still talking about G.I. Joe. They're still talking about Transformers and, and, and the quality that came out. Yeah, and we still have the draw that it has now. Right. Right. I mean, it's, and it's, and it's hard to tell looking at it in context because with digital uh, animation and so on and, and sort of the marriage of, uh, you know, uh, the, the America's pursuit of anime techniques and so on, uh, it's, it's hard to tell uh, 35 years later. Sure. But in the context back then of the, the, the quality of Transformers and G.I. Joe animation, uh, I mentioned this earlier was, was so advanced because it was a first time collaboration. Uh, never in the history of animation, American uh, uh, TV animation, had uh, an American animation studio gone to Tokyo and said, "We can't. We don't know how to do this. Right. How do you do panning, tilting, and zooming, which are traditional filmic techniques?" Right. I mean, you look at Clutch Cargo, you look at pre-80s cartoons, and it's pretty primitive stuff. And I'm not talking about motion picture animation. Right. Uh, Disney Studios did amazing things, but I'm talking about specifically television. And so for its time, just this, the color saturation and the cinematic quality of the animation, mixed with the voice acting, mixed with the quality of the writing, mixed with the brilliant uh, merchandising being done by Hasbro. Sure. And you've got the phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, even the score, even the, the music that when, it, when the show came on was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would. Yeah. I, I we talked about it uh, when I do the cartoon show uh, episodes that we do. Like we've talked about that, how like you'll hear certain undertones of music, and it just brings back. You immediately know that it's GI Joe. Uh, right. Exactly. Is there a story about the music? I, I vaguely remember some kind of special story about somebody special being brought in to create that. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to look into that, but. Uh, 
that that could be a whole nother podcast we could do. <laughs> yeah, 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 really. Too, sure. Um, now, with the role of Flint, did did you go in auditioning for Flint, or did, the, did you just audition and they assigned that character to you, or how did that work out for you? Well, there was a huge uh, cattle call, uh, as we call it, for uh, for GI Joe and Transformers. Uh, the separate, of course, separate auditions. Um, Right around the same time, in in um, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the summer of 1982, at Wally Burr Studios on Ventura Boulevard in Studio City, California, later to be relocated to North Hollywood. <laughs> and um, I remember standing in line with over a hundred actors. The line snaked out the studio, down his wooden steps, two stories, and down the sidewalk of Ventura Boulevard, and we're all standing there, holding our sides as they call our scripts. A, uh, you know, a page per character. I think I auditioned for Flint and a couple other characters. Um, and they were black and white, uh, sort of rough, not finished drawings, but, but, uh, drawings that were finished enough of the characters. You could see what it was, what, what Flint looked like, what he wore, you know, his body type, et cetera, his expression on his face, brief description of the character, and then about two or three separate lines. Um, and, uh, you know, so you picture like a hundred, uh, actors, uh, mostly men, and but women who were there for Scarlet and Lady J and uh, and uh, the Baroness, um, you know, all standing on the sidewalk, going, "All right, you guys, you better get your Cobra. You better get, <clears throat> you better get your gear. Yeah, Cobra's on their way. Cobra's on their way. I mean, you know, trying out different voices, and then we ultimately, after you know, you wait in line for a half an hour, forty minutes, like at a, like at Disneyland." And you know you're up the steps and you walk in and it was a little intimidating because you go into a, a, a you know not a huge recording booth the size of a large walk-in closet with a microphone and a copy stand and and a light shining on uh, on the copy stand you put your copy down and Wally Burr presses the button and there are you know a dozen and a half people standing in his control room behind this huge mixing board that you've seen photographs of in rock and roll studios and, uh, the writers and the Sunbow people and the Hasbro execs and, and, uh, and Wally Burr goes, okay, go ahead. Give me line one, two, three, take one. And then you do your thing. And then, then you can't hear what they're saying. And they're all talking to each other behind this big double pane of glass. And you're thinking, Oh, this guy's awful. Get him out of here. All right, on take two, I want you to be a little louder, a little more uh, business-like about it. It's a military situation. You're about to go into battle. Take two. Boom. And uh, you got any other character? What else are you reading for? Uh, oh, let's see. I was reading for Leatherneck. Oh, okay. And that's how it went. So you're in the booth for you know maybe five, ten minutes max. And then you're out of there. Next. And they call the next person in. And I think it was about maybe 10, 12 days later, I got a call from my agent saying, well, you got the gig. What gig? Well, on G.I. Joe. Doing what? Well, I, you're Flint, some character named Flint. Oh, good. And I figured it, they didn't know what it was. They didn't know there was going to be a series of, of uh, uh, episodes, 26 episodes for uh, a year. Right. Uh, and uh, they had already produced and aired the five series, uh, the mini series with, with Duke and Scarlet, etc., and I don't think Flint was a part of that. I mean, no, 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 no. I take that back. I think we were. This is what it was for. It was for the miniseries. And um, uh, so I thought, oh, well, okay, I'll make a few hundred bucks, and that'll be fun. And, you know, that's the end of it. And then, without any explanation, they kept calling us in, and we kept doing more shows. 
And the only clue we got, and stupidly, I don't think any of us listened, was the woman who was you know, working for the associate producer came in, and there were like 10 of us lined up in front of 10 microphones in Wally's studio, and she passes our scripts out to us. You know, our flint is on one, and Lady J's on another, and our lines are marked and so on. And she said, I'm supposed to tell you uh, that um, you should buy Hasbro stock. <laughs> we look at each other like, what, are they so hard up? They need voice actors to buy their stock to raise the stock price? It was quite the opposite. Right. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't go into. The reason is we know we're releasing 26 episodes of what we, we presume to be a, you know, a highly successful merchandising venture. Yeah. You might uh, want which to get into action figures. <laughs> trying to give you a tip. And, yeah. and with, with great sadness and heartache, I actually went on some stock website. Um, recently and did kind of a crude uh, search as to had I bought a thousand dollars worth of Hasbro stock in the summer of 1982 and just left it there, my a thousand dollars would be worth about 150 thousand today. Wow, nice. <laughs> That's pretty good. Advice. Pretty good. Say lovey. But that was the only hint. I mean, we were never told. Hey, guys. This is going to be one of the most popular, most quality produced shows in the history of television animation and blah, blah, blah. We just kind of kept doing them for two years. And uh, and it was great fun. You know, everybody, it was like an ensemble. You didn't go in separately and record. We all recorded together. Right. What did, what did you think when you first saw your uh, your action figure of Flint? What did you what did you think about that? I thought this is certainly casting against type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean that, that that that's sort of the magic of the of the human voice right. is that you can you can you know if somebody forms a picture of what you might look like. I remember somebody saying to me this is years ago, I pictured you in a beautiful like a twelve hundred dollar Armani suit with pure gray hair <laughs> at six foot two, and I was like thirty five years old and slightly overweight with curly black hair and mm-hmm. know, and wearing a t shirt and shorts. Um, but that's kind of the magic of the voice is is that when when one closes one's eyes or you just listen to radio or whatever, uh, there was one guy at Joe Con who told me such a great story. It made me so happy. He said, "I make dinner for my kids. My wife home comes home for work, and for the, the soundtrack, instead of turning on music, I play GI Joe on speakers in the house. Oh, nice. So we listen to the soundtrack, and I went, yes, nice. yes, that's loyalty. But um, well, the first time I, I I actually one of the first times." that I had anything to to do with the action figure, the merchandise, and of course, which we didn't see a penny of. I mean, we're not, we really weren't invested in it. If, if, yeah. if I had been playing a lead character and I had a powerful agent and I was on camera, like I would imagine that Dwayne Johnson, the rock might get a little piece of the uh, merchandising right. action. I don't know for that, for a fact, but needless to say, I certainly did not have that kind of Hollywood juice, but I think the first time I ever saw Flint, it was, Mary McDonald Lewis, Lady J, gave me as a birthday present a bottle of Flint shampoo. <laughs> Unscrew his head. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I still have it. That's awesome. And then, uh, not so not so long ago, I walked into um, this incredible comic book store on East Eighth Street near uh, New York University in the Village, uh, East Village in New York City. And you know, it was a great comic book store. They had all kinds of action figures and stuff. And there was this young kid in there, about twenty-five years old. And I said, "You got any GI Joe stuff?" And he looked at me like, "What is this old guy? What is what is he doing in here?" And uh, he said, "I don't know." So I was kind of lurking around, and I found some stuff from the movies. Um, 
but uh, and he walked by me and I said, you don't have any flint by any chance to. And he looked at me like, why, why are you bothering me? And so I thought, you know, just to harass him, I said, yo, Joe, we've got to get out of here because Cobra's on their way and knowing's half the battle. And I yelled throughout the store, yo, Joe. And he looked at me and kind of went pale and ran away. And I thought, well, he's probably calling 911. <laughs> and, uh, and I just kind of lurked around reading comic books and stuff. And he came back out about five minutes later, and he was nervous. And he said, oh, I'm really sorry, man. I, I, I looked you up on IMDb, and I didn't realize uh, no. uh, here And he gave me this great mint condition comic book with Destro, Cobra Commander, Flint, and Lady J on the cover. And... Um, in in plastic, sealed in plastic and everything. He said, this is my gift to you, and, uh, you know, you have a lifetime uh, 10% discount. <laughs> That's and awesome. That really, thanks, man. I'm really sorry. Thank you. And I, <laughs> that made me feel really good. And then I thought, wow. I mean, this 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 is, you know, this obvi- guy was obviously an aficionado. He worked in the store. Right. And, and um, I had no idea that it had that kind of personal value right. to people. So that was a real... That was an eye opener. Now, when you guys did the, uh, you know, like you said, it was a panel and everything. It was a group uh, ensemble cast. Uh, did it allow much room for like um, uh, improvisation or anything like that, or did you guys pretty much you know, have to follow the script? I think that you know the writers were always there, but. Um, uh, Wally Burr's attitude was very open because he knew the actor's process. And Michael Bell is, a, for instance, a very, very experienced actor. Played Duke. He, you know, you can see him in old episodes of The Virginian and you know, uh, cop shows in the '70s on TV and stuff. So most of us were trained actors. And and anybody who understands the actor's process, that sounds a little precious, but is that if if you know when a writer writes a script and the actors start coming out of the the word the the words start coming out of the actor's mouth. Sometimes the actors will say, hey, look, instead of my saying, I didn't quite understand what you said, why don't I just say, what did you say? Oh, yeah, that's so much better. So, you know, stuff like that did occur, where, especially once we get sort of familiar with our characters, there were never any arguments like, why, Flint would never say that, I refuse to say that. Um, I would have been out of a job, but there was uh, there were occasions where you know when you're writing for the page, although I'm sure animation writers s- sort of hear the dialogue in their head, it's different when it becomes pure spoken word right. coming out of an actor's mouth, voice actor's mouth. So yeah, there, there there wasn't so much I wouldn't say improvisation as actors saying, hey, let me let me try it this way. If you don't like it, don't use it. And Wally Burr would say, yeah. Or Wally Burr would say, "Hey, do the, do it. Listen, Mr. Writer, I'm gonna I'm gonna change your line a little bit. Do it this way. We'll do it both ways, but we'll have it in the can. And then they can choose, you know, in post production, when they're actually doing the anime animating to the to the line, which line do we want to use? Okay. Now, um, one thing going back to some of the cartoons and rewatching them, Ooh, I think yeah, hot off hot off the wire. Another Hollywood call. Oh, nice. Oh, Bill. Yo, we're in a shaker." And they just want you to read it on your own at MP3 and pass to me. So but that, that's but, all they want to do. But this is showbiz. They don't want to hear me. I'm, right. I'm devastated. I'm devastated, Jason. All right, I'll do it. Under, under protest, I'll do it. Fire back to me. Ah, buddy. Thanks. So here, here, <laughs> <laughs> the same guy as 45 minutes ago, right? Yeah. The uh, my uh, my uh, voiceover manager of Winton of Popcorn Voices. You check it out, popcornvoices.com. 
uh, trailer voices, uh, and saying to me that, what's the movie? What is the movie we're uh, auditioning for? I don't even have the darn uh, thing. Um, that they no longer want to call me up on ISDN. Uh, they want to, they just want to just send it in. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, don't, don't they want to hear my performance live and in person? <laughs> so I'm going to have to email him. Jason, I'm devastated. Where the hell is the script? Uh, yes, where's the script? So here we are live and in person. There you go. In Hollywood, California, which is just a very unique place. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Attaches the script. What's it for? It's for, um, well, let's find out. <laughs> uh, it's for the mortal instruments. Oh. I've... There is a world hidden in the shadows. Only a special few can see the mortal instruments rated PG-13, which has obviously not been released yet. Right. This is an audition for the TV commercial. What is the Mortal Instruments? What do you guys? Um, about? I watched uh, a trailer for it actually, and it seems like it's one of those uh, mythology type stories where uh, before man was ever created, there was darkness, and then there's these beings of power that live among us. And ah, cool. So yeah. See, if I hadn't been on the line with you guys, I'd be up Shoots Creek. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Glad we could be of assistance. Yeah, just a little, little. So, yeah. I mean, speak, speaking of Hollywood, Hollywood is is, is a uh, is a unique place. I was doing a a campaign for uh, Will Ferrell's Blades of Glory. Oh yes. Uh, the TV campaign, doing the voices for the trailer Blades of Glory, starring Will Ferrell. And I was in Philadelphia at my union convention, the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, and. Um, it was 9.30 at night on the East Coast and 6.30 here, and I get a call from the same guy, Jason, who we just heard. Right. Bill, Bill, where you, we got we to gotta book you right now. And I said, you know what, man? I called around town. There's nothing open. It's 9.30 at night. I've done everything I can do. I can't. There's no, it's not that I don't want to do it. Well, they're going to find somebody else. And I said, Hollywood hysteria, man. He goes, they can't, they, can't, they have to, ha, ha, ha. You're off the campaign. <laughs> And uh, so people at supper or drinks later said, so how do you feel about that? I said, I, don't, I feel nothing. You know, I did everything I could do. There's nothing I can do. Plus, you just wait. Tomorrow morning at 9, the next morning at 9.30. Hey, Bill. It's Jason. Um, yeah, you're booked at uh, 10 o'clock for uh, Blaine's Glory. So Hollywood hysteria fortunately really didn't invade the studio uh, for either uh, Transformers recording sessions or G.I. Joe. <laughs> but it always was kind of lurking, and you could hear it breathing outside the window. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, like I was mentioning, uh, was I listening back to some, or watching back to some of the cartoon episodes, I did notice that occasionally you'd hear in the back uh, background like an announcer or somebody like that, uh, you know, make an announcement to the Cobra troops or something like that. I distinctly could hear... Uh, on one of the episodes, Michael Bell doing the announcement, like it was distinctly. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Very often fill in like these little filler roles here and there. Yes, you bet. And in fact, there was a lot of that. Uh, but Wally Burr would just say, "All right," because they legally, through the Screen Actors Guild agreement that we worked under, the union agreement, they they uh, you, they had you for up to three voices. Okay. Uh, and uh, for the same pay, and. Um, so they'd say, okay, did, did, Wally Burr wants to insult me. He said, do your other voice. <laughs> you don't have that many, Ryan, or just, yeah. 
Oh, you mean this one? <laughs> so I had to play a cook or a guard or yeah, get, get out of the way, you know. Right. And and uh, yeah, there was a lot of that. In fact, in in um, Mass Effect one, two, and three, I, I play you know the main character. I play as Donnell Udina, Ambassador Udina. But right. I'm sure there's a bunch of security guards and you know uh, assistant chefs or whatever. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, they they do that. They're they're not going to pay an extra. Uh, no, nobody got rich off this. Sure. I think we made. I, at the time, we probably made five hundred and fifty bucks for an afternoon, which is a nice afternoon's pay. Sure. Uh, and then residuals, but but they're not going to pay us pay another five hundred and fifty bucks for a guy to come in and go. Oh, are you serving cheese? <laughs> <laughs> now that brings up a, a another question I had, which is, uh, you said you know Wally Burrow would say, "Well, do your other voice." Um, what would you say, like, what character in your career so far would you say is probably the most different from your actual voice, like your your actual normal speaking voice? Like, what's the most divergent from your actual voice that you've done in your past? Well, I'd say Donnell Odina. Okay. Because Donnell, Donnell Odina is sort of uh, kind of somewhat Irish and a little Swedish, and maybe his father was Irish and his mother was who knows. Um, uh, Flint... Uh, actually, was you know I mean when I when I talk I don't talk like Flint obviously you know my the timbre of my voice sure. is, is what it is, but to to I'm sort of answering a different question really but uh, doing doing Flint was was really the singular best thing that ever happened to me, not just because of the GI Joe phenomenon and you know the the minor tie-ins with Transformers. But because casting people at Discovery, at History Channel, they would hear the voice and they couldn't quite place me. I mean, I don't walk around with a sign saying, oh, I did Flint in 1982 and 83. <laughs> but but they, they you know, would sort of go, oh, yeah, so, yeah, this is about the war or the Vietnam War. Or this is about World War Two, or this is a, yeah, yeah, you're the guy. That'd be, that'd be great, yeah. So doing that voice had a, had a sort of subliminal effect. On casting people, sure. and probably still does. You mean you, mean you don't wear the beret? <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, actually, I did. There's this filthy awesome. show in in Hollywood called Comic Book Live at I O West Improv Olympics West on Hollywood Boulevard. Every Saturday night at like 11:30, they do this uh, unbelievable show, um, and they did one on GI Joe, and they had me come on. So I went to went to, and uh, you know. Got did in into cosplay and black beret and the, the camouflage gear and all this and that. We did these insane improvs, um, but uh, and I think uh, this this year I'm actually doing a, a live show on stage this month, month of June 2013, in the Hollywood Fringe Festival, um, called Bobbywood about my uncle Bobby, who was Bobby the bellboy in I Love Lucy, and he was also a radio actor in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And the, the, my parents forbade him from ever, or forbade me and my brother from ever meeting him. We said, what's wrong with the guy? Why can't we meet Uncle Bobby? <laughs> well, I found out later when I looked him up in Hollywood, but I'm doing a show about that. And next year's show in June of 2014 is going to be The Secret Life of G.I. Joe. Oh, nice! And um, I'm going to do a one-man show, uh, partly as Flint, and do some, you know, the, 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 a lot of what we're talking about. Yeah. I might have to travel out there for that nice. one. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, obviously you've done a lot of different types of things. Just looking at at 
the history and body of, of work that you've done. You've worked on video games. You've worked on, obviously, TV series, and you've done the, the trailer work and everything else. Um, is it a, a very different environment, like each type of thing that you're doing? Like, like I said, video games from tra- movie trailers to the TV series, is it like a very different environment walking into each one of those? It's, yes, it is. It's a different environment, uh, really more for technical reasons than anything else. And I think because of the peculiar uh, structural uh, issues around uh, games mm-hmm. and the creation of the technical creation of the game, uh, grand, you know, uh, grand funk, grand theft auto, or whatever, you know, right. Mass Effect, whatever it is, um, King's Quest. You, when you go in, you are alone. And there's a director, and the the scene is you know it's pleasant, but it's very very business like, because they're recording. I think I think in um, Grand Theft Auto Four they employed eighty five different voice actors, oh. and um, so that was done over a period of days. But they had to get him in and get him out because these studios that they're using are you know thirty five hundred dollars an hour, the post production facilities. Sure. And so it's very business like for games for doing a voice session for games. Um, and you're in there by yourself. There are no other actors. You may see an actor in the hall, but he or she's waiting. And the director is having you do different takes, uh, depending on the mood they're looking for. Do it a little louder. We, we may be outside and this may be inside. We're not sure. The animation, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's interesting and it's, it's fun and, uh, uh, it's not as collegial as certainly as G.I. Joe was. However, over at the Cartoon Network, it's more like the old days where you walk in and, and there's six or eight characters of you doing, you know, Ben 10 or something like that. Right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, or or uh, I did a couple of episodes of uh, Robot Chicken right. for Adult Swim where they actually had me as Flint, right. which was really fun. And and um, also Seth uh, McFarlane runs, runs a fairly relaxed set uh, for Family Guy. He, he, had, he had Flint on as well. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, uh, so the the animation, television animation, is one thing. Gaming is a whole different thing. Trailers is is yet another thing because uh, I, we most of us do it out of our own studios. So the other person is on the other end of a line, a digital uh, broadcast phone line. Um, so it's a little distant, and you don't see the animation, and uh, um, you really have to sort of conjure up pictures. Like I'm going to do this Mortal Instruments in a few minutes. And um, TV spot, just as an audition, and I'm going to have to conjure it up in my head, <laughs> mainly right. from what you guys just told me. Right. Um, and you're you're not given a character as a as a as a as a trailer uh, narrator, but in in ways you're having to dream up certainly a mood, if not a character. Sure. I mean, for instance, for the for the Will Ferrell movies that I seem to get a lot of, you know, for years since Talladega Nights, I just did the movie with. Zach Galifianakis and Will Ferrell, the campaign, all the TV spots. And uh, for that, uh, when I was auditioning for Talladega Nights, the um, booth director on the other end of the phone was obviously disappointed in what I was doing because I was kind of the typical comedy, Talladega Nights starring Will Ferrell. And, you know, puking, as we call it in the business, in the announced business. <laughs> and um, uh I knew the guy was not liking what I was doing, and I didn't know what else to do until he was smart enough to say, you know what, man, do this announce as though this is like the most serious movie you've ever sold in your life. 
And immediately, I, I, what popped into my head was Flint. Yeah. And, and a character I played in a student movie, a very serious guy who was a football coach. But, a, you know, a masculine guy. And, and Flint had a sense of humor, certainly. But pretty, you know, it was also no, no nonsense and serious. So I just pushed that a little bit. And it, it was having to kind of go into character. And commercial sessions are different yet. I mean, you're really on your own. They often, they'll, they'll suggest a mood, but then, you know, they hear you and they think something else. And they're nervous. And, you know, the client is there, whether it's Hyundai or, you know, or scope mouthwash and, uh, so that's a different thing altogether. It's just the, the moods are different and the needs of the client are different. And for me, because I'm a, I'm a voiceover geek, I mean, through and through, mm-hmm. uh, it's all, I find it all incredibly pleasurable and fun. Nice. Right. Uh, well, one thing that we do, uh, anytime we have a guest on is we do, uh, what we like to call the firing range, which is, uh, either classic debates that are out there uh, or debates that we've had on the show with each other. Chuck and I, uh, while we like a lot of the same things, we don't always see eye to eye on those things, as you learned from the whole Flint and Duke. We both love G.I. Joe, but we have different opinions on who's better. Uh, So these are really just quick questions. You can just give a quick answer if you want. You can certainly feel free to explain them uh, if you wish to. Uh, but you can uh, take it in any direction you wish to. So, mm-hmm. you guys, um, we'll do this for two minutes, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off and do from the Stephen King novel Under the Dome on CBS. Okay. Okay. So go ahead. All right. So we have uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Which Star Wars or Star Trek? Which would you pick? Uh, Star Wars. Um, I just I just enjoyed the movies more. I was I was never a Trekkie. I didn't watch the show, not because I I think it came on the wrong time in my life. I don't know if I was in college or what, but I just never saw very many of the episodes and didn't care. I wasn't emotionally invested. And so when the, I, you know, I've seen virtually all the Star Trek movies and liked them, sure. But but the, at least the first number of episodes of Star Wars I found more engaging. Yep, correct yeah. answer. <laughs> uh, GI Joe or Cobra. Which <laughs> Yo, Joe, baby. <laughs> uh, this one's probably one-sided as well. Uh, Lady J or Scarlet? Well, you know, I mean, they're both very different. I mean, Mary Mack and and um, the uh, the lady who played Scarlet, whose name is is eluding me, um, are both very different people, and thus the performances were different. And needless to say, she and I were sort of sort of an illicit love interest. So, baby, yeah, I mean, I would be. <laughs> I'm a bigamist. What can I tell you? <laughs> there you go. Um, cake or pie when it comes to desserts? Pie. Okay. Man, good man. Uh, I, think, I think I have pleasant memories of my mother's cooking, and she was a pie person. Very nice. Uh, when it comes to muffins, chocolate chip or blueberry? I will take the blueberry simply because um, I forget it. Give me the chocolate chip. Ah, <laughs> oh, Bill. Yes. Bill. You were doing so well. Yeah. I'm a chocolate chip guy myself, so um, <laughs> uh, C-3PO or R2-D2? Uh, C- so C-3PO was the Brit. Yes. R2-D2 was the little machine. R2-D2, because C-3PO was not as believable as as a robot. I mean, it was wonderful. I love the acting, and it was funny, and you know, cute character, and so on. But uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't quite. I remember the first time I saw him. And every time thereafter, in in each of the subsequent sequels or prequels, and I thought, I don't think so. 
<laughs> uh, well, I will say that I'm happy that you're you've for the most part have been choosing everything that's on my side. So, <laughs> considering my, you were my favorite character in, in GI Joe, I'm happy that uh, we have that camaraderie. Uh, just a couple other ones here: Is Chewbacca? Would you consider Chewbacca a sidekick? Well, wasn't he actually a sidekick, or was he a co-pilot? I always considered him a co-pilot or partner. Uh, Chuck always viewed him as and a more, sidekick. More of a sidekick to Hans. I know. I would say I would say co-partner because uh, he played a significant role without him, rather than just right. hey, uh, you know, come on and you know. Right. Side sidekick is sort of a kind of you know ballless yes. creature, but I think he was essential in the operating of the the vehicles and and. Uh, so on, yeah, yeah, more of a co-partner. And then just two last ones here. Uh, this is always a classic uh, debate, and I'm sure you grew up with uh, with comics. So uh, if you're not also reading them to this day, but are you? Am I a brony? No. no, 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 no. Are you more of a Marvel guy or a DC guy? <laughs> a DC guy, okay. uh, because uh, because of uh, the, the the bulk of the comics that I bought were. Uh, a Batman, Superman, etc. Very nice. And yeah. then uh, this one we just had is self-serving for uh, episode 100. Uh, would you say Star Joe's or any other podcast? Oh, I mean, this is this is this is this is. Uh, is your mother listening to this? <laughs> I hope not. She probably will be. Actually, <laughs> I told her who, uh, who this, we were this would be. This show. would be Star Joe's. All the others pale in intensity well, thank, before thank you, thank you. Star Joe's. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Star Joe's. This is Flint of Lady J fame. Star Joe's is where it's at. Very nice. Well, well uh, it only took 100 episodes to get there, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, I do want to thank you, Mr. Ratner. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, thank you very uh, much for your time. We certainly appreciate it. You guys, your guys, uh, you guys are encyclopedic, veritable fonts of knowledge, and uh, great questions. It's been fun doing it. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for all the years of doing Flint. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, it was very nice meeting you at JoeCon in person, and thanks for talking again. Get me to England. Okay. Uh, you know, I had this sort of flurry of, of tweets back and forth. Uh, roll I didn't roll call? That, um, with who? The, it's called uh, the European G.I. Joe Convention. It's called Roll Out Roll Call. Roll Out Roll Call. And is it in England? Yes. Yes. I think uh, they said, come on over, but we can't pay, we can't pay for your, uh, your ticket. And uh, it was like in August or something. I'm... I'm uh, so so, but one day, one day, I'm getting over there. I had no idea that it played in England as, as what was it called? Action Force. Say again. A- Action Force. Action Force. And on Action Force, did they they kept our voices? I, I'm not sure. I believe they did. Uh, I think the only thing that was really changed was in the intro uh, music instead they, of a real American, American hero, hero. Yeah, they would say international heroes. A real yeah. international hero. Yeah. The comic books kept the same like design of the character as well, but the uh, the publications were a little bit bigger, more magazine style as opposed to mm-hmm. traditional comic books as you know them. But yeah, I want to say the the cartoon kept the voices because I don't think really too much in the cartoon Which series itself. Over, yeah. They never really said too much about it being G. an American G. 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 hero. They would just say Yo Joe and GI Joe. 
there wasn't. I'd be devastated if Flint sounded like, well, you know, it's awfully important that we <laughs> evacuate the building at this time since Cobra is advancing. <laughs> yes, that, 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 would, that, would, that would mess me up. That would be a travesty of justice. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, thank you very much. We'll look at, let you get to your uh, the work you have uh, coming up for you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'd love at some point in the future to have you on again. We can just talk more uh, imaginations and, and wild wild meanderings of children so absolutely and and, and you know uh, uh keep me posted as to uh, uh, uh gi joe activities because i'm really uh, oh, yeah sure yeah definitely well in the dark i mean JoeCon, believe it or not 2013 was the first uh that i've ever done the first gi joe organized gi joe uh activity that i've ever done and it was i had a great time yeah everybody that i spoke to said it was really great and they would they would love to have you back so i'm 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 around i'm around all right and we're back robert Ooh, what a, robert what you a still job. there you still there robert <laughs> it was a while i know um robert robert, robert wake up buddy <laughs> oh what holy shit all right oh, initiation over buddy okay sorry what all right full-fledged member right nice you still got your underwear that's oh, true <laughs> no, I don't know. I woke up and it's gone. <laughs> what happened? Don't ask. Don't, it's better, oh. better, better yeah. if you don't ask. You don't ask so. questions. No, don't it's, ask, don't it's, ask. it's just preparation for Baltimore. Right. Exactly. exactly. I don't know what to think. It's yeah. It's and it's better if you just like keep keep quiet about what happens in Baltimore too. <laughs> yeah, just some unsavory. What happens in Baltimore stays right. in Baltimore. And it's always yeah. better if you don't struggle. Yeah. So. <laughs> Relax. It'll go easy for both of us. Uh. If you don't clench up, we're, we're, we'll be much better place. Yes. Oh, man. Don't worry about those photos. I'll, uh, I'll, wake, I'll wake up and, like, Daryl will be spooning me, whispering in my ear. It's okay. It's all you know, right. He'll be petting your hair. Okay. It's not gay if you're asleep. It's all right. <laughs> what? Uh, so, anyways, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on our 100th episode. Thanks for now being a part of the show permanently. Yeah. Excited, yeah. Yeah, uh, thanks for I, making I, us legitimate I, by being our first guest we ever had. Which is definitely better than making you my illegitimate. Right. That right. that is awkward. <laughs> we would have been your, we would have been Robert's bastard child. So I know, I know. <laughs> no, but it's all on the up and up. We're all legitimate now. Right. We're all good. We're good to go. We all got rings on our fingers. So Robert, yes. <laughs> so Robert, uh, tell everyone where they can find your work and what you're going to be doing and all that fun stuff. Yeah, the best way to keep up with it is with robertatkinsart.blogspot.com. Uh, I post there regularly. It's a lot of process shots of either commissions I'm working on, sketches I've done at shows, or even uh, current covers or projects uh, that I'm doing. Uh, I also post on my DeviantArt account, which is just robertatkins.deviantart.com. Uh, you can check me out on Facebook. It's Robert Atkins Art on Facebook. Or at Twitter, it's at Robert Atkins Art for Twitter also. Um, and I often post, you know, on Facebook or Twitter, mostly just to kind of show my current updates on my blog. Um, the best way to get a hold of me, though, is through my email. I don't, I'm, I really don't like checking my Facebook messages along with email, along with everything else. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so you can email me just at robert at robertekinsart.com. And he will be at Baltimore, and then right after Baltimore, where was it again? You'll be appearing. Uh, St. Louis. It's a couple weeks later. Um, uh, for Project Comic Con down in St. Louis, it's a really nice two-day show. So if you're in the Midwest area, it's a good show to travel to. Uh, then after that, New York Comic Con. Awesome. 
And uh, let me go ahead and give our information out uh, for after this long, long episode. Uh, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us at the forumforgeeks.com where you can interact with us every day. Robert's even there on occasion when he has... Yes, when I have time. When you have time. Uh, <laughs> I'm not playing that G.I. Joe game. Yes. I know. Yes. It's addictive. <laughs> and uh, you can find us on Facebook. We have a fan page as well as a profile page. You can follow both of them. I make sure that I post anytime new episodes are up. I post it on both the fan page and profile page. You can find us on uh, Stitcher Radio. It's a smart way to radio. Uh, it's a free app for your mobile devices, and you can find Star Joe's on there, and you can make us one of your favorites. It's a smart way to listen. Um, that, too. Uh, you can, <laughs> you can uh, find it. I like smart way to radio better. I think that sounds that, more catchy. That, that means fucking nothing. I know. That's what a good catchphrase does. It means nothing. Um, it's it's like being internet famous. It means absolutely nothing. Uh, we're on GeekCast Radio Network. Where you can find CRN for life, baby. Absolutely, you can find us as well as a bunch of other great shows. Especially if you like the type of properties that we cover, you can find a whole slew of them there. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, iTunes, please leave us a review, especially after this episode. We certainly, hopefully, made it worth your while to leave us a review. Finally, if you haven't done so already. Uh, well, I, I just want to take a couple of moments. If you yeah. finally got through this episode, so thank God. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes. But for real, on, on a serious, I want to thank Ryan, my co-host, on 100 episodes. It's been a great journey. Absolutely. Uh, I want to thank Robert Atkins, our newest host. Uh, thank you, Robert, for joining us in this madness. I want to thank all of our fans on the forum. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank all the fans who supported the show, supported us. Uh, without you guys, it wouldn't be as half as fun as it is to do the show. So um, thanks to everybody who ordered T-shirts. Thanks for everybody who wanted to hang out with us and meet us and talk to us and Special, you know, thanks to uh, John Thurman, to, to Rock, to uh, Grubzilla, uh, JT of South Carolina. Crash. I mean, there's so Crash Murdoch. Yeah, there's so many people we can we can thank individually. But straight edge man. Straight edge man. We'll, we'll for, yeah, well, if we're gonna forget some people, yeah. Nick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, there's just so many people. Uh, Chris Campbell, obviously the DC Noise guys with uh, DC Noise Keith, guys, yeah, Keith, Mike and Daryl. Yeah. Um, I mean, just there's been so many people. Yeah, X out there from Altered Egos. I mean, there's just been so many people, and like you said, we're gonna forget somebody's name. Yeah, um, the guys over at uh, Pop Culture Leftovers. Yeah. Got to thank those guys. Thank the guys at Punisher Body Count. Got Rod, uh, thank the guys Roger and Dave with uh, with uh, guys with toys. Yeah, I think the guys with toys, guys, uh, my other co-host there. Yeah, uh, the guys formerly known as ETM. Yeah, thanks. Yes. <laughs> thanks for never. Thanks for never coming back. That's <laughs> I, I guess the yeah. We outlasted you guys, so thank you. Oh uh, yeah. But uh, no, I mean it's just been amazing. We've made some amazing friends uh, by doing this show. Uh, yeah. Got to know a lot of creators who I consider them a lot of them friends now, even if they don't consider me a friend. It's okay. Um, but no, I inspired at you, Robert. Inspired at you. <laughs> I know it's pretty much just, I'm, it's just me on that list. Um, but no, I mean it's just been absolutely incredible. I never yeah, we thought, got to talk to a lot of amazing people. The what's on Joe Mine guys, those guys are great. Those yeah. guys are excellent. Oh, I yeah. never thought we would get this this far i honestly never thought we'd get this far uh i never either from humble beginnings to yeah. a conversation in a lunchroom to 100 episodes talking to you know creators artists uh we, we talked to flint i mean what the hell yeah bill ratner i mean that, i never thought in my wildest dreams i would actually get to be able to speak with bill ratner and have him yeah. on, our, on our show for this episode it was just absolutely awesome uh, also thank the guys over at uh toy world order jason and dave draper thank you guys for 
you know, being cool and being friends and stuff like that. I mean, Pixel Dan, at, thanks a lot. Yeah, Pixel Dan, <laughs> Slick McFavorite, and Miss yeah. McFavorite. I mean, the thing is, at, at the end of the day, like I said, it like just like what you were saying, Chuck. At the end of the day, you know, the reason we got to episode 100 and the reason why we'll keep going is because of the listeners because. If we weren't having you guys being interactive with us and talking with us and wanting to, to wanting to talk with us uh, and interact with us, I, we probably would have eventually said, you know what, I'm kind of done. Because there's definitely been those times where it's like, man, I'm sitting there doing the editing and I'm just like, you know what, I'm I, this is just taking forever. But then I remember like, man, if I do something, if I take that little bit extra time to do something fun right here, our listeners are really going to appreciate that or really enjoy yeah. it. So um, it really keeps... So, to those who going. have uh, been with us since the beginning, to those who have came, those who have gone, those who have came and came back, yeah, like Matt, like uh, Warden TK43, yeah. Yeah. you came back. I mean, thanks a lot. He left us it. a message for this episode, so that was awesome. Yeah, and again, I, just just a big special thank you to you guys. So. Um, yeah. We're going to roll with another 100, so uh, yeah. thanks a lot. Yeah, that's the plan. And we're going to touch on a lot more properties uh, than we ever have in the past, hopefully. And, and uh, show me on that dolly where I touched you. Right. <laughs> but I thought it would be fitting uh, as, as a fitting tribute to my co-host, uh, Chuck, who's been the, with me for the, whole, no, for the whole ride. Uh, I thought Woo. nothing would make him happier than at the very end of this episode to hear C-3PO rapping. So. Nice. After after our closing music uh, that we usually have, uh, stay tuned and you'll get to hear C-3PO, Mr. Anthony Daniels, with a little rap. Uh, and if you guys want some real rap, go check out the word burglar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, I thought I would say I, I came across this not too long ago and I thought what perfect way to end episode 100 than uh, C-3PO rapping. So. Awesome. Uh, so again, thank you, Chuck. Thank you, yeah, Robert. Yeah, thank, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, appreciate um, it. Thanks, Robert. I, I appreciate yeah. you guys very much. I, I appreciate you guys being here for this episode. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's been an absolute blast, and I can't wait to have it continue. So, I guess we're done jerking each other off. Yeah. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Bye, massage. Go. The following message is brought to you by the Intergalactic Bureau of Tourism. How humiliating. I am fluent in over six million forms of communication, and here I am doing commercials for outer space. Oh, well. Get it, R2. My name, you know, is C3PO. Rapping about space, the new place to go. You can eat all you want and you won't gain a pound because there isn't any weight here like back on the ground. We travel very fast near the speed of light. You can leave in the morning and get home last night. His name is Artu, but you'll never hear him rap. His inventor forgot to give him lips that flap. He'll greet you all and turn on his charms. He'll give you a hug if he had some arms. There's no gravity when you're out in space. It doesn't pull you down or hold you in place. You can run real fast. Your feet will fly. You'll be so light. You can jump sky high. New worlds open up when you're out that far. And all you've got to do is wish upon a star. Chuck, you, sir, are an idiot.